Hey, and thanks for jacking into the Public Beta Podcast. It is Thursday, December 10th, a day that will live in infamy as the day of the game. Lee, and also Cyberpunk 2077 is here. Lee, I decided that we should open this intro with gratuitous amounts of pounding dubstep. So when you say yeah, you're jacked into dar- the podcast, there's just boom. Dar- dar- <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know, shit man, there's so much to fucking talk about. So we delayed the podcast today so that we could both play Cyberpunk, and the main impetus of this was that on the Xbox, and I don't know if this has always existed or something that people just recently found out, if you change your region to New Zealand, that means you're a day in the future and you can just start playing your pre-orders. So I'm like, well, I'm getting it on Xbox anyways, I have it sitting right there. Uh, after work yesterday in the evening, I, I became a New Zealander, and I, uh... I played I played four hours of fucking cyberpunk. Four hours, jeez. Something like that, give or give or take. Uh, and then you on the PlayStation Five playing yeah. the PlayStation Four version because there is no PS Five version, and I already like am very remiss about it. I I don't. Was there a lot of loading? I don't remember. Well, like performance wise, are you when having you issues? Get, <laughs> Lee, when you play like sixty fucking hours of Demon Souls or Spider Man or whatever. And there's literally no loading times. Like, you just go into it. Every loading time is noticeable now. But I can't even think of one. I guess I'm not living that next-gen life. Yeah, so I, no, I, there I, is. Like, anytime okay. you transition between scenes, uh, we'll get into that later. It's not It's not an issue. Like, it's totally normal for a PS4 game. Uh, I'm just saying that my, uh, my, high, my high chair ass here is, like... <laughs> All right, yeah. well, we have, uh, the idea was that Cyberpunk 2077 will be our feature game, uh, so we're, we're going to get into a conversation about it for, for, for a bit here. Uh, after that, we have some quick news to run down and some other things uh, we've been playing to talk about, but we're going to open the floor to Cyberpunk, um, so insert dubstep music here. Read, it's finally here, Cyberpunk, <laughs> let's fucking talk about it. Uh, so, Spoilers will be light. Uh, we are only talking about the the opening few hours of the game. That being said, if you plan to play the game's uh, three different uh, openings, of course there is Nomad. What is it? Street Street, street Urchin. What is the Nomad one? Street Kid and Street Urchin? Are you fucking going Bloodborne here? Um, yeah, Nomad. Please, uh, want some more? And, <laughs> nomad uh, and Corpo. Kid and Corporate. Corpo. Yeah. Uh, so I chose to make a Corpo character. You went Nomad. Hell yeah. Uh, and then uh, we have someone else in the office who will will be filling us in on the street urchin playthrough. Yes, of the game. there's a lot of people in the uh, office in general playing cyberpunk, and uh, you know we may or may not do like the thing. I don't know. We'll see. So in terms of a hot mess, because all you there's articles upon articles about problems with this game, problems with the visual fidelity, problems with glitches, problems with this, problems with that, problems on PC, problems even downloading the game. They they broke Steam yesterday because they launched the game. So he, there's a there's a real thing that people don't talk about, which is last minute hype pre-orders. In that sometimes a third of your pre-orders will come two days or a day before a game comes out. Yeah, that's when I pre-order games digitally. Yeah, um, so that that's a real thing. And with PC, with Steam and GOG, they release the game at like 6 p.m. or something like that. So not only is, is there people hype pre-ordering this game at the last minute, there are also people being like, oh, if I download this right now, I can play it right now. Uh, and that bogged down the servers and, and shattered all kinds of Steam records. Uh, CD Projekt Red, of course, the, uh, the makers of Witcher 3, 
have have that prestige under their belt. So expectations are high. This game was first announced eight years ago in 2012. We got a trailer since then that built the hype. And uh, people were really wondering, could this game possibly live up uh, to, to what people are piling on it? Is this a No Man's Sky situation? What is no. going to happen? No, it's uh, not. Yeah. No, it is not. <laughs> no, uh, so in terms of, of glitchiness and bugs and stuff like that, let's just kind of get that out of the way it's so we can Bethesda, just kind of talk about the game. It's a Bethesda release. Like, it's <laughs> like go back in time to any Fallout release that you played, Fallout 4, New Vegas, or 3, or Skyrim, and it's exactly like this, which is, yeah, there's some bugs, and it'll take you out of the immersion sometimes, but I haven't encountered anything game-breaking. I haven't heard about anybody encountering anything game-breaking. So everything I hear is kind of incidental and kind of exactly what you said, immersion-breaking. So people are getting to the last, like, so you don't see your character in this game. You cannot play in third person. There are mirrors you interact with, and there are cutscenes where you will see your character. Um, those tend to be the glitchiest or the most immersion-breaking. Apparently people are, are, are running into things late in the game where characters are T-posing, sliding around the room, uh, your, your pants disappear so your dick is out in the final cutscene and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's no good. Uh, but, uh, I haven't encountered any of that. I put on a hat that made my hair disappear, which sounds like a David Bowie lyric. Uh, but I guess when I took that hat off, my hair was back, and that hat looked sucky anyway. Uh, and then also I've had uh, uh, Jackie in the game. His pistols like to disappear, so he's just standing there with one finger up like Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, which also you know reveals that he has horrible trigger discipline if he has his fingers sitting on those damn things all the time. It, first of all, it makes no sense for me. to me. I guess they'll... I haven't played the side for Corpro to end up with Jackie. Um, as far as my experience with technical or glitches or anything, all I've really had is some uh, textures not popping in correctly, especially during the character creation mode. Uh, I felt sure. I felt like a lot of uh, a lot of the lines and the textures, like I said, weren't popping out or defined. Um, sure when you get more gear, that's the case too. So, like, you go to a slap a shirt on, and it takes a little while for it to to appear. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, Besides that, like, I had Jackie run into some lockers, and, like, the lockers doors will f- flap, like, a million zillion times. Oh, the Havoc Dance and the Physics Engine, uh, are, it, it's all here. It's, it's... It's all here. Yeah. <laughs> it's all here, baby. They, they didn't leave anything on the, on the floor. So, I think what happened here, in terms of a hot mess, is it, it's incidental glitches, it's weird physics things, it's weird things like uh, your gear not appearing, but in terms of the game... And the structure of the game and doing quests and the game working moment to moment, knock on wood, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that, which Bethesda games have still today where a quest just breaks and you can't complete it or, or an NPC disappears. Cyberpunk, the, the complaints I've read seem to be more from a performance point of view and not necessarily yeah. from a being able to play the game for hours point of view. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to let you take the floor and tell me about the Nomad opening, uh, and I can contrast it then with the Corpo opening, and then I'll let you talk about to the point of the game where you're up to, and then I will fill in some of the gaps of what happens immediately after that. I got to the point where the game, quote-unquote, opens up. It's it's still like an epilogue as far as I'm concerned, even though it's called Act 1, uh, but I was basically like, okay, here are a bunch of things on the map, uh, go. Uh, here's two major quests, you know, you can do those or don't, well, f- fuck you. Uh, so let me know, what is the life of a nomad like? Right, in, uh, first of all, before we get there, don't spoil too much for me. I do want to still get to the oh, open no. yeah. part uh, it's... and be surprised by all of it. So nomad, uh, first of all, capture my interest because I did not want to be the street kid. I don't want to be some city punk. Eddie Kingston. Yeah, it just never, uh, <laughs> yeah, it never enticed me. Like, I don't 
picture that person being like a military capable person, I guess. Just my preconceived notions. Corporal does sure. not interest me whatsoever. No offense, dude. It's just like, uh, no. I might play it, it one time, though. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, wait until you hear what it is. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Nomad, Nomads are actually pretty interesting how the intro goes. The intro isn't incredibly flashy or over the top, um, but they established a lot of world building right away. Nomads are tribes of people who did not settle down in any, uh, any city by themselves. So you are playing as V. I'm sure your characters named the same thing in your fucking campaign. Um, yes. <laughs> so you start in a mechanical shop, and literally before you're walking... Like, you can walk around for a second, but before you're outside doing anything, you're actually in your car driving. So as you're about to get into your car, a sheriff comes up, and he's like, he's like, I'm racist, and I don't like you because you're not from here. And then you're like, okay, bye. And then you just leave, which was very strange. Like, you're just like, okay. Um, It's established through this conversation that you no longer are part of a tribe or a nomad clan, if they, what they call it. Um, so you're riding solo by yourself. You go to a radio tower to, uh, radio a former clan member that you used to be a part of. He helps you out to direct you to Night City where, uh, sorry, he's not directing you to Night City. He's directing you to Jackie. Uh, yeah. so you and Jackie can smuggle something into Night City. Okay. Um, so that's like, that's like the basic setup. Um, Interesting. They, yeah, they establish, like I said, that you're not part of a clan anymore. Um, when you're going over the border, it's that's the that's like the the exciting peak of this intro. When you're going over the border, you're stopped by customs and you have to talk to one in an interrogation room. And gotcha. this was where the dialogue actually got pretty interesting. Um, yeah, he asks you he asks you which uh, nomad clan you belong to, so you can either try to lie to him or you can be truthful and say I ride by myself now. And I told him I'd ride by myself, and I was soon, like... Ride or die. Yeah, I was soon sicked upon by the entire corporation <laughs> because, I, because I was driving away, and Jackie's like, why the fuck are they chasing us? And I was like, or sorry, V said, because I told him I was riding solo. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really neat. I hope that the decision... I hope that you wouldn't have gotten attacked by the corporation if you answered correctly. Um. Hmm. I would have to replay that section to see. Uh, after that, you're shortly just... And this is the weird thing for me, uh, is how much in the Nomad intro they uh, hyped up Night City, because you're not in Night City yet. You're on the outskirts right. here in the desert. And they keep talking about Night City this, Night City that. It's full of boobs and drugs and all this stuff. It, let me tell you, it certainly is. Yeah, uh, when you're in like the garage in the mechanic shop, you can see like TVs, and there's just like porn playing. Like It's just like fucked up um so anyway so totally weird to me that they they would hype up night city so much and all this stuff and then you kind of just show up in there uh i was expecting maybe a drive over the horizon to see the city budge out like new vegas stands out for new vegas stands out to me as like when you make it across the black mountain range you can start to see the strip and it slowly approaches you and it's like this big build up organically through the gameplay so what's interesting is, uh, I'll, I'll explain the Corpo thing up to that point where you're at, yeah. is that uh, the Corpo thing starts in in Night City, yeah. obviously, you're in a crazy high uh, building, something's gone wrong, you're like looking at yourself in the mirror and, and something's fucked up there, you are a, 
you're like an intelligence guy, so you work for this corporation and you manage intelligence and spies, and you try to you not not steal information, but you're like an intelligence broker. Uh, so you have people out in the field, and some of your guys got like there's some kind of issue in Frankfurt or something, and some of your guys got revealed, and, and it's hot, and you're taking some heat for it, and your boss is taking some heat for it. And uh, Jenkins is your boss. So you, you can talk to people around. You can kind of learn about how the bureaucracy in the corporate world of, of uh, cyberpunk works. There are a number of companies that do, you know, from anything from they have their own internet to private military. Uh, and it's all kind of listed. You can go into your terminal uh, uh, on your own computer and kind of get some flavor there of how this, this whole bureaucracy works. Uh, but Jenkins calls you into his room uh, w- without, suffice to say, he needs you to off someone. Uh, and you're, you're very aware that, uh, you know, if this goes bad, it goes bad for you and Jenkins, not just Jenkins. Uh, he gives you a wad of cash and basically says like, assemble a team, take down this person. Not someone from a rival corporation either. Like someone within this thing, like you can already see that it's, it's cutthroat. You are, uh, like a piece of shit kind of working your way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've kind of played the headcanon of that. I've made a very cool character, but I play him completely unlikable and kind of like like an asshole. Uh, like he, he is not a likable character the way I am playing him, but he is very capable is the, is the key to my headcanon of this character. Um, well, he gets things done. That's the interesting uh, so, thing I was going to ask yeah. you about is during the corporal intro, did you find that you had a lot of choice as far as dialogue goes and shaping the personality of your character? Uh, no. So you, you can kind of blindly go with things or you can be very questioning and kind of reluctant to do things. And of course the other character will, will acknowledge that. That you're asking more questions. There's also some other characters you can interact with. <clears throat> but but the thing about Cyberpunk. And let's say it right now. Is you are not so much building a husk character. In your own image. You are Shh. assuming a role of a character. And you can kind of change how obviously they interact with, yeah. with you're uh, the al- goings on yeah, in the world. You're, you're altering a pre-existing character. Rather than uh, wholly creating a new one personality and all. Right, more like Mass Effect or Deus Ex. Where you yeah, are it's a lot like world. Witcher Three. Actually, yeah. uh, you can mm. you can influence the general behavior that Geralt shows to people in general, but his personality is always going to kind of stay the same, and you can't really change that. Yeah, uh, and when I kind of picked up on that, that like I'm oh I'm kind of like a sniveling, like lower down on the on the totem pole kind of guy here, but but I am capable. I am I am able to race these ranks and this guy's trusting me with this so he basically at that point tells you to go find jackie in the bar uh so in your case it was go find jackie because you got to go steal a thing in my case it was go find jackie he's the guy you trust to help you Um, fucking off somebody yeah so uh uh, from from my part at that point is once you cross the border you're chased by the corporation and you shoot them while you're driving which is really cool sure like this entire intro is pretty much all driving uh and jackie's driving while you're shooting out the window after that, you smash into a garage. You find out that you've been smuggling an iguana, which have sure. which have been illegal, uh, extinct for like thirty years. They said. Awesome. I I really <laughs> love uh, little moments like that where like they organically explain unique things about this world without it being like a heavy contrivance you'd see in Metal Gear Solid, for example. Yeah. Like it's just where are we smuggling? Oh, it's an iguana. The fuck's an iguana? Ah, it's a reptile, but dead for thirty years. I saw it on TV once. Like it's perfect. Um, yeah. The the idea too that um, it's not the other characters that are the experts. That V himself 
uh, has knowledge of the world that in which he inhabits. He's not being like, what is this? What is that? Right. I'm like, I don't know. You're that, 30 I years guess, old. You know all this. I guess yeah. that's what's jarring for me in the Nomad intro is because everyone's like, oh, first time in Night City, like have fun and stuff like that. And there wasn't an intro to Night City. It's a bit more understandable now because the Street Kid and the Corpro beginnings both already start in Night City. You're not going to intro a city you're already in like that. Um, so right. it's just a bit jarring that like you go into this garage, you find the iguana, you and Jackie give the bro handshake. We're like, we're partners now, dog. And then immediately you're in Night City. So it's a, it's a quick transition. There's no grand reveal for nomads for Night City, apparently never having been there before. So I would have really so liked the, that. Um, yeah. So yeah. And then, um, and then they go into that montage that I'm sure you've gone to with you and Jackie just doing a lot of odd jobs, high five and dudes and all that shit. Right. Um, so here's uh, in the in the in my playthrough when I'm sitting in the bar with Jackie discussing this, uh, we have a shot of tequila together. Two like like thugs basically from from corporate show up in suits and they they basically know what I'm up to and they're like, okay, here's the deal. Uh, you're fired. You're terminated. Uh, give us the data chip that you were given. They take the data chip so they are fully aware of what Jenkins is planning. Uh, so I don't know if these stories come back later. I don't know if there's like a side quest that completes this. It, it has to it's be. a huge Yeah. Because all uh, three stories seem to lead to the exact same place. It's just uh Initially, yes. Uh yeah. so because you these did guys the are mission like Because you did the mission yeah. immediately after to get the girl out of the tub, right? I did, yes. Yes, yeah. okay. Um, and that's all so three, when by I'm, the way. Yeah, when I'm operating uh, at the beginning of the game, I have all this stuff on my heads-up display. I have I have stocks, I have barcodes, I have all this shit. And when these guys fire me, they say in the next uh, one to two minutes, you'll be disconnected from like the corporate network. Uh, so your your character is almost like paralyzed. He's like temporarily like as they turn off his like system awareness because it's also like biometrics and like controlling your breathing and monitoring your heart rate. So when all this turns off, your character is like immobilized for a while. And how much of a bitch you are is determined on your speech checks uh, when this happens to you. So I'm like, okay, this is all fascinating. And before this, I get an intro to to Night City because I jump in a limo from the roof of this crazy corporate building and it takes me on a cool scenic little trip Aww. around downtown night city like with all the neon lights what the and stuff. fuck why didn't i get that you're a nomad you're a dirt person right the first <laughs> the first thing i actually saw of night city is during the tub girl mission and is when you walk outside briefly to put it on the stretcher and i was like oh that's kind of neat it looks like fifth element and then that's it that's all i seen that's interesting, yeah. Like again, these these are interesting comparisons. Uh, and then I step out of my limo. Uh, three guys attack me. I do a cool action and uh, punch two of them in the throat. And the third guy gives up. Um, and then it's pretty much like after um, after that scene with Jackie and Jackie's basically like, "Well, you have a big wad of cash uh, that that guy prepaid you, so you have some seed money here. It's time to start your new life in in, in Night City." And now we are we've we've synced up. Now oh, our okay. characters yeah. go through that montage. Perfect. Yeah. Um, another thing I did miss about my intro is while you're on the while you were on the radio with your buddy and he's going to direct you to Jackie. Uh, he's just like, I won't help you again because you left the clan. You know the rules. If you leave the clan, you can never come back, and I can't communicate with you. Loyalty, blah uh, blah blah. And then he implies yeah. that all the nomad clans have recently gone under the umbrella of somebody like some group called like the Sand Snakes. Something with snakes. Tunnel snakes? Yeah, tunnel snakes. <laughs> I'll show you a real tunnel snake, Amada. Uh, Extra large. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
So then B just says, like, screw the snakes. And uh, so I'm assuming that's going to be coming back later, like you said, in a big, large side quest, if you will, um, where I essentially have to confront these snakes and find people from my past, etc., etc. Yeah, I assume that's that was where that was. So, yeah. So, what the fuck was I going to say now? So now we're at the, the Tub the Girl game... mission. <laughs> yeah, so the, t- the Tub Girl mission, uh, where you're basically given a pistol, you realize really quickly that every weapon that enemies are dropping... Uh, you can pick up, you can equip, yep. you can equip, uh, you know, you have accessories you can equip, you can equip new pieces of armor. By the way, when you get to a, your apartment, make sure you go to the closet, because there's a ton of clothes in there that have better armor ratings than what they start the game with. Oh, really? So make, make sure you do that. And there's a cool jacket in there. Don't miss it. Yeah, I made a... By uh, the way, you... we didn't talk about it at all, but the character customization, fuck. Uh, good options. Good good options. In yeah, there. not bad. Uh, you don't really control your body type or anything, because of the, the you're, pl- you're assuming a role in the game, but you can... Uh, do cybernetic implants and stuff later to do you more want to like, your character. Do you want to go into this now, or should we save the character creation for later? Uh, I mean, did you get back to your apartment after the Tub Girl? No, mission? no. Like, I literally got back into my car after rescuing Tub Girl. I looked at the clock. It was midnight 30. I'm like, I need to fucking go to bed. Zero Dark 30. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after after that mission, you go back to your apartment. After that, there's uh, further cutscenes kind of introducing you to who you'll be immediately working with, what the plan is. Uh, you and Jackie working together to do some jobs, and that's kind of the point I got to. There's a point with a doctor you get to. But that's when uh, the like game opens up and you can actually choose what to do at that point, right? Yes, after you see the, the Ripper Doc, which is one of the things you'll be doing immediately when you start playing again, uh, then the game kind of is like, okay, do what you want. And I have to say, like the, the parts that I played in Night City after that, like driving my car for the first time, uh, flipping through the radio station... There's so many different radio station options of of different variety of dubstep. I love games <laughs> that are like this is what music will sound like 50 years from now. It's like it's impossible to know that, but also this game is is based on cyberpunk. The idea that people are still using data chips and cords coming out of their hands to connect to things is false. In the next 10 years, we won't have cables. Nothing will connect with a cable. It'll <laughs> all be wireless. It'll all be Bluetooth and stuff like that. So it, that retro future is there like the yes it's retro future for sure when you're looking through the hack view lee it's like a digital old style shitty camera yes and the hack stuff is neat so you have all kinds of options at your disposal obviously you have skill trees you have your your core stats uh did you remember what they were (laughs) uh body reflex um, so you every time you level up you get an reflex. attribute point and then you get a perk point so the attribute point raises your base attributes and then you get a perk uh, that you can go inside there and be like okay I can I can sneak better okay I can shoot better uh, and then you also level up your individual skills as you use them kind of in like an oblivion way uh, or Skyrim I guess uh, as you shoot with handguns and stuff like that you will individually level up those skills as well um, there's also a VR training thing uh, that happens early on which I do suggest you go all the way through because uh, it definitely taught me some stuff I didn't uh, come across otherwise. Also, uh, t- when you're switching weapons, you can push, like, Y, or I guess triangle in your case, probably. To holster your gun, it's double tap that button. I'm putting oh. that out there because I didn't fucking figure that out for yeah, the first dude, hour. No, I, I, had to... I had the same problem. I had to go into just view at the controls, and it was right there. So I shouldn't say it wasn't a problem, but uh, they didn't make it very obvious at the beginning. What's, what's interesting is, like, that's maybe the only thing that isn't obvious, because if you've played a shooter in the last ten years, you f- you fall right into this game. Crouch is where you think it is, uh, you know, shooting, grenades, it's all pretty intuitive. Um, the shooting feels fine. I'm playing on normal mode, I don't know if you, you went hard. Or... No, I went normal mode as well. Yeah, you, you can get shredded, and you also don't have regenerative health. You do need to pop 
uh, like health uh, stim pack kind of things yeah. uh, to keep yourself going. Yeah, other than that, you come across a ton of variety of weapons right off the bat. Everything, it's a it's a loot game in that regard, and that things are different levels, things have different perks to them, do different things. Uh, I have like a silent sweet-ass pistol now, a like, almost like a P90 submachine gun, and then this like stupid double-barrel shotgun with all these like fucking heat ports on the side of it. It looks absolutely ridiculous. It looks like a farmer's shotgun in the future, and I love it. And in terms of fashion, in terms of guns, in terms of... How So in terms of immersion, read when I started wandering around Night City and sort of driving around Night City and would stop and get out of my car and look around and like the biggest, the, the closest comparison I can think of is playing GTA 5 in first person for the first time, understanding how big that map is with how much detail it is and looking at the cyberpunk map and being like, this, uh, we've got a lot of hours uh, to come in this, in this fucking oh, game yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's in terms of the story. Uh, how did you how did you feel about the shooting and the and the tub girl scene? <laughs> the shooting. Um, so yeah, the shooting felt fine. I heard online for a controller specifically, you should go into the options and turn up specific uh, or turn down to zero specific sensitivity. It's not like the regular Y and X axis sensitivity. It's something you can just get good. It's called something else. <laughs> no, listen, and it'll turn off a lot of the weird sway you're feeling apparently. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's a little bit weird. Uh, the cars drive very funky, I find, like very wobbly. Maybe it was I was going to a- say the cars drive actually pretty good. Like compared to – my direct comparison for first-person driving would be GTA Five Online, right? But and, GTA Five uh, Online is far better driving in my opinion. It has tighter driving. This, though, feels more arcadey. And you realize that you don't really have to feather the brake that if you take corners tightly, you can do so by just pushing the stick. I found the driving to be, again, I haven't done it in an action scene or anything like that, but just getting around with the driving, I actually didn't mind it. Um, as far as the shooting goes, it's f- shooting in first person RPGs has never been great. Uh, I would say this is maybe the best one, but even then I wouldn't compare it to any uh, proper first-person shooter out there with really good shooting mechanics. Like, I wouldn't say this is nearly as good as, like, Destiny 2, uh, Call of Duty, um, Overwatch, or any of those, but it's, it's... This is somewhere north of Deus Ex... And maybe equal to, if not maybe a little better than Fallout 4? I would say better than Fallout 4, but I wouldn't say any better than, like, you know, your Wolfensteins, your Dooms, your Call of Duties, or anything like that. I don't know how many weapons you've uh, you've had the the pleasure of using. I've but only the, had the variety in the. I've only, had, I've only had pistols and an assault rifle. So just a funny anecdote there. Um, during the opening bath tub mission scene, I'm like, dude, I can't see my ammo fucking anywhere. I don't know how much <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting. I don't know how much is in my reserve. Like, what's going on? And I totally thought yeah. it was a glitch, and I was like, "Oh fuck, worst game ever." Um, then I come in to work today, and I talk to everybody, and they're like, "Oh no, get past it!" And like, it's part of the game. And I was like, "That's really strange." Okay, I, it's not that. Like, I I didn't even notice that. I noticed I had an ammo count at the beginning of the game, but not at that point in the game. And then pretty like again, if you played another ten minutes, it would have answered your question. So yeah, but it was so late and stuff. And that's the thing I know. <laughs> that's like one of the first things I check for in a first person shooter is what's the HUD like? Is my ammo count everything in a good yeah. position? Whatever. So so the HUD is is somewhat. Like it's implied that like it's it's augmented reality, right? So you're like wearing like a Google Glass in your eyes, and the, the HUD is actually what your character is seeing. So they kind of canonically, when you add or take away stuff from your HUD, 
there there's kind of a storyline reason for that. Uh, and I actually don't mind that. I think it's kind of neat. Yeah. I, think, I won't spoil what it is because uh, it's kind of neat. It's all but, like Deus Ex. Um, this game's a lot like Deus Ex. <laughs> this game's a lot like Deus Ex and a lot like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a lot like Deus Ex. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in terms of the story, in terms of the characters I've come across, in terms of the storytelling, obviously I am intrigued. We have barely scratched the surface of this damn thing. Yeah. Um, I can tell you a little bit more about the systems and stuff that, that evolved after that point, but I think at this point, uh, we just let you get a weekend with it, get like 10 hours or more under your belt here, oh, and, uh, and talk about that, it again hopefully. next week in terms of Cyberpunk. Yeah, how do you like Jackie? Anything else to say? How do you like Jackie? How do I like Jackie? How do I like uh, T-Hawk? How do I like super muscly uh, Cabron uh, Spanish? The, the Latins, they've survived, uh, and that's good, because they're... <laughs> They're spicy people, and I like Jackie's fine. I got I got nothing. Yeah, like uh, what? the characters you meet on the street and stuff. Like when you start to really explore Night City and like the advertisements and like the the vistas, if you will. I clapped. Um, it it all feels cohesive. It all feels fine. Like I, I I'm already coming across characters where you're like, these guys are all really likable. When you meet the Doctor, he is an exceptionally likable character. Um. And it's nice, like like in a GTA, like a good GTA, to have that mix of like characters you like genuinely uh, like, and especially in a game where you're given so many di- different directions to go. If there's a character you latch onto, if there's a quest line you want to see through because you like those characters more, I love that in games, especially yeah. uh, immersive ones like this, where you you are overwhelmed yeah, with what to do. That next. was a big strength of The Witcher was making these seemingly unlikable people at first and making them become likable over time. Just through character yeah. development, through simple character development. Um, some interesting things I just took note of. So during the opening bathtub mission, there's that one guy that has his back turned to you and he's facing towards a dumpster. Um, yeah. I had to replay the section a few times because I kept getting blasted looking for the ammo count in the corner. Uh, <laughs> so when I would replay these sections, if you kill the guy or knock him out and put him directly into the dumpster, Jackie will yes. be like, uh, like, nice job, couldn't have done it better myself. If you just knock him out or just kill him and don't put him into the dumpster, he will say nothing. Okay. So, yeah, that's pretty... Um, I like little I like little <laughs> things like that where you reward with a little extra, hey, good job, if you uh, actually put the effort through to do something a little bit extra special during that mission. So that was if pretty it was neat. a Rockstar game, you would just got a game over if you didn't just dump him in the... Yeah, they're like, you're supposed to get on the damn train, V. <laughs> all you had to do. Yeah, all you had um, to do. Yeah, sometimes V's line reads sound a little bit like Tony Danza. I think that's fine, too. Cyberpunk. <laughs> let's let's uh, talk about the elephant in the room. CD Projekt Red, Monday morning or whatever time that is in Poland, uh, was like, "Hey, uh, sorry, we misled people on the uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One versions by never showing it or talking at all about the fucking awful problems they have." And we're talking about the core consoles specifically, like the PS4 OG, Pro, the OGs. Yeah, like if you have an old Xbox One or an old PS4, these are who are who are experiencing the most issues, and it's it's bad. It's yep. unplayably bad. Like textures never load. Things are are crashing, glitching left and right. They are a hot mess. You if you have the core PS4 or Xbox One, 
I'm going to say it right now, do not buy Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Straight up. But if you um, have a PS4 Pro and Xbox One S... It depends on your... Not an Xbox One S, an Xbox One X. Xbox One X, sorry. Yeah, which is oh. what I'm playing on. Yeah, or um, PS5 or an Xbox Series X. You should buy this game. Yes, PC, <laughs> by and large, is where this game is most stable. However... Game uh, game breaking glitches or quest and mission glitches still persist in all versions and they seem to be completely random. So the controversy here is apparently that when this game was going to go gold, and let me tell you how games are printed, Reed. This might be a, a, an interesting how it's made for you. Uh, when there are issues with the game, if there are game breaking bugs, etc., if the people making the game can tell uh, during certification that these will be patched out, we're only going to do so many discs with this version. We're going to do this update for launch. And then the majority of the discs will be printed with these bugs not in existence. There is a certain percentage of your printed games where that is allowed. Uh, so you can present a completely broken game. Uh, it, when I say broken, I mean the game is broken. Obviously, they go through certification to make sure this game won't literally melt your PS4 and break it or brick it. Those things uh, cannot be excused. Obviously, your game would be delayed. But in, cor in, in case of things like Cyberpunk where, hey, the AI routines aren't done. If you follow a car in that game, read it drives in a straight line on the road until it encounters something and then it stays put. And other cars will pull up behind it, and they'll stay put too. If a car encounters a wall, it will either drive into the wall repeatedly, or stay put facing the wall. The car doesn't know where it's supposed to go, the car doesn't know it's supposed to continue on. AI for NPCs are the exact same. These were things that were considered okay, uh, we'll, we'll have these patched, you know, in the next couple months. And fair enough, they don't really affect gameplay, let's say. Things that do affect, affect gameplay, obviously, are, are quest breaking. You can't advance a quest, you can't talk to somebody, you can't pick something up, um... I haven't experienced like, any of those personally. Yeah, uh, things like driving in third person and your character's ass is hanging out the roof of the car with your dick out. Uh, <laughs> these are these are fun glitches. These are things that are annoying to have in a game that you are meant to be immersed in. But let's be honest, uh, th this is something that can and will be fixed, and it's really up to your personal level of how much jank can you handle to get over stuff like this. Stuff like uh, things clipping in the environment, some people just can't take it. People, Someone's holding a cigarette and it's floating above their hand. Like, oh, this game's broken. No, that's, that's not the main problem with this game. There's a much uh, bigger problem. Yes, so people were putting the heat on Sony and Microsoft, uh, saying that, hey, you allowed this game in this form on your console, and now we're dealing with Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red basically saying, hey, go to the retailer where you purchased it, and they'll refund you, and if not, you can contact this email address. Well, CD Projekt Red didn't go out of their way to contact anyone uh, ahead of time. No big retailers, no vendors, Warner Brothers like, were throwing up their hands. They basically put out this statement on their own, uh, and it, it's a call and response, right? Like, I think... That the news breaking on Friday that they'd already made their money back on this game in pre-orders alone is a bad look when your game is a hot fire. Uh, and, and doing a statement like this seems like, yeah, well, they got the money to cover it. They'll, they'll handle it. Only now, because everyone is funneling to that email address, no one's getting a response and everyone's getting upset. And now you've basically opened the door to the entitled to refund the game. And listen, I get it. 
the game is broken. Some people cannot progress in the game. Some people can't play the game at all. Yes, you should be entitled to a refund there, but CD Projekt Red went ahead and announced this without even letting like PSN and Xbox Live know. So it's kind of at their mercy whether or not they're going to refund you. And of course, they have their own list of requirements for you to be able to download a game. On PSN, if you download a game that you've pre-ordered off the store, that's it. You cannot get it. You've downloaded it. Uh, on other services, obviously, it's based on the number of hours you've played. Even then, uh, Steam or someone like that with their deep pockets would just refund it anyways. Uh, you saw this with, like, Fallout 76 and what Bethesda did there. Uh, and if your game is being compared to Fallout 76, that's a fucking problem. Big time. Um, so, a messy launch. And it's going to be a messy three months uh, going forward with this game. And I'm being very clear when I say this. If you want to experience Cyberpunk as early as possible... There is something here that is very, very enjoyable. And me and Reed are about to fucking gush about that for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got all the bad stuff out of the way as far as, like, the really bad stuff. There's obviously funny glitches and things that have happened probably yes. in both of our games. But personally, besides some crashing on my PS5, I haven't experienced anything game-breaking. I haven't experienced any quests that I wasn't able to complete. Nor was I really experiencing any... What do you call it? Ludonarrative dissonance? Um, yeah, which I have. <laughs> yeah, so like my experience on the PS5 has been mostly uh, enjoyable aside from the crashing. Crashing. I shouldn't say enjoyable, the, the sorry. Smooth, because I do love this fucking game. I fucking love this game. <laughs> right. So on the on the Xbox One X, I have very little issues. Uh, some some uh, texture pop-in, which I found after that update, they pushed a lot less of it. Uh, and yes, the game does not look as good as it could on a high-end PC or an Xbox Series X. Yes, I understand this. It looks, and here, and here's the thing that's uh, that is going to be different for everyone. It looks good enough to me. To me, this game looks good enough on Xbox One X. Right, and some I can deal with Jake, like, and I can deal with yeah. Right, some people are expecting like Demon Souls graphics. Demon Souls being like one of, if not the best looking game out there right now. Uh, people wanted, if not that, like Last of Us 2 graphics. And you simply can't have that with a game this fucking big, full of shit. It, and, well, I'm yeah. playing on PS5, and the game looks like pretty fucking good. I would say not as good, like I said, as Last of Us 2 on PS4 Pro, but more than enough than what I need for its purposes. The, the forest for the trees, like the way the game looks, if a game's going to look good, if that's the thing it's going to do... Have you seen New so Vegas? That game looks like yeah. fucking garbage. Yeah, but I can play New <laughs> Vegas, no fucking problem. Here's here's the thing. I, for the longest time, if anybody asked me, and people ask me this in the store all the time, even when I worked there, uh, just like, what is your dream game? What is it? Like, what, what if, if a, a, a game developer in a black hood came up to you in an alleyway, and they were like, what do you want? Uh, my answer for the longest time was Skyrim, but Blade Runner. Uh, for like 10 years now, was was like <laughs> someone, someone doing open world Blade... They were doing Prey 2... And it was that, and then they canceled that and do it, did a completely different take on Prey, and I was sad. Watch Dogs Legion comes out, and I'm like, hey, this is this is almost... And then Cyberpunk hits, and I'm like, no, this is uh, this is what I asked for. And yes, it's it's coming in hot. Yes, this game will crash on you. Not, hey, maybe it'll crash. No, this game will crash yes. on you. <laughs> there will be things that happen in this game you are not intending, and you have to be fucking aware of that. If you want to get in early... And listen, I'm not talking about the snake oil salesman of selling the fake bill of goods for $80 here and that everybody should know this going in. Obviously, they have a fucking issue on their hands. But because we only have so much time, 
We're about to launch into all these things we've liked about this game, and we're talking about this game based on what we've experienced, and in a year's time, what someone else may experience. These these conversations we have are not in the minute. It's a little more so because we're playing this game in real time, yeah. and obviously you don't want to get to the end of it and being like, oh, top five game of all time. You want to leave some time behind it. But the groundwork they have set here, if they are to build on it, and we do believe the guys who made Witcher 3, which was also a tire fire when it came out, yes. will improve this game over time. Yes. <laughs> uh, there, There's trust at least in that. But when CD Projekt Red announces their next project, maybe we fucking all remember this happening and temper our expectations a little bit. And that trust is lost in CD Projekt Red, in my opinion. Uh, so shame on them. for, And they know what they did. But let's talk about this fucking game they've made, Reed, because it's phenomenal. Yes, because it's goddamn <laughs> great. So I think we briefly talked about the intro that we both had uh, last episode, so I don't think we need to get into that again. Like I right. said earlier this episode, I'm past the 30-hour mark, I believe, while you are now behind me. I'm level 10 with around 9 street cred. I have uh, gone through the intro, obviously, uh, through the, the late title card. I have advanced the quests on the other side. I've been doing some side stuff, and then I have focused on the... Uh, spoilers from here on out for the for the first I guess yeah. eight let's say eight hours of the game, uh, doing the quest with Judy where I'm looking for Evelyn Parker as she is one of the people that can lead me to the creator of the Engram chip in my neck that's killing me. Yeah, uh, fuck man. Um, there's so much to get into about this game. So yeah, so I, I let's I mean let's take it back. Uh, the game opens with you doing a couple of jobs. Uh, one of its which uh, that we both I mean it's you know it's the quest that everybody has to do at the start of the game so sure they made it seem a little more cool uh, but the maelstrom mission where you oh, are basically yes, one of the the two things you need to do leading up to this heist uh, for uh, Dex Deshawn I believe is his name yeah uh, is we need to we need to get this robot back from these maelstrom uh, mercs and they have stolen the robot so basically you the plan no they haven't stolen is you're the gonna robot. walk into you, Dex was always going to yeah. buy the robot off the former leader maelstrom brick. However, yes. Brick was overthrown of his rule slash presumed to be murdered by his secondhand Royce. Royce is much more of an aggressive piece of shit and is refusing to honor the deal since Dex has already paid for it. Yes, Royce is also our uh, thumbnail. Yes, yes, of the yes, episode. yes, yes, yeah. he is. Um, so you have the choice here. When you have this quest, you can either meet up with uh, Meredith Banks, who was a member of Militech, who owned the flat, who have created the Flathead, I believe. Um, you can either go to her and she can provide you with a chip that you can use to pay for the flathead. This chip will either be encrypted or not with a virus, depending on what you do. And then you can make the deal with Maelstrom. Essentially, you need the flathead. You can either get Militech's help or not to achieve your goal. So the very interesting thing about this quest, more so than all of that, though, is um, all the different outcomes and especially later outcomes that can come of this. At the warehouse where I work... Um, there's three other guys that are playing Cyberpunk besides you and me right now. All three guys have gotten different outcomes because of this quest than you or me. You might have the same outcome as one of them, but all three of them had different ones than me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so when you go to... Yeah, I'm not remembering the exact details of the quest, but you meet up with Meredith Banks. You can either convince her to, like, first of all, not shoot you in the fucking face and uh, basically provide you with the funds necessary to pay for the deal, and then she can come in and clean up. Now, this is the interesting part. There's a virus on the card. If you have a high enough technical skill, you can decrypt the card and remove the virus, or you can leave it on. 
once you go to Maelstrom with Jackie to complete the deal with the Flathead, um, you go in there. First of all, you meet a guy named Dum Dum. I love the look of Maelstrom. I think it's so fucking cool and eerie. Um, yeah. yeah, they all have like like robotic optics and like basically like metal skulls almost. Like they're so like heavy cyber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget how Jackie described him, but, like, he's like, some guys love drugs, these guys love chrome. Like, like they're all in on uh, on the cybernetic enhancements. They all look very creepy and eerie. So yeah. I'm only going to speak for my personal experience with this quest, and then I'll briefly speak on what happened to the other three guys so we can get a basic understanding of how the quest, how any quest operates in cyberpunk. Um. So I met with Meredith, and I convinced her to give me chips, to, or eddies, sorry, that's the, that's the currency there, to pay for the flathead. I decrypted the virus off of it and went to Royce. Royce had a gun to my face, and I sprang a gun to his face. I informed him that Militech was on his ass and that I took the virus off the card. He then accepted my payment and gave me the flathead when Militech attacked. And then I teamed up with Maelstrom to defend ourselves against Militech where I exited the building. When I exited the building, Meredith's former hostage walked up. He was a male. And he said, thank you. Uh, Meredith went behind Militech's back. She's now taken care of. You won't see her again. Have a great day. So what happened with yeah. yours? Mine was almost exactly the same way. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, I played... I played the whole interaction with Meredith a little cooler because I'm Corpo with a high cool stat. So I had some checks there where, like, like there was never, like, she knew I, I knew shit and could get this done for her kind of thing. Yeah. And that applies to, uh, so the thing with being Corpo is you work for Arasaka at the start of the game. Oh. Uh, so it gives you a different perspective on what we're about to talk about um, in that you worked for this corporation. So you know a little bit about what's going on. So you know how it sort of operates. But the corporation is so large that, like, your story at the start of the game has nothing to do with what, what takes place on, on the major scale here. Yeah. But it also means your character has that back... You have that tie to this... You work for this business that Johnny Silverhand tried to destroy all those years ago. And, like, you have this in, which was always super neat. But, yeah, my, my quest basically went went the same way uh, for the most part. I thought it was a fucking excellent open quest. Yes. Cool uh, twist. Man, like, some people are, are disagreeing with the dialogue in this game, and if you pay attention to the localization, they drop pronouns almost all the time. So, someone would be like, I don't think that's a good idea. There'll be there'll be a pause, and it'll be like, don't think that's a good idea. And when the line is read, it comes off, like, I've gotten used to it, because everybody in the game fucking speaks this way. Um, but there, there, it's it's hard to say if this is an intentional cyberpunk choice. Or no, that's not. What I, that's what but, I've always thought. I don't think the dialogue is yeah. particularly weird. I guess, but like, it's definitely like um, like you ever seen Altered Carbon? The show called Altered Carbon on Netflix. No. Well, it's just a cyberpunk <laughs> show. It's just a cyberpunk show, and everybody talks yeah. similar in that. Like, it's I've always interpreted it as like, yeah, this is like a like a cyberpunk like not like a cheesy movie, but like like movie quality level uh and like a little bit of noir there uh like it's not meant to be like a realistic take on cyberpunk this is right it's a choice yeah this it's, is it, a, like this is yeah. sty it's stylistically created to be this way um <laughs> but well, like when you yeah when you hear keanu reeves speak because we we've heard keanu reeves speak before yes and like that dialogue coming out of him it, that's where it seems most intentional 
and it seems less of a translate because like like there was three English localizers on this. The entire script is in fucking Polish or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and including all the dialogue, but the performances, even though the dialogue might seem a little stilted at first, I've gotten used to it, and like I get into the characters. Like when you, whenever you're in one of these tense moments, it's you really realize like oh I'm like gritting my teeth. Like do I have to do I have to fucking pull my gun out and start blasting these right. fools like, or like can we figure this out? Like, right. This is it's like it's like the kind of it's kind of the it's the kind of dialogue I would expect out of a really high quality cyberpunk heist action adventure movie like that's the kind of stuff that it is so in fallout usually there's like a text option that's just like attack so it'll be like this guy's talking shit and eventually you're like fuck you let's throw down and then you like the weird zoom happens where like it zooms out of talking to the person and you see their facial expression turn into an angry facial you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah it's in every bethesda game and this goes so seamlessly I feel from talking to characters, even the fact that you can walk around a room and like fuck around while people are yelling dialogue at you. Yeah. It further immerses me in the storytelling, which is my favorite part of this game oh, is that the writing is I'm living in this world versus more so than like a GTA. And I mentioned this, uh, there's a mission where you just meet Jackie. He's just on his motorcycle. You pull up in a car and talk to him. I'm like, why am I so enthralled in a thing that starts every single GTA five mission? This is how every mission in GTA begins. And I've, Th- this stands out to me the way the music is the tense oh, like we man. got a big job we're leading up to it man, man it, it fucking works if we want to talk about that really quickly so when jackie pulls up on the, on the bike i got such a such a high technical skill right like i'm really good at engineering yeah. and crafting and stuff so he pulls up on the bike and since i have a 10 uh score stat on that i'm like hey you should remove the exhaust uh you know put up some power cycles over here do this do that and jackie's like huh i might think about that Sure enough, later in the game, if you go to Jackie's garage and inspect the bike, you'll have a dialogue option that says, huh, Jackie took my advice and installed all these things I told him to do. Yeah. Great. It's fucking great. Um, in regards to that... If mail- the game remembers it. Of course, that's another problem with the glitches, yeah, yeah. is that the game will forget your choices. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, so along with that Meredith quest as well, if I can quickly go over the other three guys. So I have one guy that didn't decrypt the chip when he gave it to Maelstrom to make the deal... It instead blew up all their fucking heads, and then they did not oh. need to fight their way out where they met Meredith, and then later in the game, they got to bang Meredith. Hey, all right. Yeah, like, I was, like, everybody in the office was so pissed, We're like, what? Um, like, another guy uh, decrypted the chip, um, didn't give it to him, Meredith did die, and they still completed the deal, but had to fight Maelstrom on the way out because they shot Royce. Then another guy did decrypt the chip, but still ended up with Meredith at the end. It was, like, it's fucking crazy. Um, and that's what I love about these kinds of games, is the slight different variances. It, I'm all right if it mostly ends up the same, but yeah. giving a little extra, like, banging Meredith. Like, it, like it'd be like, hey, banging hey Meredith. Seth, like, <laughs> sex. But it's it's all, honestly, like, extra story and extra moments you get if you just do a slightly different ending. Uh, so that's pretty fucking neat, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Uh, so the other thing that the game introduces to you to at the beginning is the idea of the brain dance. You basically put this halo on your head and you are experiencing a, a video that's recorded with like 3D cameras, but is very lifelike. And you are experiencing as well as the visuals and sound and stuff of what's going on around you. You are experiencing the feelings. Uh, so a lot of sickos 
uh, like looking at brain dances of uh, as as it's called smut or or stuff like that or like snuff or like guys uh, of dying up in and... in a virtual yeah. world like oh people pay good money for a flatline like a real flatline someone dies in this and they weren't expecting it and basically when you watch that brain dance you're experiencing full death. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, payoff for that whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah. So Evelyn Parker is a doll. Uh, she is a mostly cybernetic. Like, for lack of a better word, a whore? But not. <laughs> so, but that's what you think until you go there and you're like, oh, they're not even having sex? And, well, you know, Maybe. to each their own. <laughs> uh, so she she is the mistress of uh, the one of the sons, CEOs of Arasaka. Yorinobu, and, Yorinobu Sakurabe, yes. I think? No, Arasaka. Their Arasa- last name oh, is the name of the company. Oh, it's Arasaka, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you... Yorasaki is the the bodyguard, isn't he? Mate, uh, no, I'm thinking Takamura. <laughs> so, <laughs> aren't those we're talking uh, about? Yorinobu is, is like, oh, is, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, banging an Evelyn on the side here. Evelyn has been hired by someone you don't know who, uh, and she is now uh, contacted Dex, who is a fixer, and Dex has now hired you and Jackie to do this job, steal this chip, and you don't know the the origins of it or what it is. Uh, your Nobu's got it. So they teach you how to use brain dances, and then they show you a raw brain dance that Evelyn recorded. And, uh, and it's basically it, yeah. Sorry if I may just interject. I thought this one this was one of the most interesting parts of the game thus far. I love this entire sequence, starting with meeting Dex and Evelyn, and leading all the way to the end of Act One. the The brain dance in my mind was super effective, but if I want no pun intended, out, yeah. If I want to point out one specific moment, it'd be the very beginning when you're walking past Adam Smasher. Um, yeah. Who has, like, up until this point, you've heard his name a few times by Jackie, who calls him a legend and all these things. Yes. And it's just this big, massive robot man, and he's just like, you look like a piece of fuck meat. Is that true? And walks away. It was fucking awesome. Because yeah, it reminds and- me of specific other characters. Robocop. <laughs> Not Robocop. Sure. Uh, so yeah, v, I, v even makes a, a comment that Evelyn experienced, like, real fear when she opened the elevator doors and saw that guy standing there. Yeah. Um, I had a specific example in my mind, and now it's gone. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. No, it's all uh, good. So you use the brain dance. You can uh, listen to the visual layers, the audio, and the temperature of the room. You find out where this thing is located. You also are looking at a room. I also like any game that does this. And I had an issue. We're not going to be able to talk about this today because our show's wrapping up here already. Uh, but I had, I like any game that lets you see ahead, see a room and you're like in an hour's time, I'm going to be in that room trying to like do something right now. I can't interact with it, but I will be able to, I like when games do that, uh, makes them feel large. This game on the whole, the map and the way the city is laid out, I'm drawing a direct comparison to something like Grand Theft Auto Vice City where everything's so cohesive. Yes. Some of the ads repeat. Yes. You know, it's got a lot of dildos. Let's be honest. Uh, (laughs) But just the the playground of it, the driving around and realizing, oh, I actually know where I am. I know where my apartment is from here is something that very few open world games can achieve because you're just looking at the map and going from, from peg to peg. Night City feels like a city that I'll eventually know. And if it's like, oh, I need to go to Japantown, I'll know how to fucking get there without looking at a map. To me, uh, speaks for the design of it. Um, oh, Night City uh- is... Um- it's absolutely fucking gorgeous and uh, an absolute joy to traverse because specific, specifically, I would say the verticality of it. Yes. Not many open yeah. world games have multiple levels to their streets, to their cities. Um, it's it's 
it's absolutely amazing how lost you can get in this game in a good way. There, that's actually one of my negatives about the game is that for a lot of the quests you do later for a specific person, which has a lot to do with the nomad side, by the way, um, you go outside of the city to deal with them. And I think the game does itself a big disservice whenever it leaves Night City. The like Night City is so cool. It's big. It's colorful. It gives you the immersive feeling. When you're outside of the city, it feels more like Rage or Borderlands or anything yeah, of that Max. sort. Yeah, Mad Max. Uh, so you're I almost think... saying this game's got it all. Like, like the the references to all cyberpunk mediums. When you're sh- like spoilers, uh, we didn't even get to this part of the mission. Next next episode, we're gonna really talk about the story and bear down. Uh, but like when you shoot yourself out of Arasaka Tower, how fucking Matrix is it? Like it's it's, it's oh, like you're just like how fucking cool the, is this shit? The whole Arasaka um, heist in general, I love the the feeling of it. It had a bit of levity to it. It was like this action adventure heist, but the whole setting of it, especially because I love how they're focusing on Japanese because it has such an ingrained culture with cyberpunk. It gave me yeah, it gave me a lot reason. of like yeah. ghost in the shell feelings. Not as far as the not as far as the mood, but just the aesthetic. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, can't say enough good enough parts about this whole tower heist at Arosaka. For sure. So we meant to talk about the game more. Obviously, we're doing a moratorium on the the problems with the game. We can talk about the updates and kind of where things are at, but we're going to kind of just refer back to part two of our cyberpunk conversation. For hey, at the beginning of that conversation. We talk about how like severely broken this game is and how much work it needs. But next week, Wednesday, uh, we're getting down to it again. We we're way further uh, than what we talked about. Like I'm curious to even ask you what you did in your clouds mission because I think that's a mission that has a lot of different things going on yeah. uh, when you're looking for Evelyn. Uh, so we're gonna kind of wrap it up there because. Cyberpunk. Last last week, yeah, last week seems like a million years ago. Uh, we talked about the the issues with Cyberpunk. We talked about the fallout, no pun intended, uh, yeah. of of their shaky launch, of the glitches, of the completely unacceptability uh, of that of that version of that game that was released on PS4 and Xbox One. And since then, uh, Sony has put it on, upon themselves. Just in the middle of the night in Poland, uh, they were like, "We're going to give refunds." Uh, for this fucking game, which is somewhat unprecedented for them on top of removing it from sale. So they're like, we'll play ball, uh, CD Projekt Red. We'll give you your refunds that you've put us on the spot for. Because Sony started taking heat. And when Sony starts to take heat, that's when shit gets shitty. Uh, so they're doing digital refunds, or at least they were, as far as we know, that the limit for that was the 21st or something like that. And uh, you, as far as I know, you still cannot purchase Cyberpunk 2077 digitally on PlayStation, which is just insane. Uh, Microsoft yeah. followed suit a few days a few days later. They are just like o- offering open rebates or rebates refunds. If you purchase this thing and you are not happy with it, contact them and they'll reverse the charge. Microsoft, on the whole, way better with refunds than PlayStation ever has been, uh, or should I say, Sony. And uh, they they are still selling the game though. And I will say, since the the update, I think it was Friday night. There was like a 16 gigabyte update that I know fucked you up because you were in the middle of playing. Um, but after that update, it seems like a lot of the highlight reel glitch physics 
uh, cars blowing up for no reason, guys being catapulted over oceans. That stuff seems to be mostly gone, at least in my experience, having played the game quite a bit over the weekend since then. I don't know about you. Uh, well, I'm still experiencing a lot of glitches uh, and bugs. They okay. range from uh, very simple and almost non-existent to becoming quite annoying, if I'm being honest. Not to the point that yeah. I don't want to play the game, because I still want to make it very clear that I love Cyberpunk. Like, I fucking love this game. Um, but when I'm missing dialogue from certain characters and my character's reacting to nothing, uh, when their voice all of a sudden becomes radio and inst- radioized instead of in person or the reverse, or, or uh, their voice becomes a different person altogether. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. It's, it's starting to get a little bit annoying in that regard, but overall, like I'm still crashing. It's more or less the same experience for me as last week, to be honest. I've had very little, cr- I've had one hard crash. Uh, to, to like the dashboard that I had to restart my console, no problems otherwise. And then I've had maybe one or two times where like a loading screen didn't come up and the game just stalled on a black screen and I had no, to restart. My game has crashed a lot, but coincidentally it always crashes at not the same time, but the same uh, thing I'm doing, which oh, is usually heading to a new quest and driving really fast. Hmm. Um, like I like, want to say overall that I think you've had a worse. You've played way more hours than me, obviously, so you have a yes, better, have. B- bigger sample size. But I think you've had more problems per hour than I've had with this game on Xbox. Yeah, there has been some other things. One time when I went to the settings to change my camera stuff because the game reverts that setting sometimes. At least in the last patch, it did. Has never done that uh, to me. I check it, it every time because you said it. It, <laughs> it would not let me uh, exit my settings. Like I couldn't leave them. I had to close the game and reopen it, which was very annoying, and I hate that. Um, overall, really wish that, that there was the PS5 version for this game so I could really take full advantage of the hardware that I spent all this money on, but. You know, I still fucking love this game, so. Yeah, so I think it goes without saying that neither of us are what we could what we could call disappointed in this game because it's no. delivering on the things we expected it to, and there's going to be a lot of nitpicks throughout. Uh, like, uh, there's going to be certain quests that come up, certain things that come up in this game where you're like, this either seems bad or it le- is legitimately unfinished. I'm coming across more stuff now where I'm just like, this feels like there was meant to be more here. Yes, and we yeah. know that to be the case with this game. At every corner, it's barely yeah. holding together. So, yeah, yeah, like it's very obvious once you get like halfway through the game, there was meant to be some sort of faction system to this game. Perhaps, um, yeah. They People definitely are, took, yeah. in, my, in my opinion, they definitely took a lot of inspiration from New Vegas, especially in regards, I don't want to say... Uh, to the faction system, because there isn't one, but how they were going to structure that in regards to the main story. Right. And speaking of the main story, uh, last week we spoke about kind of how the game uh, opens with uh, you choosing one of three uh, backstories, essentially. Uh, and then you do your opening job there with Maelstrom and uh, getting the flathead. Uh, then we do the brain dance thing with Judy and Evelyn Parker. We get our plans for the raid here. Uh, so yeah, moratorium on the state, the state of this game as it stands on December 23rd, 2020. Uh, I'm going to leave the bit where we're talking about how fucked up it is in part two in the master episode and stuff like that. So historically it will be mentioned, uh, but we're just going to talk about the game and our experience with it. And you will mostly be expected to hear us gushing about it from here on out. So you end up at Arasaka tower, you are introduced to Dell and, uh, whatever the fuck grift that. So this is an AI that runs a armored vehicle service no a cab service they just have defense and offense protocols in case it needs to happen 
Right. Uh, so um, we should preface this by saying I'm much farther in the story than Lee is. Uh, all the stuff Lee is currently talking about is stuff I did like a week ago. Well, this is the beginning of the game. I'm I'm even yeah. further than that. But um, so you, uh, they're introducing a lot of things quickly to you in this game, and I've heard some gripes that you don't get a fish out of water. Which wouldn't fucking make sense in this universe whatsoever. If they went the route where you are some guy who was frozen in 1970 and you're waking up 100 years later, that's fucking bullshit. Uh, There has to be... I think this game relies on its writing to fill in the gaps. Like when you watch a movie that's set in the future. I don't know. Let's take, for example, I fucking robot. Um... These characters live in this world. They don't have a lot of questions about the day-to-day. We're talking about a main character here who, when the story begins, already has cybernetics, already has a fucking cable coming out of their wrist. This is someone who wouldn't be like, what's a brain dance? This is someone who... Right, but it could be exclusive to Night City because, for example, with my uh, chosen path, which is Nomad, it's made very clear at the beginning of the game that I have never been to Night City before or know any of these things. I can kind of get some of the points behind that. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing that we're playing a character that has a slightly pre-established history or knowledge of certain things. It's like playing Witcher 3 with Geralt in that in that regard. Right. Uh, it's different from Fallout 4 because Fallout 4 is trying to tell you that you can be anybody that you want, but you can't actually because you do have a very established, thorough background. Well, v Fallout's is... never... Yeah, the thing with Fallout is it's never traded on that. Uh, like, in each Fallout, you are the fish out of... Except for New Vegas, you are the fish out of water, really. You're coming out of the vault, and you're seeing this world for the first time. In Fallout 4, there's, like, one throwaway line that's like, wow, those are big cockroaches. And that's... After that, he's in the wasteland, he's shooting people in the head, and he doesn't really have anything to say about it, the main character in that game. Right. Uh, whereas V, through narration, through his interaction with other characters, and little subtle things throughout, I feel like this game, for what's there... Uh, does a really good job of immersing you in its world, and if you're curious about something, the game is littered with with text logs and yeah. dialogue uh, that kind of fills in the gaps, right? But um, the Nomad, I think more complaints don't stem so much from V not being a blank slate, but the uselessness of the Street Kid Corporal Nomad choice. Aside from some unique dialogue options during select missions, really this doesn't do anything. Like, at the very beginning of my game, my Nomad character has mentioned that their old family group, the Backers, uh, have joined with a group called Snake Nation, and there's clearly some discontent there. Fucking Snake Nation. Yeah, like, (laughs) Randy Orton's leaning or something. Um, (laughs) uh, But this is literally, like, nothing has ever come up from it again. I've never talked to the dude I talked to the radio before. I've never seen anybody who belonged to the Backers or Snake Nation. It's, It's just flavor text. In that regard, I understand some of the frustration because they, when you make the choice at the beginning of the game, they make it seem like it's going to be a substantial choice. Um, right. So, and then this further pushes my theory that there was going to be a faction system. In my I, opinion, that these were originally going to be the factions and it wasn't going to be a choice you make at the beginning. It's a choice you make partway through the game, much like New Vegas. Right. New Vegas, you can do a variety of things along the way, but at the end of the day, at the final quest, you have to choose a side. And I felt, I felt this game was going to do the same thing. I thought they were going to have four different paths. Corporal, Street Kid, Corporal. Nomad, yeah. <laughs> and, and the solo route or the anarchistic route, which I would like to say. Very light spoilers here, but in my opinion, the leaders of these factions is very obvious as well. Corporal was going to be Meredith Stout. Street Kid was going to be Rogue. 
Nomad was going to be Panam, and then Anarchistic slash Solo is Johnny Silverhand. Um, I think once you look at it in that regard, a lot more things start to come into place, especially once you start getting later into the story, and especially some of the more important side quests. So there's, I've had, I, I complained about this when we were talking about it last week, that like, hey, there's no there's no real tag back or reference to the opening in the game and how my character got fucked over by this guy, whatever. But then uh, I was talking to like Goro when you're, when you're staked out looking at this place because you're going to, again, uh, without going into spoilers, I got some dialogue for him where he talks about it. He's from Arasaka. Right. You and can he, reference it, but you can't like do anything about no, it. No, and but that's okay. Like I don't, hmm. Like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bother me and it's not a detriment to the game in my opinion but it's very weird cuz they make it a big deal at the beginning of the game. And this kind of goes into another thing we've been philosophically talking about in this game is that cyberpunk uh is is kind of based around these corporations and how evil they are and uh the the you know main crux of the game with with Johnny Silverhand which we'll get into a, in a moment is he's just trying to take down this monolithic uh, corporation and the the corporations themselves are a bit vague it's almost like crime operates on different levels and that the corpse at the top yes they fucked with the poor yes they've done these things in the past but they are mostly fucking with each other now and then you have like the night city street crime level where it's drug dealers and people doing jobs and stuff like that the and they're gangs. mostly left alone to their own devices yeah, and that's kind of weird because it it leaves you without a big bad guy in the game. Like, even based on the first mission we're talking about, Arasaka Tower, you see son kill father. Spoilers from here on out, obviously. And that's kind of the crux of, you know, the next few hours of the game is, is right, what happens now. I've uh, never seen Arasaka go up to a poor family and take food from them or apply taxes or take over their land. No. Uh, a big problem this game has in regards to the corporations is uh, telling us and not showing us. We hear a lot from Johnny and from other people how corpos are oppressing the regular folk and taking over the city. We don't actually see it. I yeah. haven't seen Arasaka do anything bad. like Other than uh, the state far- of things, right? Like the fact that people are, yeah, are other in the state they saying, are. Yeah. Yes. It's very strange to me that if you really want me to hate these corpos, and it doesn't seem to me anyway, the further I go into this story, that I'm going to have an option to side with the corpos at any point. Yeah, uh, that was even the, the weird thing about the corpo opening, and it's corpo, by the way. But they, they yeah. also use core, like C-O-R-P-S, but they pronounce it corpse, like as in the corpse. Uh, but of course, C O R P S. We've been beating into our heads our entire lives that 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 is pronounced core as an army core. Uh, so it takes some getting used to. Anyway, there isn't even a sense that like you read into some emails and stuff at the beginning of the game, and you can kind of see like yeah, they're a fucking business. But the main crux is infighting and fighting other corporations. And after you are out of that lifestyle, after you're dealing with uh, the what you're dealing with in the game, it's like okay, so here's what we know about Arasaka. Uh, we know they kicked a bunch of farmers off their land. We know they did some terrible things 50 years ago, which, uh, you know, got, on, know the, these things. got I, on the I'm attention not... of Johnny Silverhand and he did what he did. Sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not fucking, I'm not reading anything right now. All I got is what Johnny has told me, which is basically what you just said. Right. And then you have some, some flavor text from like Goro, for example, where he's talking about Arasaka goes to Japan and they straight up recruit child soldiers, fill them oh, with shit, cybernetics. Oh that and make... far in the story? What's that? You're that far in the story? 
I, I was, it's during a stakeout with him when you're like going to take, uh, you're like got to break into this compound to, to fuck shit up. Yeah, no, you're that far in the story. Oh right? yeah, I'm that far in the story. Sure. Have you, have you been neglecting side content? Nope. Uh, the only side content I haven't done is if the danger is too high and also finding all those fucking cars for Dell. Fuck that. Wow. Okay. For some reason, I, I feel like I have a lot more hours than you, but you and me are at the... Because what I did yesterday was meet up with Koro for the stakeout of that facility. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we're talking about the same mission. In that mission, he he talks again. He's talking about uh, they go they go to Japan. They, they pick the best and the brightest. They fill them with cybernetics. They make them into, like, mindless soldiers. And, uh, hey, that's evil, depending on how you look at it. Only that it seems like everybody, you know, like you pierce a baby's ears when it's young so it doesn't have to worry about it when it's six and doesn't doesn't cry or whatever. It seems like everybody from birth is implanted with something or, like, that. that is all very interesting to me. And also, like, in terms of yeah. role-playing... Uh, in, if, I, if, since you are at that particular story, I can actually talk about that particular content, especially yeah, what Goro I didn't do that said. mission yet. I saved right as I was going to break into that Okay, <laughs> so basically what Goro is talking about, I understand what they're going for here, and this is maybe my explanation why we don't see a lot of corpo evidence of them doing stuff. Corpo, yes. It's because they, <laughs> they were afraid of making them pure evil like the Empire in Star Wars. Right. Goro tries to go at some points being like, yeah, they took all us children away, but they gave me food, they gave me education, discipline, all these things I needed. And then he also says, like, you want to take down corporations, you hate corporations, What, like, what's your replacement? What's your plan after they go away? Um, so that makes me think that CD Projekt Red was just afraid to make the corpos, like, just outrightly evil, because you could just immediately disregard what Goro said there. There would be no gray area for them. It's, uh, it's I think... Yeah. If their compromise, if their compromise for a gray area is to just not show the, the them doing anything bad, however, then I can't agree with that. So there's like there's stuff like in the beginning, and I've mentioned this, uh, like when you're given the task as a corpo to start the game, and when you, or your superiors at the company asks you basically to off one of the other people working in your company on your floor. Uh, you get a call when you're in the taxi. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but it's like your your psychological doctor who's like, "Hey, I'm monitoring your your health yeah, you stats." And, uh, yeah, and you're, you, you seem upset. And at that point, you're like, oh, man, the evil corporations have, like, robots in you that can tell if you're, like, they, they keep you from getting sick so you can keep working and all this kind of stuff. But then when you get into the game on the whole, that's, like, a boon. That's a reason why. Like, it's, it sounds evil. It sounds like this corporation is keeping you working. They're keeping you monitored. They're keeping an eye on you all the time. But then you get into the game on the whole, and you're like, yeah, but everyone's doing that and how great would it be to, for this like street kid to work his way into this corporation and get all these free cybernetics to improve their own life and you right. get a different perspective on it and i think that's the issue with them not being full evil is that you're like yeah but they also help their own you know what i mean like right within but their own company the th yeah. and here's the thing though lee i didn't choose the corporal st stuff all yeah. the stuff you're talking about i do not experience in my game Corpos are non-existent in my playthrough for the most part. The only interaction I've had was with their uh, stout. Right. And that's a big issue. That's a big problem. I, I, su I suppose. Like, it, I guess it depends on... Yeah, when you, when you mentioned it the other day, when you're just like, hey, uh, what are these corporations actually doing to the people directly that we know about in the game? And the answer I had at the time was, I, I don't know. Uh, right, nothing. the closest um, thing we've got to that in this game as far as, like, a dystopian future uh, with evil corporations, the closest we got to that is the very beginning of the game when you rescue that lady from the bathtub and right. 
where and then trauma team comes and checks her credit before they go and save her. The game that's needs the, more of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the closest we've got. Um so it needs to come back to that. Yeah, that's absolutely one of my biggest complaints. Hey, are you far enough in the game that so I I don't remember much from the trailers cuz I went media blackout, but I remember specifically that it showed like the main player character also being able to buy that life insurance and if you die in the game instead of having to reload, maybe the ambulance shows up and revives you. Is that something that you know anything about? No, I've never heard of that. So there's a lot of stuff like that, and that's a big reason why CD Projekt Red might be facing a a class action lawsuit. Stuff like that's just fucking not in the game. Like, it's just not... Anyway, let's talk about what happens at Arasaka Tower. Uh, You and Jackie are there. You use the brain dance from Evelyn to kind of scope out the place and and figure out where the thing you are trying to steal is. The thing you are trying to steal is a data chip, Engram. You don't know much about it. It's in a temperature-controlled case, I guess you would say. It's in, like, a cold case... Uh, which is weird, but, you know, computers, whatever, fuck it. So you get this case, and then suddenly people return to the penthouse suite, and oh, fuck. So you hide behind this big screen, and you see the events that play out. Um, uh, Adam Smasher is there, Goro is there, and uh, father and son that, uh, you know, uh, so- Saburo, what is it? I got it right Yornobu there. and... Uh, Saburo, yeah. Saburo. Uh, Saburo's the old man. He's like 158 years old. He fought in, like, the... So another thing to say about Cyberpunk is it is not an alternate future, it is an alternate world altogether. There are events referenced in this game that I've seen back to, like, the 1980s, 1990s, and it's cyberpunk. Like, it's the same world. This is a completely alternate history. Think more Fallout uh, than anything, I think, is the best way to yeah. say it. It's just, like, there's alternate history events that happened way, way, way in the past, and this this is a completely different Earth we're dealing with here. Uh, well, Night it's City itself, the cyber- yeah. It's literally based off the Cyberpunk 2020 RPG you couldn't base it in our reality based on that fact because right. our 2020 is not fucking cyberpunk. It's way, <laughs> it's way worse. <laughs> um, but you, you see Yornabu uh, strangle and kill his father in front of you. You and Jackie witnessed this happening. Uh, this is this is bad news. Of course, then the tower goes into lockdown. This is a variable that you didn't think you'd have to deal with. You try to escape via the roof. You crash through some glass. Jackie is, is very fucked up, and the case is damaged. At this point, the best bet you have is to take this data chip out and slot it into your brain, which sounds a bit dangerous. Jackie does it first, being a bro, doesn't even hesitate, doesn't even give you the option. He's just like, I got you, man. Uh, and I will say, Jackie, for what he appears at the beginning of, ga- of the game, and then during this mission, Jackie really, really endears himself to you. And there's yeah. going to be a lot of times where I say the writing in this game does wonders for endearing characters to you, even with its kind of weird line delivery sometimes. Absolutely. Um, there, there's uh, a lot of likable characters, which is something I can't say about a lot of games I've played this year. Yeah, especially when I first met Jackie, I didn't think he was that interesting of a character, nor did I think he was going to be. But uh, he very much, like you said, endears himself to you. He has lots of little bits where he just talks about eating noodles or liking bikes. Um, yeah, he's a guy ex- who, who just like you, just like the player character, is is a like two-bit thug trying to make it, trying to become a legend. The thing that Jackie wants... You get to go to the afterlife with Jackie before this mission, for example... And Jackie's just just like fanboying out about both sitting where all these other people have sat. So yeah, um, and that's what really develops his characters, especially throughout this mission, where he keeps talking about how he's not going back to an impoverished lifestyle. Like he's making the big time, no matter what, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So you uh, you have a very stylistic and awesome escape from Arasaka Tower, where you either sneak or shoot your fucking way out, Matrix style. 
uh, just bodying fools all the way. Uh, this is kind of the the first big extended shooting sequence. Um, you you don't have a lot of tools on you. Obviously, you only have so many quick hacks, so many weapons. Uh, but you, pretty quickly, there's a cover system in the game. There's it's really nothing to write home about. Reed has uh, some some control settings that I put on after this mission. I'm like, oh my god, that's so much better. Uh, that makes it a little more responsive. No no uh, crank up time. I don't know why they put that in fucking games, man. It's the, like ridiculous. crank up time, where it's just like you push the stick and there's a two second delay before you move. Ridiculous. Why the uh, fuck would you want that? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um, the the rock star control setting. You push a you push a stick, and then in five seconds or so, if Arthur feels like it, he'll turn left. Um, <laughs> so you shoot your way out of there, and Jackie's in rough shape. And on the drive uh, back to to Dexter's, Jackie uh, passes away in the car. Uh, you in take a very the- emotional scene, and it's very well written. He clearly. Uh, believes in you and everything you're gonna do his last words essentially being like you can do this i know you have it in you like get famous for both of us uh so he passes the chip uh you you take the chip and slot it into your own brain and uh, that's a whole world of of trouble uh so you uh you go to see see dexter you you tell dell this is like a side quest thing but you tell dell to take uh oh that's another thing arasaka did you tell dell to take jackie to the ripper dock and uh we didn't even talk about him and you learn later that Arasaka stole Jackie. Oh, that did not fucking happen for me. Are you dumb? <laughs> what, uh, you, you didn't talk to the doctor? I sent Jackie to the mother to his family, and oh. then they, they they got his corpse and buried him. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so in my game, I sent Jackie to the doctor, the Ripper Doc, and when I went back later to pay him. Uh, for the for the cybernetics that you get at the beginning of the game, uh, Ve- Victor Vector Vector Victor, uh, excellent character, really likable doctor guy. Uh, he gives you a free cybernetic implant for your eye to give you uh, some, some a better chance in Arasaka Tower at the beginning of the game, and uh, you get a side quest later to pay him back. And he also has a lot of the greatest update uh, upgrades in the game. So great character. Anyways, I sent Jackie to him to maybe be like, hey, maybe this guy ha- has something to do with him. And I learned later that Arasaka stole Jackie. And then I learned from Goro that, no, yeah, they have Jackie, and they're using the uh, the Soul Eater or whatever on him. What? So Arasaka had interest in Jackie. They took him. They stole his personality and memories, probably to cover up that what happened, what he saw happened, right? So I fucking did not get any of that. I sent him to his family, and then they buried him, and that was that. Nope, yeah, his family in my game has no body. His body was stolen by Arasaka. So in that regard, I guess I have a little bit more of a grudge against Arasaka. Wow. Because obviously, if there's a side quest to, like, go save Jackie's body and give it to his family, I'm going to fucking do it, right? Yeah, I definitely do not have that side quest, so... Yeah, and I thought it was cool that not only the doctor references it, but I actually had a a line of dialogue later during that stakeout where I asked him about, like, Jackie's body, and he mentioned it, and he mentioned the, uh... Is it the soul... What is it called? Soul Eater? Soul... Soul Killer. Soul Killer. Okay, speaking of the Soul Killer. So you go to Dex. Uh, Dex is like, man, you sure uh, sure brought Fuck a lot of heat up. with you. Uh, you sure, yeah, you sure fucked that up, didn't you? This is, uh, this particular moment was a, was a, I don't want to say a bad sign, but this was a bad choice on their part, in my opinion. So you go um, wash the blood off your face, you step back out, and you get shot in the head. Right, but anybody with half a fucking brain could see this coming. And I mean, you, sure, maybe. And you have no choice, and this is going to bleed into a particular quest that you told me about earlier this morning. But it's 
it's crazy how they didn't have like a dialogue option for intelligence even just to be like clearly this guy's gonna fuck me up I don't want to go in the bathroom. I tried to not go in the bathroom for the longest time, but the game forced me to. I'll put it this way. I wasn't expecting this, but I also wasn't surprised when it happened. Oh, I was... Uh, how do you not expect it? Like, <laughs> I thought Dexter was a cool guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this is another thing. The only cyberpunk trailer I do remember is from years and years ago. And in this trailer, V shows up to Dex much like, much like this. And then Dex tries to kill him, except V kills Dex instead. That is not what happened in this game. No. Uh, so Dex shoots you in the head, you get a late title card, and when you come to, when V comes to, uh, you are not V. You are Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you are Whoa. living the memory of Johnny Silverhand. You, take, you go on stage, you don't perform, which I thought was weird. Uh, it, like, blacks out when that happens. I thought it would be cool if you, like, performed a whole song or some shit. Um, well, like, can you imagine Keanu singing? He has a band, doesn't he? In real life? He must. <laughs> I, I know he owns a motorcycle company. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some YouTube in after this. Uh, it's like, you you know Bruce Willis was a singer in the 80s, right? What? Uh, Bruce Willis went by the name of Bruno, and he played harmonica and sang in a rock band in the 80s. No way. You need to you need to YouTube Seagram's Golden Wine Coolers Bruno, and you will see Bruce Willis singing about wine coolers dancing around. It'll, it'll change your life. Uh, so you are Johnny Silverhand. Johnny Silverhand has a silver hand. He is a radical terrorist. Uh, he <laughs> has performed his last terrorist. show with his band, <laughs> uh, Samurai, I believe they are called. Yeah. And uh, now it's time to go set off a nuke in Arasaka Tower. Now, uh, so you play uh, as, if yeah. I can quickly jot By it in means. here. So... Johnny Silverhand is what I've, from what I know, is a character that actually is in the old Cyberpunk and Cyberpunk Red RPG. But a little bit more interesting that is everybody keeps referring to Johnny as a rocker boy. If you play the original Cyberpunk RPG, a rocker boy was one of the character classes that you could choose. And they are all described as musicians fighting the corporal oppression with uh, rebellious intent, essentially. Sure. Yeah, this is a little fun fact for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so Jackie is not Jackie. Uh, so John, so, R.I.P. Jackie. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that they stole your body. I'll try to get it back if I can. <laughs> There's even dialogue when I when I called uh, Jackie's mom, and I think Jackie's mom is the first one that tells me that like, hey, yeah, Jackie's body got stolen. And I'm like, are you fucking joking my ass right now? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Johnny Silverhand performs his last show. He's over it. He's he's. Uh, this makes me believe that there's something more personal. And again, you're further in the story, and you've talked to Johnny more extensively. There's something more to Johnny's backstory that made him this radical, this angry, this quickly at Arasaka. Uh, but I haven't gotten there yet. If it, if such a thing happens, um, yes, I, yes, there is. <laughs> okay, uh, you know, it's it's obvious. That's the it's obvious. Johnny's not telling you his true Everything. feelings yeah. on on the matter. Uh, so. You play through this uh, thing as Johnny. You use his sweet-ass gun. Uh, I don't know if you meleeed with his gun, but it shoots a yeah, fireball. Yeah, of course. His uh, gun's fucking awesome. <laughs> you can get that gun in the game as V, by the way. Um, so you shoot up this place as Johnny Silverhand. He's the ultimate cyberpunk badass. Obviously, classic video game moment where they give you a strong, established character and make you feel like you're a strong, established character. I don't know why this is so fucking hard for games like Avengers, but... 
you just played through a sequence where you're getting your ass handed to you as V. Now you're Johnny Silverhand. You're just laying waste to everybody. You set off this nuke. Uh, Johnny is captured. Uh, Johnny is su- subject to uh, torture. And they use this soul... What was it again? Soul killer. Soul killer. I want to say eater because of like Dark Knights and Final Fantasy. But soul killer, which backs up your personality and your memories and everything... To an engram, to a data chip, to to a, a physical backup of your person uh, in its entirety, and presumably at that point, Johnny is killed during this process. We don't know that for sure. Uh, we don't know that anyone subject to the the Soul Killer is actually killed. Right. But as far they, as we know, yes. Yeah, they they don't really make it clear whether that person is actually like dead. Which, yeah. uh, and then at the same time, we don't know whether. Um, Putting someone's personality and memories onto an engram will render the body now a husk or not, which makes Saburo Arasaka super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because for all we know, he already had his memories and his stuff backed up to an engram, and he was just walking around in his physical body until it dies. We we know that to be a case because of something Hellman says. Uh, this is jumping forward, of course, but the designer of the chip is a man by the name of Hellman. It is an experimental tech. It is not, uh, as he puts it, uh, it's in beta. It's it's not something that is established yet. But the point of this is, yes, immortality. is not just to use it on your enemies to learn what they know and see their entire life on a USB drive. Uh, but in fact, to back up your own memories and put yourself into a new body and live forever just by backing up your life. In putting it into a better body, a younger body, and continuing to live. And, and thus, Altered Carbon was created. Right. Uh, and then also the, the implications of this is you cannot die. Because uh, if your body is destroyed, you've got memory backups and we just load you into another body. How often can you do this? I don't know. Um, but it's it's vastly interesting. So what happens here is you get shot in the head by Dexter. Uh, the next thing you know is you're waking up in a landfill. Coincidentally, at the same time uh, that our buddy Goro here, the bodyguard who is... He's Saburo's uh, per- personal bodyguard... Obviously, he has to serve the head of Arasaka Company. He knows something's afoot. He he basically knows in his heart of hearts, or robot heart of hearts, what went down here with the son killing the father, and he needs you to prove it. Uh, so he brings Dexter into this landfill to find you, with the engram still in your neck, uh, and then kills Dexter, presumably. Just shoots him in the head. Dexter's yeah. just, don't worry about that. Don't worry about getting revenge on Dexter. That guy's in the landfill. Uh, so he he gets you up. Uh, you, you make your escape. Uh, with him, and you wake up in a really bad way, finding that this engram you've loaded into your neck is is this soul killer engram of Johnny Silverhand that they had. Why they were storing it in the penthouse, what its significance is, is is to me, anyways, unknown at this time. Uh, but the problem is how this engram works. Now, this is some inside baseball because we both did the scene with Hellman, where he kind of explains what happens here. Is that this engram is meant to be popped into a dead body? Some, you know, synapses stop firing. We put this engram in, and the engram will actually reboot the body and take over the mind. And that and person will, yeah, that person will become uh, the person on the engram. The problem yes. here is, is uh, when you were shot in the head, uh, you put this engram in before you died. So this engram started its process of taking over your mind before you were shot in the head. And in being shot in the head, the engram then, of course, did its job and revived you. Uh, you're back from the dead. With this engram in your head. And you learn from the doc uh, that this engram is actually deteriorating your brain. 
and that you are slowly becoming Johnny Silverhand, who is imprinted on the Engram, which is why you were seeing his memories, and why now you are seeing distorted visions. Well, they don't yeah. necessarily say you're becoming Johnny Silverhand. They just say that it's taking over your brain. We don't know exactly what happens. We don't know the implications yet. Yeah. yeah, we don't uh, know so what you, happens exactly. So uh, you are given the choice of red pill or blue pill. <laughs> uh, it's explained in science where it's just like, hey, here's Omega blockers or something. And if Johnny's talking to you in your brain, you can take this and make him shut up. Or you can you can take the other pill and see how far this rabbit hole goes. Uh, or <laughs> like straight out of Matrix. Uh, so you, uh, V kind of, this is the part where I think we'll kind of end the conversation here is, is the mortality of V and the ticking clock of the game. Is that after this point, when the game truly opens up, like th- this is a few yeah, hours this, in and now the game yeah. is actually starting here. Part three of Cyberpunk Conversation, the game has started. Um, Johnny Johnny Silverhand is in your head. And at first he's very antagonistic. He wants to take take you over. He doesn't want to, he's beating you up in your brain, which must look like the fight fights from Fight Club. Uh, he's throwing you around, you're puking, you're having a rough time, and Johnny Silverhand's in your face just being like, I, your body sucks, but it's my body now, and I'm taking over it. Uh, you take these pills, you pass out. When you wake up, uh, and a few, uh, a, a few minutes into the game after that, Johnny Silverhand's much more agreeable. And, you know, there's a lot of cool... It depends on how you take the story. It depends on, as Johnny is taking over your brain... He realizes, I don't need to be... This is just inevitability. It's happening. And Johnny kind of becomes your friend at that point. Or He also wants the chip out because he, at some point, surmises, like, like, for all I know, I'm also going to fucking die. Right. Uh, He also wants the chip removed so he can find a fresh body, a dead body, I guess, to put the chip in so he can take over that with no possible issues coming up because of it. Right, so you get kind of a cyberpunk version of of having a psychic buddy in your head. He can see and experience all the things that V is. He can appear that where V can only see him. You can talk to him uh, via telepathy, I guess. And uh, Johnny shows up not only in Johnny related missions, but he'll show up on side stuff and and with his comments and stuff like that. And the utilization of Keanu Reeves in this way in this game, I feel, is really well done. I feel yeah, like this I've- is. Yeah. I normally don't really like Keanu Reeves in a lot of movies. I like John Wick, you know, um, but like I don't like The Matrix. I don't like Speed or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but I think he's really well utilized. The Lake House, in this. fuck that movie. Yeah, um, he has he has like the tone and the attitude of like yeah, I could picture this guy being like some weird fucking musician terrorist guy. Like he's so out, out to lunch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Keanu does an absolute fucking great job in this, and he has some fantastic lines. Him in regards to the side quest, I think is the most interesting part though, because he often plays not like the devil's advocate, but he always gives you the opinion on the other thing. Um, without spoiling too much, for example, um, you're going to do this quest, and you have the option essentially of doing what this person asked you to do. Or doing this other thing, which might help a lot of other people, but it might not. You don't know. Uh, so you can either agree with Johnny, disagree with him, or if you have a high enough stats, you can kind of find a little in-between point. But what's really interesting about all of this is it makes me wonder. Um, all these side quests, all the interactions with Johnny, I wonder if there's some background math going on to sh- to, that determines how many times you agreed with him or disagreed with him or... We're on like a level playing field, and if this will affect the ending of the game whatsoever. Yeah, I mean the character's relationship with Johnny is going to be something that we'll talk about through this entire 
uh, conversation of cyberpunk, obviously, especially with some really interesting things that Hellman is asking you about. Because I did all the dialogue with Hellman because it's like I'm I'm cur- I'm interested in knowing as much about this as I can. And Hellman's like, so straight up, he's like, by my understanding of my own tech, you are two personalities in one body. Uh, where you start and end and where Johnny starts and end is completely unknown. And he's trying to ask you, he's like, are you doing anything differently than you did before this? Are you being influenced? And he's like, you won't know you are because Johnny is you. Like, there's no separating the actions. And then you kind of think about it and there's some subtle things throughout missions. So when you down that AV in the desert, and this is where we'll end it today, you down this AV with with Panam in the desert and you go to start, set up an EMP as you are sabotaging that stuff, as you are straight up terrorist V sabotaging this thing to make an EMP blast to fuck with the corpse, there is uh, visual glitches. And I thought that was just related to the power surge. But I've also noticed it in other missions where I'm like doing Johnny Silverhand shit. And I'm wondering if that's trying to tip you off to be like, are you doing this? Or are you doing what you're told because Johnny's in your head? And I think that's vastly interesting. And I hope they stick the landing on that in this game. That's it. Well, that's what I want to say. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, anyway. That's a big old cyberpunk conversation. And man, we didn't even talk about builds. We didn't even talk about which I think is the most interesting and fun part about this game is the wide variety of builds you can do and the really fun things you can do once you start understanding uh, the cost of items, the game mechanics, and how exactly you can manipulate uh, the hacking system and several perks. That's the key, is that this is a game that's made to be broken. You're made to find a build that works for you and is very efficient, and that's where the style comes in. Because, like, I didn't go into this game thinking I'd be maining katanas and running around like a cyber ninja ripping people's heads off, but here we are. Hi, how was your cyberpunk Christmas? Uh, good. I finished the game. Um, I wow. didn't finish everything, obviously, because there's a lot to do. But I did all of the major side quests. I completed the story and got one of the endings. Uh, I checked out the other endings without actually playing them myself, just because I didn't want to spend another 10 hours getting all the other endings. Um, and yeah, I started my second character already. I went. It's one of the very, very few games I've ever remember ever finishing for the first time and then immediately playing again right after other than near but they make you do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh that's interesting so you're saying that there is a point of no return and without spoilers obviously we'll get to there in our conversation um but without spoilers there is a point of no return in the story and you're saying from that point there are at least a few different alternate endings do you want to know how many endings there are uh, is, it, is it three? There's four endings. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's four endings with minor variations in uh, before that and the epilogue, depending on the relationships you've crafted. Uh, it, it's mainly like what side quests you've completed, actually, is a better way of putting it. Are you it. saying in the fallout way of like Ron Perlman gets on the microphone and he like tells you what happened no, to everybody it's, afterwards? It's not like a narrator. Like You'll see what happens. Uh, it's not anything particularly special. Um, but it's, yeah, the ending is a lot like, uh, well, I guess I can't really spoil anything. Um, yeah, the ending's really weird, in my opinion. Um, I feel like they did not do it the most optimal way. Once again, I'm going to have to point to New Vegas, where even if you sided with the NCR or Caesar's Legion or went solo or went with Mr. House, 
you still see everything in that ending that resolves all of the current plot lines, major plot lines. Um, sure. Yeah, and I feel like that is still the gold standard for an open-world FPS RPG like this. Um, yeah, I thought the journey for Cyberpunk was a lot better than the destination. Like, the ending was good, not great. Um, but there's a few side quests that you do specifically per- specifically pertaining to Johnny, which I felt were excellent, and I felt this was the peak of the game. So I think Act 3 is the peak, um, but it declines once you get to the ending again. Huh. Is there uh So speaking of New Vegas, of course, when Fallout 3 came out... Uh, as an open world game, they had a, a finality to the to the main character. Yes. You uh, even if you had a super mutant with you that could go in there and hit that button for <laughs> you, and I cannot deny you of your fate, friend. You must do. Uh, you have to go hit the button yourself and and get fried uh, with the broken steel DLC gimmick. They uh, they they made it so you can just be the smartest person in the wasteland and be like, hey, super mutant, go push that button for me, and everybody lives. Uh, except for the Chinese uh, in that in that DLC. <laughs> so you, uh, New Vegas, obviously, same deal. Finality to the main story. Once you complete it and credits roll, there is a point of no return uh, with a battle at a dam. Does Cyberpunk? So I don't. I I can't decide if I like or hate this because Oblivion and Skyrim are both games that don't have this. These are games that you can complete the main quest. The world has changed ever so slightly, and then you go on. Uh, with your story, yeah, is that pers- the case here? No, I personally prefer the Oblivion of Skyrim method, but uh, spoilers, I guess, no. Like, once you beat the story, the game ends. You have to reload a previous save. You get some extra, Interesting. You get some extra gimmicks, of course. Um, but needless to say, I was disappointed. Um, when you say extra gimmicks, do you mean like some New Game Plus kind of thing? Oh, or? no, like you get some, like, the only thing I got was uh, a chest piece armor set. Um it may depend Wait. different on the ending that you, you chose. You get it. You get it on your character that didn't beat the game yet on a previous save. I don't understand. Like you beat the game, and then it says congratulations. Yeah. You beat a game. Uh, beat it. The next <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, it says like your latest. Like load up a save before this mission, and when you go into your inventory, you'll have like bonus items. And I did. That's that sounds really dumb. The the that messaging on that, where it's just like, yeah, listen, we didn't. Make it so you can continue playing the game. So go back in time. <laughs> yeah, you'll have new shit in your yeah, inventory. Yeah, so go it's back. Very to the, strange. Yeah, uh, I understand why. Once you play the ending, you'll understand why there's a finality to it. Um, needless to say, though, like I said, I'm disappointed. I couldn't continue playing after. Um, maybe my tune would change if I played one of the other two or three. What I like to call the good endings. There is a fifth ending, by the way, Lee. Uh, spoilers, oh, you yeah. just fucking kill yourself. Like, no one's ever going to choose that. <laughs> um, it's just like, we just, we just ended here, Johnny. And Johnny's like, wait, no. And then you just, like, you just fucking go on a suicide mission. That's it. Um, Sick. But no one... Is I, it literally... Okay, so is it more like Mass Effect where you're just choosing a speech choice that, that decides the fate of the end of the thing? Or are you involved action wise in what happens no you absolutely are involved action wise like you're doing a mission to complete the ending but there is a choice before you do the mission where you're choosing which ending you want to play okay does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah. well like it's it's the difference between like mass effect yes where like every everything yeah well what's interesting and this is either positive or negative i think it's a negative um is that all the ending missions are different so, like, if you choose one ending and I choose a different one, we are going to be doing completely different things during our ending mission. Huh. 
But you know what this means, Lee, is that a lot of plot lines aren't getting resolved. Because I'm doing this one ending, I'm only seeing one part of this fucking storyline being completed. And since you're doing the other one, you're seeing that part. Because we can't be two places at once. And this is because they made the decision to have the ending missions be different missions. Interesting. Yeah, and that's what I Uh, think is the unique problem about this game is that you're not getting resolution on a lot of storylines because of the way they structured the final missions. Interesting. So we're going to dial it all the way back uh, to our conversation last week. Uh, I took some quick notes there. Uh, I don't know if you still have them in front of you. When are we going to... I can get them in front of me using the this power is, of Skype. These are fucking. We yeah, we are professionals. Uh, I'm to understand you're uh, you're taking in some some classic cinema. <laughs> Reed, I understand you're what you've watched Blade Runner. Oh yeah, I watched Blade Runner 1982 for the first time. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking check out some Blade Runner 2049. I have of course already watched a shit ton, like years and years ago, Akira: Ghost in the Shell. Uh, but this, yeah, I'm telling you, you need to watch Johnny Mnemonic now. Yeah, so. like, if there's one thing I can compliment the game on is I don't want to stop playing. I still love this fucking world and universe and the cyberpunk motif. I want to keep diving into it. Uh, so last week we talked about playing as V. Uh, the main character has an established knowledge of the universe, depending on how you start. They have different knowledge. Uh, bizarre lack of faction system. Uh, seems like one was removed or or oh, was intended. Like, yeah, man, you can really feel this later in the game. Hard. <laughs> you can feel it hard <sighs> later in the game. Corporations evil is implied through story bits. You don't really experience any of it yourself. And uh, wrap back around to the main story in Arasaka Tower Heist, the chip. We talked about how in my game <laughs> Jackie's body was stolen. Uh, Dexter, Keanu Reeves... Uh, we talked about Bruce Willis and his Seagram's Golden Wine Coolers commercial as Bruno. <laughs> um, we uh, discussed the chip, what we know about it, the relationship of V and Johnny. Obviously, I, I would like to avoid spoilers on if something that we don't know about the chip is is changed later. From what I understand, after you meet with Hellman, you kind of understand what's going on and what's going to happen to you. Obviously, there could be twists and turns with that yeah, later. Yeah, if, if you've met Hellman and talked to him, you could mostly guess what's going to happen to the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, and then that's kind of it, man. Uh, so we we are at the point where the game truly opens up. Now you started a second character, and yeah. I'm to understand you are. Uh, I, I said uh, naively last uh, last episode that hey, when you do the Arasaka Tower heist, you know you don't have a lot of equipment, you don't have a lot to do. But I'm to understand you started a second character, and before even advancing the story to that point, you've already out leveled my current character yeah. or something like that. So my my first playthrough every time I play a game like this is always like the wing it playthrough like you build your character naturally through the things you enjoy at the time uh you do some side quests you'll do a story mission some more side quests finish up with a major story uh side story chain and then do some more side quests uh this second playthrough is my final fantasy tactics break uh, playthrough aka break the fucking game so i haven't i've only just met evelyn now for the first time because i can't do anything else but otherwise, I've completely cleared Watson, the only area you have available to you in Act 1, of any activities to do. There's no more side quests, gigs, or police activities. I'm level 16 or 18, I think, with like over 30 street cred. I have the 200 armor shoulder armor mod. I have... Okay, you keep talking about this 200 shoulder armor mod. Yes. Uh, where do you get it? Uh, the big... The big Ripper Doc dude that's in that that Tiger Claw market area. 
if you know what I'm talking about, like the big. I, guy. I guess not, because like Vector Victor or whatever has it's, the 140. It's not Vector armor Victor. Mod. No, you got to go to uh, Little China or Little. I think uh, in that in that circular square where you get your first quick hack from, like Ping. Sure. Uh, they're in that market. You'll in that market with a bunch of tiger claws hanging around. You'll find him in there. So yeah, I got the 200 armor shoulder mod. I got the seven second clo- uh, slowdown. Um, I right. have my matches so blade. So you went, you had to max your reflexes to even be able to equip that, right? Um, I got the lower version of it. So if you want the max one, it's like 21 seconds of cooldown and you need max reflexes. I got like the one that only required like nine reflexes because I maxed out my crafting first. Um, so on your main account, uh, we're so, you know, if this is not your thing, character building, that's mainly what we will be speaking of today. Yeah. It's a cyberpunk, but on your other character, what, uh, what level did you attain? Uh, level 32 with 50 street cred. Street cred's really easy to max. Um, is, is 50 the max? 50 is the max for level as well. Okay. 50 is max for street cred and level. So my second character is creeping up already on my first character just because I'm fucking grinding everything out and completely broken. Um, yeah, having a lot of fun. I think the builds in this game are probably one of the strongest aspects of it, coincidentally. I think when a lot of people are being like, Oh, these perks, they only give you, like, like 10% damage. Like, you clearly weren't paying close enough attention to a lot of these perks. They do change your gameplay a lot. Yeah. They change the way you interact with situations, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the game, in a lot of the side content and stuff like that, tr- tries to force you into a stealth, uh, but does allow you to kind of, like, get the job done. There'll be a lot of times where it's implied, like, hey, no bodies on this one, and you just walk in there and chop everybody to bits, and the fixer's like, well, I uh, wish that didn't happen, but here's your money anyway. <laughs> yeah. thing. You get a bonus uh, if you if you complete the optional objective. Yeah, so in terms of mobility in the game, uh, let's talk about actually moving around the game. Let's talk about the environment of the game itself. Uh, We've kind of talked about uh, Night City, the area surrounding it. Let's kind of drill down on that uh, into the detail of the world. Now, I started as a corpo, so I started in Night City. Part of the reason why I started is I'm like, I want to see this game from the top down. I want to start in the high rise, and I want to find myself in the dirty streets. Uh, you started as a nomad, so you're in the desert, Mad Max in it. Uh, and the other option, of course, Street Kid, where you start street on the kids, streets, yeah, street where kids, I wanted to end up. Street Kid is my yeah. second playthrough, so I know how that begins, too. Uh, for sure. So, uh, is it better than Nomad? Are you, are it's you sorry lot, you went with Nomad? It is far quicker. Yeah. Um, if you were ever just starting a new character just because you want to start a new character, and you're not playing it necessarily for roleplay, just go Street Kid, because it's over in like five fucking seconds. You, you you wake up in the bar that Jackie always hangs out at. Uh, you go up to this dude, and this dude's just like, steal a car for me. So you go to steal it. Then Jackie's also trying to steal it. And then you guys are like, I guess we're friends now. And then you have the montage, and then you're in the game. Do we just become best friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that does sound It's very, very quick. quick. It's very quick. Interesting. Uh, so let's talk about the city. So I've heard uh, very mixed things about what people think about the environment in this game, what people think of the city. Uh, and part of that has to do with, of course, the uh, some of the texture load-in, some of the actual technical issues with this game on lesser platforms. Uh, but let us we've already talked about that quite at length. Yeah. Let's talk about the immersion of this city. I fucking love it. Oh, me too. Uh, I, I love the verticality of it. All the stupid ads... 
that they've created for this game, the sounds, the music, the OST that they've put together, they've written all these. I've been listening to songs in the car before and been like, hey, this sounds pretty good. I would listen to this. And then I realized that the lyrics have Night City in them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is like a lame pop song that they, they wrote for this, but goddamn if I'm not vibing to it. Uh, all the neon lights, all the weather effects, the wet streets, uh, the different parts of town that are, are very drastically uh, different and contrasting to each other. Uh, the first time I ended up outside the city and it was nighttime and you can see the lights of the city, you can see the the windmills and the ads on the horizon that are just scrolling endlessly into the sky. Uh, the look of this game, while of course far from perfect, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about. There are times when I just find myself literally walking, barely pushing the stick forward, just walking down the street and just taking it in. Um, because, like I, like we said with the NPCs and stuff like that, don't don't look at anything too closely. But in terms of just walking, living, uh, existing in the world of cyberpunk, I've been quite pleased. And of course, I've always said a uh, an open world Blade Runner or cyberpunk game has been my I, I want to explore. Uh, and this is that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, especially my second playthrough because I'm forced to do – I'm not forced, but I've been doing everything on the map in the particular area I have available. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm exploring a lot more of the city that I never even checked out on my first playthrough. Like the entire north side of the entire map is just this like like abandoned factories and like big open industrial spaces and like very sparse lighting and it looks a lot like a seedy downtown area. While you transition yeah. back into like Kabuki or Little China, and those are very colorful, densely packed cyberpunk areas. Corporal Plaza looks absolutely gorgeous with uh, the giant buildings, the hollow projections, the flying yeah, the holographic ships. fish. Yeah, the flying <laughs> ships. Uh, Valentino is like a like a more like I want to say urban, but like uh, like I want to say modern either, but like. Like, it looks, like, kind of like New York now. Um, And then Pacifica is just, like, this area. You could tell that there was a bunch of stuff here, but it's all in ruins and shambles now and completely run by a gang. Uh, So it's very unique and varied, which I like, but it all has, like, general uh, same motifs to it, which is really neat. Yeah, and I'm I'm comparing it back again to, like, the city from Vice City, that this is a city that you actually want to give a chance to learn where you're headed to jump on on a bicycle or jump on a uh, car and know what direction you're headed yeah. without having to check your like, map kind we- of thing weirdly enough because the mini map in this game is so fucking small i hate it like the fact that, <laughs> like the entire hud i wish was just blown up a bit bigger or at least give us the option to um but yeah. I, I found you can choose the size of your cock you can't choose the size of the ui yeah Agreed. i found yeah. i found later which was much more enjoyable for getting to objectives on the map is to ignore the mini map in general and just drive in the direction that you think is correct most of the time yes. you'll end up there and if you don't you're still like looking at the city not your mini map the whole time and it's a lot more enjoyable the issue is the uh, the like the GPS, if you want to call it that, will always lead you uh, as the crow flies until you get to the block, and then it will always make you peel around. So truly, what you're saying is, head towards the marker, don't look on the mini map, yeah. and see where the tracker is headed. Yeah. And then as you get closer, it'll it'll lead you in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then so in terms of the cyberpunk world, they've established. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of everything. Obviously, there's a lot of Easter eggs throughout. There's a lot of very direct references uh, to other parts of the media. Um. It strikes an okay balance. There is a weird, perverted uh, sexuality to everything, but also the game 
shines doesn't shine a light on it as something being negative. Uh, how do I describe this? So there are children in the game. And it's a, <laughs> it's a little jarring the first time you come across them, especially when they're standing in front of a big billboard of a spread eagle milf. Yeah. Uh, or like... Uh, milf guard <laughs> yeah. ad. Or, or, or this, you know, any one of those kind of ads. It's a, person, it's a little off-putting at first. This yeah. person drinking a juice box with a huge dick in their pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all that stuff is treated so mundanely uh, in the world of cyberpunk, uh, and it's so all over the place, and it's kind of in every nook and cranny of that game that eventually you're just like, yeah, it's... What, if if I had a computer in my head from from the point I'm a child and you're so inundated with with this stuff and the internet and uh, and all the darkest corners therein, uh, it, it is kind of a in the way that GTA tries to be a commentary on like where we're headed. This game's just like yeah, no, it, it would be bad uh, if this was the world we lived in in terms of these very specific things. Um, but then some of the other stuff is just like. What is intended and what isn't? So I'm walking around and I'm just slicing up gang members anytime I see them. And we talked about this yesterday a little bit. In that these fixers you work with do have very close ties with these gangs. In the case of one of one fixer in particular, uh, a lot of her sons are, are high-ranking officials in this gang that you are just slaughtering mercilessly in the street. And uh, it is not against the law to kill gang members, to slice off their arms in broad daylight in front of a cop. It's fine. Uh, in fact, here's a little money for your for your bank account. Um, I like this because it gives you something to do. It lets you, if you're in between missions where there isn't a, an extended battle or combat sequence, it lets you do a flourish. It lets you pull out a gun and blast somebody. Uh, and and, and kind of keeps you immersed or moving on in, in that capacity. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh... Like you, Again, it goes back to the faction thing because there's all these different boroughs in the city, right? You can't. Uh, and the city is Night City itself is is Los Angeles. It's a Pacific Coast, no, uh, Southern California. I'm let's fine say. with absolutely fucking up random gang members and stuff and getting money yeah. for it because they establish that that you are a solo. You're like just as much as you're working for fixers, you can also complete contracts for the NCPD. I believe it even says in a loading screen that the NCPD put out contracts on these certain things because they don't have the manpower to follow them or some shit. So right. I'm totally fine yeah. with that. The only one I really had any particular issue with was Pedro, who, like, from all accounts that I can interpret, he is the leader of the Valentino gang, and you can just go and slaughter Valentinos, and he doesn't give a fuck. Um, What's great is you can go find all the fixers in the in the world, Yeah, and if you go downstairs where they can see you through a window and murder their gang members, they don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's, that's one of my very small issues with the game. I, like, look, you need random fucking enemies to kill in this game. They're like, you need combat sure. every once in a while, so, like, it's whatever. But the, the thing that's lacking is some kind of faction rep where I can walk up to these guys and spit in their faces and cut off their heads before they even raise a gun to me at a certain point when I've slaughtered 500 of them, uh, should they not shoot me on sight? Oh, yeah, or, fair or that enough. Part. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Uh, which is something that New Vegas had, right? Like, yep. you get vilified, now you're shot on sight by by these people. Or if you dress like someone who's adverse to them, yeah. uh, they'll come at you. And that, that game's 10 fucking years old. Let's, don't, let's not forget that. Yep. Uh, so it seems like that kind of stuff is... And I completely understand complaints about the, the immersion of the world being broken kind of by those kind of weird things. But in terms of walking around from mission to mission, uh, f- finding curiosities and pursuing them, uh, navigating the world, especially during fights and, and being like, oh, I can open that door, I can slide behind this, I can, oh, I can tuck in here kind of stuff. That stuff's all there and I think pretty good. Um, soundtrack's great. 
Uh, I don't know if we've really taken a second to actually isolate. Oh, soundtrack's and fucking awesome. Yeah, huge, huge list of radio stations, a lot of variety in music, uh, a lot of it made specifically for this game, and all of it seems to fit. Um, you know, it's it's not just making uh, fictitious future music, it's fictitious alternate universe future music, and I think they, they do a pretty good job of that. Right, Sound like, design in general yeah, uh, is good. There's yeah. like an industrial rock station, there's like a rap station, there's like a classic easy listening to station, uh, there's some death metal in there. There's some pop music. You get, like, a fucking Japanese anime song for crying out loud. Definitely lots of variety in the music. Shout out to Vexel Strom Radio. You got the best songs on there. Come Close. That one, uh, what's that one song which is like, You fucking, you fucking, you fucking, you fucking. Oh, fuck. I don't know what that's called. That's, that's like, Roderick's favorite song from The Office. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, shout out to Come Close, uh, uh, Reaction, Kill the Messenger, and Resist and Disorder by Redrozone. And um, makes me feel better. I don't know the artist's name, but it's a cover of a Nine Inch Nails song, I'm pretty sure. And they made it more futury, and it's really fucking catchy. Cool. Is it? Is it Hurt? No, it's not Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> is it Rooster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, here we are. So now... Uh, you have to inhabit this world. Getting around, uh, you can go inside doors of a lot of places. There's a lot of interiors. There's a lot of elevators that take you to a different vertical slice of the city, um, which I think is very cool. It, it It's obviously curated. It's obviously like you can only go to certain floors, uh, but it adds a lot of depth to the city. It makes you feel like I've done so much in this one city block. Right, and, and, uh, and not even that. Like, there is verticality to the city beyond just the elevators. There are some, like, driving areas that are above a bunch of living areas, such as bridges, etc. Um, and in a lot of cases, what I think what makes this game so special is the ability to get that double jump. The game is, in my opinion, uh, I don't want to say, like, this game really opens up, not in Act 2, but when you buy double jump. <laughs> But, so save those uh, euro dollars. No, save seriously, those like it's like the best fifty grand you'll spend in the game. Uh, you What's the other jump option? It's like charge, a boost jump. Yeah, like, charge jump. You can go a little bit higher vertically, but not as long horizontally. I like double jump just because it's a little bit more maneuverability and you can control your actions a bit more. But all of a sudden, not only does it change the entire city layout, because if there's a marker over there, a hundred meters, but I have to drive all the way around. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna fucking hop over all these buildings and all these roofs. Lee are like they have. It's it's not like you'll clip out of them and fall through the sky or whatever. Like you can jump on every single fucking roof. Well, don't roof. speak too soon. <laughs> yeah, but you can jump on every single roof and find ways up everywhere, and it's absolutely fantastic. Like you'll be you'll see a house and you'll just jump over the house to get past to a new area. Or if you're in specifically, what makes it great is the combat. Though, if you're in a big crowded urban section. And people are shooting at you. You just jump to a roof, reload, jump off, slice a couple of guys, jump away on top of a tent, jump back, fucking get more guys. Uh, people are <laughs> shooting at you and you're jumping through the air to their buddy on the other side. If they have a sniper in a top perch position, you can just activate that slowdown, fucking sprint past all his buddies on the ground, double jump up there and murder him before he can snipe you. Yeah, so the, the the sense of speed, uh, depending on how you build your character, obviously, but uh, uh, as I said, I've kind of gone full Cyber Ninja, I'm uh, spell-sorting it up, I'm throwing out contagions, I'm, I'm fucking slowing people down, I'm crippling their movement, and then I'm sprinting at them full speed with a sword and cutting all their limbs off, and the rooftop thing was something I was, wherever I was yesterday, 
uh, and mopping up some quests was just like, no, 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 get as high as possible, then get on the roof. Then uh, just run at them. Like, like take, take the fight to them. Uh, is very exciting, and that's what we're trying to get to here is character builds. There are things that, no matter how you are playing this game, uh, that you will benefit from. Obviously, you want a higher RAM deck just so you can equip more uh, uh, quick hacks, so you have more options. Like my second, What's that? My, not necessarily my second character is a pure, doesn't fuck with any quick hacking whatsoever. Right, well, if you have the slow down thing, that's another option, right? Like, yeah. you, you go one of two paths. Yeah. Um, in that regard. Uh, but then there are a number of ways to get perks uh, in this game. So you have your core stats, uh, like your special stats in Fallout, let's say, which you've mentioned before. Um, oof, where are they? Where are they? Where'd they go? Uh, body. Reflexes, body, technical ability, intelligence, and cool. And then those have sub uh, skills and skill trees uh, that you level up with a different set of perks. And then also, when you level up the things like quick hacking, assault, handguns, etc. that are nested within, those give you additional permanent passive perks. Uh, so if you level up Cold Blood, for example, it's like, hey, you get a permanent uh, extra 10 health just by leveling this up on top of getting to spend perks in each nested ability. Yeah. And alternatively, you can find items called progression uh, perks, uh, shards, and it's literally just, here's a free uh, perk point that you can put into whatever. Perk plus. Yeah. Uh, and this is and this is everything you would expect it to be. Obviously, the, uh, the, the hacks are your magic in this game. They're the magic stand-in, let's say. You don't have an MP bar. You have RAM, and you can do so many things oh. uh, with actions. There's a bunch of different things that make sure you regain that, your MP, so to speak. There's things that up your critical chance. There are things like cold blood that just mean if you kill fast and you kill efficiently... Uh, here's a bunch of options that will, will keep you going, uh, whether it's health regen, uh, what have you. And I've actually started to spec into Cold Blood, and I think it's fucking really overpowered, unless you're dealing with, of course, very strong enemies. No. It gives you an edge. Uh, so I think in terms of, like, if you were speedrunning this game and you needed to become very powerful very quickly, obviously there's a number of ways to do that already, uh, but I think Cold Blood is is definitely worth looking into. No, I and you love these some. I, yeah, would, I would say quick hacking is easily the best way to break this game. I was in the final mission, Lee, and I was. Yes. This is a very light spoiler. I was about to go into this room, and I used legendary uh, ping. So legendary ping does something that the other pings don't. You can use quick uh, quick hacks on people through walls as long as they're pinged. So bam, throw out the quick ping. There are 30 dudes in this fucking room, and they're high level. I'm like, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah. Give this guy... So I'm using the cyber deck that not only does it reduce the cost of ultimate quick hacks by three, it also allows the spread effect on him, meaning it's going to affect more than one person. So I look at right. that guy there. I give him cyber psychosis. Now him and two of his buddies are attacking everybody in there. It's fucking chaos. Look at two other guys. Give them detonate grenades. So while everybody's fighting each other, grenades are going off. And if that wasn't enough, now I'm setting off legendary contagions, which are one-shotting everybody in the room and spreads to six people after all my perks take effect. I cleared the hardest room in the game using my mind in ten seconds. <laughs> I didn't, Crush your enemies with your mind? Yeah, I, I, I had a ton of shit specked into pistols and punching, and I didn't throw a single punch or shoot a single bullet during that section. I was just clearing people. If I was on the street during that particular playthrough and I saw a gang people, I would just look at them, give them a contagion, all gone. Give me money. And it was yeah. fucking ridiculous. I, completely overpowered. I like, I like the way the game ramps you up and makes you feel powerful in that sense. 
Uh, I like that <laughs> yesterday I finally got like a good contagion uh, quick hack. And uh, when you go into the scanner and you go to quick hack somebody, obviously there's a bit of a slowdown effect to give you a chance to s cycle through the uh, the menu. And I was on top of a roof, and I can t I have the one that spreads to to another whatever. I think it's a, just a legendary level one. And uh, so I I contagion one guy, and it's immediately passing on to the guy that he's speaking to directly to him. But as I slow down to also click the guy behind them, the first guy I contagion begins to throw up, and. The game has physics. The game has, like, a ragdoll physics. It killed him so quickly that the puke was still coming out of his mouth when he was dead. <laughs> and the puke was enough to actually propel his body, like, in, in circles and fly off the roof. <laughs> so I used contagion on him. He puked his, his own guts over the fucking side of the wall. I'm just laughing my ass off while I'm also... You know, chopping people up. So the sword uh, I have currently has like a critical hit thing and does extra damage to limbs. And it, it's so fun to oh, walk up, like, to do the cripple thing, make everybody so they can't move, and then quickly do a flurry with your sword, put it away, and like Le they all just fall down, missing a leg or an arm or something like that. That doesn't get old. Light spoiler uh, in, this in, game. in the main yeah. story, you're eventually not the final mission or anything like that. It's well before it. Uh, you will get like the most badass fucking katana in the whole game. I swear to God. Thank God. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. So, uh, so there's also crafting in the game. It's one of the perks. It's one of the many things on there. Uh, it's something that I think both me and Reed recommended any game that has it available because if nothing else, it's a good way to make money. Yes. I did not fuck with crafting in my first playthrough. Like like I said, my first playthrough was max hacking. Then I also did punching and shoot and pistols. We do punching. No, punch. Uh, gorilla fists. Fuck. Shout out to Gorilla Arms. Goddamn best attachment in this game. You just go up to dudes and you knock them off their fucking rocker and they go flying. Uh, <laughs> anyway, crap. So in addition to... Yeah, so there's a, there's a cyber deck. In addition to all these perks, all these core stats that you were improving, you also have a full equip screen of things you can uh, get from a ripper dock that enhances your stats additionally or changes gameplay generally. Um, anything from being able to see the grenade radius, anything from, uh, again, stamina, health upgrades, uh, time slowdown effects. You can stack a bunch of time slowdown effects. So it's like, anytime I do this, time slows down. If my health drops below 25%, time slows down. If I hold the block button while double dodging, uh, time slows down. Uh, all that stuff's in there, and it depends on how you want to build your character. Uh, I would say... There are other things like the gorilla arms you've mentioned. I was uh, looking into Mantis Blades because I had things uh, specced into Blades. Seems cool. Seems like a, a, there's a few times in the game where your weapons are taken from you and that uh, Gorilla Arms or Mantis Blades would stay equipped and then be very deadly therefore. Yeah. Uh, there's the Rocket Punch. There's like the Garrett Wire or whatever. Um, these are all optional. Uh, I bought the Mantis Blades and then reloaded because I'm like, you know what? My money is better spent elsewhere. I don't know that I would ever necessarily rely on these. Um, there's there's no wrong way to go. But like we said, the charge jump or better yet, the uh, the double jump is a necessity. Yeah. Absolutely. In this game, as is, yeah, updating your, your RAM chip or whatever you want to call it yeah. as quickly as possible. Either to the thing with the time-slowing effect, if that's going to be your thing, yeah, I would or something where you can slot in more. Yeah, I would say more, uh, the necessary ones absolutely being double jump, uh, double jump the RAM upgrade, whether you are collecting the quick hacking to get a better standard one, or if you're a melee or pure action character to get the slowdown or berserk ones. The other one I would recommend is the 200 armor shoulder mod because it's 15 grand, which is really cheap. And then it's very cheap. And I then, wish I could find that guy. Yeah, and then you don't need to really worry about clothes. You can wear what you think looks good on your character rather than what is optimal. Uh, and I think that's a big part of this game. I really like the fashion in this game. I think it's fucking sweet. 
uh, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, save up that money. Buy a sick car. There's a shit ton of cars in this game to buy, and they're all awesome. Yeah, uh, so you can dismantle uh, things as you pick them up. They're all a number of weapons, both guns, uh, uh, melee. They are subcategorized as, like, power, tech, etc., uh, smart weapons, which you do, are like baby weapons that just shoot people in the head without you having to do anything. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, different melee weapons, of course, depending on how you spec. You can mod weapons. Obviously, there's like silencers and, and scopes, but also straight up weapon mods, uh, which like do 5% more damage to this, blah, 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 blah. Armor has those as well, at least the higher level ones are. You can sell these things to make a lot of scratch, or you can dismantle them into... Uh, pieces uh, for either upgrading or crafting. Crafting is not just crafting. Uh, it is also upgrading existing weapons. So yeah. if you... Uh, chances are, if you're specking into the thing in general, you'll be able to craft really high-level yeah. versions of legendary there's, stuff later on. There's a particular uh, perk. There's a perk. In that, yeah, there's a particular perk in that crafting tree that it's almost a shame it's such a high level for crafting because I think yeah. I think all builds should have access to it, but it lets you keep mods after disassembling equipment, whether it's guns or armor. There's so many. It'd be nice if that was also like a cyber deck upgrade. Like you could go to a ripper and buy that yeah, for your hand. Yeah, that'd be or great something. too. Yeah, because yeah. there's so many good armor pieces that you get in this game that will have like a plus thirty crit damage, like a mod or something like that, like a legendary mod. But it has shit stats. Like the actual armor piece has shit stats, or it looks ugly, and you don't want it. Yeah. Uh, the flip side of that is you get something with a slot, and then you never slot anything into it because you don't want to waste it on a low level piece yeah, of gear. Yeah, but now that I have this mo this uh, perk on my secondary character, it's fucking great. Like I'm I'm tossing mods on everything. Every time I have a good gun, I'm giving it like these sick mods that yeah. give it like twenty. The mod in damage. question is you get your mods back when you disassemble something. Yeah. Uh, not when you sell it. Yes, and crafting in general can be exploited very hard. Not only are you getting ar uh, passive armor for putting points into uh, technical ability, and then you also have the shoulder mod for another 200, but eventually you can start crafting such ridiculous armor with ridiculous mods that you keep keeping that you can get upwards of 4,000 armor I've seen some people online get. And then some Jeez. of the guns they're uh, creating, especially with the mods and abusing some sort of glitch, I think, they're getting guns with, like, 4,000 DPS. It's fucking crazy. Like, that's more than you'll ever need for this game. Uh, like, I had no problems using, like, a 800 DPS gun at the end of the game. It yeah. had no problems. Uh, but that, like, it goes, I like games like this that reward you for putting in the effort to exploit its its uh mechanics and its gameplay it's not online so why the fuck not it's like that's the that's this is why i love final fantasy that's tactics <laughs> this is why i love final fantasy tactics this is why i love final fantasy 12 so much uh they give you well, that was like sorry in uh in skyrim you would do like the potion glitch where it's just like you make potions to strengthen your enchanting ability yeah, i shouldn't say glitches uh, it's more like not even glitching just putting in the hard work and then be having access to uh, a lot of mechanics or items that you wouldn't normally be able to get at that level, but if you can, if you put in the work. I really love games that reward you for putting in the work. Like the Zodiac Spear. Yeah. Just don't open those chests. Well, uh, there, I thought you were talking about the second Zodiac Spear in FF12, which does require a lot of hard work. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, man. So uh, we're kind of winding up on this. Uh, the, the, here's how you play the game. Uh, of course, you have a journal to track all your quests. There are a number of gigs, side quests, full main stories, uh, cars to buy, uh, things you come across in the world, kind of like just random events or people being assaulted on the street you can take part in. Uh, you're constantly picking stuff up. You have you know, junk inventory. You have 
uh, all these things you're carrying around. You have a number of food items and stuff that's kind of like more just flavor, pun not intended, on the side. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, you've ever interacted with actually eating the food in this game. It's good for a boost if you know you're going to go into a big fight or something no, like that. No, I usually just it's, sell it. <laughs> yeah, or, or you just sell it for, for money, obviously. You're just constantly picking stuff up. So, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of loot. The inventory system, I think, could be handled a little better. It's not that different from the one in The Witcher, uh, from what I remember of it. Uh, just like the big grid... Uh, there could be a way to lock items. You want to make sure you don't accidentally disassemble or sell. Yeah. That seems like a huge oversight. Oh, there are a lot of little things like that Fuck, in the if UI. You want, if you want to talk about that, Lee, so crafting, yeah. uh, crafting is all based on components. You have regular, common, uncommon, rare, and epic, like the color scheme, right? Yeah. So you, you eventually... We're all, we're all familiar with the color yeah, scheme. Yeah, you can eventually unlock <laughs> a perk that you can upgrade com- uh, components to its higher tier. So if you don't have enough blue, you just keep upgrading green. And, like, you might have, like, 12,000 green but zero blue, so why the fuck not? Would be absolutely great if I had the option to craft them by the tens or the fifties or the hundreds, but nope. Craft them one at a fucking time, you piece of shit. It's, is it one to one? Is it one green for one blue? It's, like, ten green for one blue, I think, or some shit. But it's, like, <laughs> I have 12,000 green and I need 600 blue. Are you telling me I have to click this 600 times? And that's if you're on PC, Lee. If you're on fucking console, guess what? You're holding X until it's ready. So hold X Damn. 600 times if you like want to have like a reasonable amount of this component in your inventory. Completely fucking infuriating. I don't know. I, like I don't know how something <laughs> like that makes it past playtesting. Like, holy fuck! Did no one seriously try out a crafting build at CD Projekt Red? It's fucking. And they were just like. Yeah, this is... Well, you don't want to make a mistake and make too many or whatever. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of that little stuff around the edges of of, of equipping, unequipping. Of course, there's some inventory glitches now where you'll go to equip a mod and it's showing you the complete wrong inventory on the right-hand side. I don't know if you get that, too. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff is there. Obviously, that's something they can fix. Stuff like locking and unlocking a piece of gear in your inventory, that's something they can add later. Uh, But it's so strange that you would release an RPG like this in 2020 and not think... And not fucking think of that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it, like it turned me a lot off of crafting, because uh, like so much. It's all based on components. I need a lot of these components. I have like twenty thousand regular and like hundreds of the other ones. So like, yeah. I'm gonna have to spend hours just converting regular to green, green to blue, blue to purple, and purple to orange. The other big heads up is uh, anytime you enter a new area of the city, as soon as you're out of a story cutscene or or whatever, you're going to get eight messages from the local fixer as well as like three phone calls where he's just like, hey man, you don't know me, but I don't know you. You can come uh, fucking press the flesh with me. Otherwise, I'm just going to send you a bunch of missions. And the guy just sends you like a cavalcade of, like I get it. V, like fixers are well connected. They know V have, has entered their burrow and they want to present him with all this shit to do. I feel like that stuff is also, if it's not glitched, it's something that they definitely need to maybe drip uh, in, into the game, not fucking flood you with. I always think that's very, very strange. Uh, it happens in every borough in the game. Uh, it's just like, hey, I'm a character. Here are eight quests you can do for me. Okay, bye. Uh, that, stuff's, <laughs> that stuff's fucking weird. Um, other than that, uh, cover shooting works good. You can also hack from behind cover. You can shoot through cover. You can tag guys. You can do any number of things to them. Uh, the combat in general, I think, is serviceable. Obviously, you want to go tweak your movement and your camera settings to be a little snappier. Uh, another cardinal sin is that fucking ramp up of movement in any video game. Uh, the the developers should be sat down and be like, why Why is this better? <laughs> yeah. Why? How is... Why would come you, on now. Why would you do this? <laughs> 
Why would you? Why would you do something? Yeah, so I it also like. I think the gameplay would. I would put it even past serviceable to good. I enjoy the gameplay a lot. I love getting into fights and using my particular build. I think the game is a lot better once you actually have your build going and you're in those yep. later levels. Um, a big piss off with this game though is the stamina system. So when stamina runs out, that sounds like a you problem. So when stamina <laughs> runs out, you can still run and attack. You're just doing it a lot slower. Uh, it's very frustrating to me. I much prefer a system where you just can't attack or run, and it refills quickly. Uh, just a minor nitpick up for my end, I guess. But I... my build is like max stamina build for swinging swords, uh, so I have not uh, encountered that myself. But I did earlier in the game, of course, before I started specking towards it. Yeah, it took it, me but... forever to realize like why the fuck is my character running so slow all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, because I also have like t- tons of stamina regen. Uh, so it's like I can sprint at someone who's a fucking three football fields away, but as soon as I kill them and activate cold blood, I'm like I'm okay. Like everything's, it just keeps me going. Um, yeah, man, that's I think gonna sum. So next week we are uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be a new year. Uh, we'll see where I'm at in the game. Like I'm 25 hours in now. I've advanced kind of all the the missions kind of equally. Pan Am, listen, bitch. Every time I do a mission for you and you're like, hey, I'll call you if I got anything else. I'm like, okay, bye. The first thing I do is drive back into the city and get back to business. And then for the next day for her to be like, hey, I got a problem. Can you drive back out of the city? And I've straight up like told her to fuck off at this point, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, helping out Judy. Judy's starting to warm up to me. Uh, I did the part of the uh, the Arasaka, the main mission, I guess you would say. Uh, where we, we need to go talk to What's-Her-Face. And we do the parade thing, which I thought was a really, Fuck, really cool dude, mission. Dude, you're at, like, the fucking... You're, like, at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mostly main, you're, mainlined you're, you're uh, that stuff, I guess. You're just finishing... Like, after, like, once you're done that, you're, like, just done Act 2. So you're going into Act 3, which is a lot shorter than Act 2. Okay, so in terms of length, uh, we're, we're... The only thing is, is that the main quest isn't gated. There's nothing that prevents you from just mainlining it and finishing it yeah, which is I, strange I, in this game no there is a point to it i will say that uh endings are based on like i said before earlier this podcast endings are based on like particular side quest chains that you do for example um you can absolutely rush this story but if you do you will only have uh one fucking ending available to you or sorry you'll have two endings available to you one of them is the suicide one and the other one is the bad ending (laughs) (laughs) okay but 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 that's really the game doesn't really telegraph it right does it isn't that weirdly that in a game where like you got fucking cancer you better take care of it and you're like yeah this should be my number one priority and you get punished you get punished if that is your number one priority Right, so the game on one hand is telling you to rush and do this other thing, but if you rush and do that other thing, you experience the least amount of the game yeah. to your detriment. Yeah, and that's the open world problem, though, isn't it? Is you have this urgent task, but at every moment the game's telling you to ignore urgent task to do this thing instead. Yeah. Uh, and it's ex- Listen, it's especially I- bad in this one because the ending is determined based on the amount of side content that you did. Side content that you did. It, like, it seems, and like, you know, again, I haven't finished the game, but it seems like at any point, this is a game where that main story and the re- resolution there could have been written. Again, it's like pro wrestling, Reed. It's fake. It's not like we wrote ourselves into this corner and the story can't progress. It's like, okay, here's an idea. You wrote that. How about you rewrite it and make it make sense that you can continue playing this 300-hour game beyond the first 25 hours of main story? Is Is... 
it's not frustrating. It's their choice. It's their fucking game. Yeah. Uh, but knowing that now, I'm going to put off, like, knowing how that story resolves now and mop up as much side stuff as I can and hopefully come back around to the main story and, and complete it. I'm not going to say by next week, but in the next couple weeks, we don't want to talk about this game forever, of course. We'll revisit it as DLC comes out. By next week, I expect this will be a shorter conversation at the end of the episode where we just talk about some favorite side quests of ours and I'll kind of let you know where I am in the main story. Yeah. Uh, And then maybe wrap this up in two weeks. I'm being completely honest. Um, But we're both really enjoying it. Uh, it, this is a game that I look forward to revisiting uh, when they do do the the proper next-gen versions uh, when they add DLC and stuff to this game. I think they can get pretty wild with it. Speaking of charging for things, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Reed, let's talk about everything in Cyberpunk we want to talk about that isn't the ending. Well, Reed, it happened. We talked so much shit about Cyberpunk that a Netrunner fucking got us. Disconnected your connection, fucking fucked our shit all, all the way up. Unjacked uh, me. They, uh, they, they, if they can jack you, by God, they can unjack you. Yeah. Uh, so here we are doing this again. I listened to what sounded like a passionate one-way cell phone conversation about me talking to you about Cyberpunk without you being there. Obviously, people have listened to the episode up to this point and know you drop out at some point. So with some creative editing, it'll be like you were there the whole time. <laughs> we'll just we'll just sound sample you uh, and just put you in there. Yeah. That sweet, sweet can. Uh, so to get you up to speed on what we did talk about, and hopefully uh, this will help us re-jack in to the conversation... As it were. Well, after uh, we got jacked off. Yeah. Straight up getting jacked off. Uh, Reed beat the game. You talked about the multiple endings. That was last episode. And not the episode we lost. The episode before that. Uh, I found the 200 armor shoulder mod guy. Thank you. Uh, We got back to talking about the story. We talked about Night City, the atmosphere, the map, and the world. The the soundtrack and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Character builds existing and succeeding in Cyberpunk 2077. We gave some good tips as to what mods you should pursue early on in the game. Alright, other than that, uh, so now I have all the prompts of what we talked about uh, in the Lost episode. And uh, basically the lead into this was let's talk about everything in Cyberpunk that isn't the ending. Uh, CD Projekt Red has announced there is DLC to come. They are going to be expanding Night City. Uh, And the, the main crux of the conversation that we had lost was talking about how the game is structured around that main story. And now that you are playing a second playthrough and a third playthrough, as a matter of fact... Yes. Uh... You, you want to experience the content on the periphery. You, just like in Skyrim, don't want to trigger the dragons, so to speak. In this case, the dragons being Johnny on the chip in your head. Right. Um, uh, it's a, Right, that whole situation's a bit damned if you do, damned if you don't, when you think about it in hindsight. Because I always bitch about Skyrim and uh, for specifically not having a very tight narrative. But it's also its greatest strength is that you can just create a new character and you don't need to be the dragonborn or the savior of this earth. You can just be a fucking nobody in Skyrim going around doing merc work. Um, That's right. Similarly, Cyberpunk has a problem where I'm on my third playthrough and I've experienced this main story. But because so much of the content is hidden behind a wall of this main story requiring you to do it, uh, it's... 
very tiring going through it, especially when you get to the second act and the game really opens up with all the side jobs, the gigs, the cars to buy, the new upgrades through the cyber uh, ripper docks, all the new stores mm. to visit. Um, it's a shame, and I know there's going to be a mod that's created for this on PC at some point that's going to be called Skip Act 1, so you can actually get to uh, the, cr- the body of content that this game offers. Um, but I don't find the main story in Cyberpunk so enjoyable that I'm happy to play through Act 1 every time. Um, well, it also loses loses a bit of its impact after you've experienced it. Right. That's not to sell it short, because it's great yeah. uh, for what it is. Um, but the, the, the major side quests in the game revolve around uh, the main story. So we're talking about the Rivers, Judy, Pan Am. Uh, there's that, like, political couple whose name I can never remember. You talked about them last time. The Paralysis. Uh, yeah, so you have all of those quest lines to mop up. You have you have the stuff with Rogue. You have the stuff with Johnny uh, that you get in Act Three, and uh, th- those quests are all directly linked into w- what happens at the end of the game, as per what you've told me. Yes. And uh, the issue then is you aren't experiencing a finality uh, to all of these characters' stories. So if you did everything. Your ending does not, unless you run through it a bunch of times and choose the other options, if I'm not mistaken, you are only seeing finality to certain characters' stories. Yes. And even then, uh, so like, someone's left by the wayside, you went through this huge quest line with them, and it's left open-ended for that finale uh, that that could never come. Right. Um, it's, so. There's a bit of that, um, and it's not necessarily a negative thing. It encourages you to explore all the other endings and like it's somewhat realistic like if you choose a definitive end to something in real life you're not going to get all the answers to everything else um (laughs) but the problem with this is that a lot of the side jobs like you just said panam judy river and stuff like that um they start to get really good when they end so, like, the Paralysis, for example, they have a very interesting quest chain. I know you haven't done the second quest for them yet. But Supposedly, like, yeah. It's like there's a bunch of mystery, uh, there's a conspiracy, like, really cool, interesting plot lines, and you're, like, doing really hard detective work by yourself. And it's, like, one of the best quests in the game, in my opinion. And when you get to the end of it, they're just like, oh, thanks, have a good one. And you're like, wait, wait, no, aren't we, like, going to, like, explore this? Aren't we going to follow up on this? And you're like, no, no. Like, well... Oh, I think I've I think I've done that second quest then. Like, I, the, the, you meet them in their apartment or whatever, and you basically debrief them, and then they just say goodbye. No, no, no. They There's ask more? you to okay. <laughs> They ask you to investigate their apartment for something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, then. so you investigate their apartment, you do all this stuff, you find lots of secrets, lots of mysteries, and then you basically go back, <laughs> report it to them, and they're, like, and they're like, oh, thanks, have a good one. And you're like, wait, aren't, I'm gonna, aren't I going to solve this for you guys? Like, what's going on? And you don't. Similarly, for all the romance options, like Judy, River, not Panam. Panam had a lot of quests for her. She has very good development, in my opinion, even though you don't like her. Um, uh, no, so we, we kind of lost my big rant on Panam. Uh, I have issues with Panam. I have issues with Panam's entire side quest in that game. Uh, like, So if you don't like Panam, which I don't, uh, her character seems very manipulative. She calls and whines to V on the fucking phone about her relationship with this nomadic group. Your relationship with Panam is simply, I, I need a thing from you. Uh, I need I need your help with the the whole shooting down of the whatnot in that mission. After that, your willingness to help Pan Am is based entirely on either your want for eddies 
or your want for Panam's sweet sweet can. What a what a callback. Yeah. Uh, and I find there's a lot of forced emotional moments. So if you try to separate yourself from Panam, she's leaning against you. She's she's like whispering things to you. I'm just like it's it's very manipulative, and it gives me a very different view on that character. And we've kind of talked. You talked a little bit about how Judy is kind of that for you in the game. Um, not so much. My complaint with Judy and all the romances that aren't Panam is that their quest chains amount to about three quests in a row, and then you guys are already fucking. And then once you're done fucking, yeah, you can games. you can choose to enter a very superficial uh, relationship that means absolutely nothing. You can't like you can't like go out and hang out with them. And I know that's asking a lot <laughs> out of this kind of game to have like such intricate RPG aspects. So it's not it, because GTA Four had it right. And a game like Skyrim or Grand Theft Auto or like Fallout, like the people you romance will acknowledge that romance. It's not as easy to get that out of this game. Like, I romanced River, and he sent me a text once, and that was it. That's, like, the the most of interaction I've had with River since Girl, we bye. entered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and similarly, just, like, the paralysis, their quest chains also get interesting when they end. It's, like, I would like to see this relationship develop further. Why can't we have some quests um, where we're in a relationship and we also have to do merc work? You know what I mean? Like, maybe River has another case that he needs help on. So sure. he, he calls me, yeah. like maybe... That could, that could be... That's what we were kind of talking about. It's just like outside of the main quest in this game, uh, you can play this game for, for 200 fucking hours. Yes, you can, but it equates to building your character and then knocking out a checklist... It, it's a faux RPG. Like, yeah. I, I hate to say it. And there's but even things that CD Projekt Red have done better in earlier games than they did in this games that are very similar. Um, you, right. You've done the quest with Rogue where you are possessed by Johnny, right? I, I did the... I didn't do the quest with Rogue. I did the quest before that where he get he gets the information from that stripper or whatever. Okay. Um, well, whatever. Yeah. There's a quest... In, a very light spoiler. There's a quest in the game where you let Johnny take control of your body to do something, couple, essentially. Yeah. Right? Um, yep. And it's very cinematic in Cyberpunk. You do not get a lot of, if not any, control over your actions besides some dialogue choices. On the flip side to this, however, you have a game, Witcher 3, that CD Projekt Red also made. In the Hearts of Stone DLC, they had a very similar mission to this. You have to fulfill this ghost's last wish essentially and he wants to party so you let Geralt lets him take over his body and then you are in control of this ghost who is in control of Geralt's body and when you go to this party you can do anything you can get into boxing matches chase a pig play cards with dwarves fucking classic party yeah flirt with every girl you see dance do all this shit it wasn't like a passive railroad thing and no. uh, there's so many other quests that are very similar to this in the amount of interactivity that you have in Witcher 3. And it's just very odd that you didn't get that level of it in in Cyberpunk. Maybe it's because they wanted to focus on other things. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a shame that some of these quests... Like, like I said on the Lost content, um, the yeah. writing in this game is always on the verge of becoming fantastic. And it just doesn't get over that hump, in my opinion. I think the closest it's got uh, was in Act 3 with your interactions with Johnny. Um, right. But there's several endings that if, you, if you're if you not directly doing what Johnny wants, you don't have a lot of interaction with him. And since so much of the game is a, is relying on you and Johnny, 
uh, it feels very weird when you don't end the game talking to Johnny all the time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, we we talked about kind of the deeper the deeper aspects of there being no lasting consequences in this game for the main character. So, like, in Judy's storyline, uh, you, you help her basically take over the Clouds nightclub, and the person that you get in with at Clouds kind of goes into business for herself, and uh, long story short, you basically end up killing some really high-ranking Tire Claw officials in this thing, and there there's no consequences whatsoever. Uh, you're, you're spit back onto, onto the street, click the next quest, and keep going. Uh, the Tire Claws, no matter how many thousands of them you kill in the streets, the side quests uh, never change. We talked about uh, how th- there seems to be factions in every borough. So every borough has its own gang, has its own fixer. However, be, there, there's nothing gating this. And this is the, the biggest uh, proof of there being cut content in this game in terms of like a drip a drip feed of content is when you enter a new borough, you are contacted for like, depending on your street cred, which I guess is what they put in, in place of a faction system is you get called, Hey, there's three cars for sale. Hey, I got this guy to kill. I got a laptop to find. I got a person who's kidnapped and they're, and they're just hitting you with these messages rather than I have a car for sale and I have one gig available for you. And then as you increase your rep with the, that gang, through right. However, means. Yeah. Then, then the other car becomes available. Then another gig becomes available. That doesn't happen. So as long as you have maxed out street cred and you wander into a borough, you, you are just inundated with these quests that don't amount much more, again, to than, than a checklist. And that makes it feel, like I said, a faux RPG like an Ubisoft game, like a Far Cry or a, uh, an Assassin's Creed. And that's not a knock against those games. Right, like Skyrim, it's a knock against, like Skyrim doesn't yes. have any hard faction system where if you keep doing jobs for the Imperials, the Stormcloaks will get mad at you. Right, uh, but there there are consequences in that if you finish uh, a storyline, something in the world changes. It changes, yeah. even as minuscule as it could be. So, like Witcher and Skyrim are kind of off to one side. They can function outside of their main story, whereas Cyberpunk, when you stop to smell the roses, when you start to not pursue the main quest, when you lose that sense of urgency, like you have on your subsequent playthroughs, you realize that in terms of an open world RPG, the game is pretty empty. In that it is just, go here, kill these guys, go here, steal this thing. Sure, you can approach it with different ways and different character builds, but unless you are inhabiting that character of V and you're pushing that those stories forward, uh, it, it, there, there's not a lot around the edges of this game that make you feel immersed or make you feel a part of it. Right, yeah, I uh, would agree. And that, that's something different from Skyrim, where you can always put yourself in third-person view to check out your character. Uh, the mundane sure. <laughs> tasks are very immersive, weirdly enough, because it's just this fantasy world and you're doing everything. Whereas, and I said this last time, the advantage of a game like Ubisoft's games or Skyrim or Fallout is that they have dungeons. Uh, you can explore the map, you can find different hideouts, and you can go in there and you'll spend like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you'll get a neat little story, kill some enemies, have some loot at the end. There may be some traps in the dungeon, some obstacles to otherwise go around. But there's none of that in Cyberpunk. The equivalent of that is the police missions, and they're just dudes standing in an open field. So there's not a lot of um, approachability to combat, because it can be over in 30 seconds if you want it to. There's a lack of uh, diversity. There's a lack of variety in the quests. Like, the story quests are great, and, and they go some places, and they're, and they're fine, and they're fantastic, at least the first time you experience them. Yeah. But the, the stuff you're doing to basically power level yourself before moving forward in the story, because you don't want to, uh, is very rote. It's fun at first, because you're like, look how powerful I'm getting at this point in the game versus the last time I played. Look at this new build. This is a lot of fun. 
Uh, but then where do you go from there? And that's where the game, I think, feels unfinished. It feels that there's nothing cohesively piecing all of this together. Uh, it, you are truly just spit out. And whether you advance the story or do a bunch of side content to level yourself up before, uh, it, like, it feels a bit shallow. Uh, like, I love the city. I love exploring the city. I like just doing activities in the city. And that's a credit to this game. Uh, and, and all the the work put into actually building the world here. Uh, I just wish there was a little more variety in what I'm doing in the world. Or a variety in how I can approach the game. Because there isn't, currently. If they're doing DLC where they're going to flush out Night City and put a bunch of side quests that have nothing to do with the main quest. Then so be it. Uh, this will be a great game to play a year from now. Which was kind of the sentiment of what we've been saying here the whole time. Right. Um. Right, but yeah, but can, as as it stands, yeah, yeah, you can't escape that main quest. Even when you romance a character at the end, you like your dialogue options are "I'm gonna fucking die" scene. By the way, um, like you you can't escape it. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird game because obviously the writing is better than a Skyrim, but for some reason, even though Skyrim and this game follow the same kind of uh, path in regards to their side content, for some reason Skyrim is just like easier to just hop into with a random character. I, man, I, I don't know how to put it in a word. Cyberpunk's main story is its greatest strength and its greatest weakness. It lends. I think its story structure is its greatest weakness. Yeah, I, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to put into words because like Witcher Three is somewhat similar, but you're not dying the whole fucking game. Right. Even in Red Dead Two, uh, it, there isn't the same amount of urgency that there is. Like to to put. Uh, that level of urgency on the main story on the main character that that will always exist there's no point where you play cyberpunk 2077 and that isn't there that's an element in this game for as long as this game will exist right and it's an odd choice and we've been saying that since the beginning especially because all of the extra content that they do have in here the body of content that can can last you 200 hours is the most unurgent shit in the world it's go help the cops go buy a motorcycle go buy three more motorcycles uh, it it's really weird. Like I said, when you stop to actually look around and be like, "What am I doing?" Moment to moment in this game, uh, that's a downside of the game. That's like it's fun to play. Everybody at one point or another, when this game is is glitch free, uh, you know, go check it out. Experience the main story for yourself. There's some great stuff in there. Yeah, and we're about to pivot to some of that great stuff now. Uh, but oh, I one think more we've, thing. We've... One more thing. Yeah, sure. Go for uh, it. Serious lack of uh, besides doors. What like what can you circumvent in this game using your high skill stats? I wish there was more things that you could do if you specialized in body. Like maybe you could fucking lift cars or like some shit like that. But as it is, it's Crack like sometimes sometimes you get unique dialogue options that will give you the same result as the other dialogue options. Well, sometimes it's like. Uh, technical ability check, you use your computer brain to open this door. Or sometimes, like, body check, this is the same door, except now you're just forcing it open with your bare arms. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wish there was more things to do with those skill stats. Like, I love how in New Vegas, you can go up to a broken robot and fucking prim because the dude said, oh, yeah, we had a robot, he's down. And if you have enough science skill, you can repair him, and all of a sudden the town has a sheriff. Well... therein lies the rub in that the quest objectives as we're talking about in Cyberpunk are very simple it's like sneak and get a thing sneak and kill these guys or just kill these guys 
And your character build is kind of based around that. So when you think about the high skill stuff, it's like, oh, having high technical ability or whatever, so I can get that, uh, you know, dismantle things and keep my mods. That's a reason to have a high high stat score there. Otherwise, there, when you're building your character, the the point of having high skill stats is just that. To look on the perk tree and be like, oh, I need 12 for this, but I need 16 for that. Well, I'm going to push myself to 12 so I can get the heal when I make enemies bleed, but I won't... Uh, push that stat to 16 so I can go over here and get this. Um, it, again, uh, it just seems uh, kind of shallowy. Shall it's it's shallow. It's it's a shallow character building thing in in what happens to the world afterwards. Like if there were quests that required certain st uh, stats, if there was a faction system and you needed a certain amount of technical ability to even you know talk to this fixer, he doesn't want anything to do with you if you you can't do something. Uh, then you can also work that into quests, yeah. where if like, hey, this is a body based quest, there are things in this quest that will pertain to your character build specifically. Right. That is something. Uh, that Elder Scrolls and Fallout games do have, and then you end up d going through quests. You build a mage character in Skyrim, and then you end up doing the uh, the the Champions Guild or something, where it's a bunch of sh sword and board, yeehaw, warrior types. Well, now you're you're coming at that from a completely different angle, using magic spells and and high level shit you've learned elsewhere, and the experience feels your own. Cyberpunk does not have that. Right, and there's something to be said that. Like it's not, like let's not pretend that Skyrim has more depth to its quests or anything than uh, Cyberpunk. It's the perennial like it's the thing that games will be compared to like this forever. Like, yeah, you can't you can't escape Skyrim. But the advantage to Skyrim is that you know going in, all right, like all the quests are going to amount to get the thing or kill the people. The advantage is, is in 10 minutes, I can be in Skyrim doing whatever the fuck I want. If I want to go do Dawn Guard right away, the game lets me do that. The Negative about Cyberpunk is, alright, I want to start a new character, this new build seems fun, I'm fine with just killing random dudes. But you have to play 10 hours of content, essentially, before you can actually get to the point where the full game is open to you. The character building yep. and quest structure of this game is such that you'd want it available, all of it, as soon as possible. Yeah. For, for the variety, like I said, you jumping right back into another character seemed like, you're like, oh, I never do this, but here I did, and I get it for the the power leveling in the first area sounds great. Like, that sounds like something that's fun that I'm, I might even want to do uh, when I wrap this game up, hopefully over this weekend here. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to the quest and just, like, I guess I have to sit, sit, sit through the... Sit through, like, even the fucking Bethesda games give you a save file right before the point of no return. So you get through the tutorial and you're just right. exiting the vault in Fallout oh, 4. And it, let, it, let, yeah. Like, let me tell you, Lee, uh, my third fucking playthrough, and every time it tells me I have to go to Moxie's to do that brain dance fucking mission to watch Evelyn stroke your Nubu's dick. I, if I have to do that one more time, I'm never going to fucking play this game again because it drives me... I have me to jerk off to this one more time. Yeah, it's like 30 minutes long even if you're just spamming circle to skip all the cutscenes. There's no just like like fucking skip mission option, obviously. But like if you're just doing a brain... I fucking hate brain dances. God damn it. If, I wish they would just add in a skip brain dance. You played this shit. Who gives a fuck? Like, it's, is there no new game plus option that, no, that like, affords you that? No, it's just like when you start a new game, you're playing like the old one. You can't skip full scenes. You're just spamming circle to skip dialogue. Especially if this is the third time that Dex is about to betray you. Like, like you're not immersing me anymore at this point. Like, another thing. So it kind of comes back to role playing and the lack of consequences too. Is that you're supposed to feel like this badass? You're supposed to feel like in any situation when people uh, come up to you to fuck with you. 
you, you can fuck them up. You can fuck them up right back. But there are a lot of times in this game where your player agency is taken away. Either you are uh, voluntarily being plugged into something. Uh, like with the Voodoo Boys, for example. There are two parts in that where it's just like... The guy asks, like, goes and reaches for your hand. I, I like this. I like this mission because it ended fucking awesome for me. But uh, that motherfucker goes to like grab your your hand and grab your wire out of it, and you're like, no. And you have a bunch of uh, you have a bunch of speech options that basically say like, hey, fuck you, no, don't do this, blah 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 blah. Ultimately, you are forced to give him your hand, and lo and behold, just like the Dexter part that you're talking about, he installs a virus on you and tries to kill you during that mission. If I go back and play that mission because I love it. I now know that, and there's no way for me not to allow him right. to install that virus. It's the exact same as Dex shooting you, and he's like, go wash your yes. face. And yeah. In my first playthrough, I'm like, I know this dude's going to fucking shoot me as soon as I walk out. This is stupid. So if you go do this Voodoo Boys mission late in the game, kind of like I did for what this mission is, and I'm super overpowered, it like things don't make sense. So there's a point after uh, we get I get like fucked up by them, and you go back to... So you go into this crazy uh, shootout in a mall. It's great. In Pacifica there with the Voodoo Boys. Uh, spoilers for the rest of the mission. You enter cyberspace uh, looking looking for someone. And you have to, again, voluntarily be led into this. Even though they just tried to kill you. And you get back and you're like, hey, I'm alive. And they're like, oh, the, the scumbag is back and he's alive. Well, I guess let's talk to him now. And then you tell them about the chip. And then they're going to help you with this chip. I liked at least at the very end of this mission when you got what you needed out of the Voodoo Boys. There is an option to cut your way through these fuckers, and then that guy who took your hand in the first place and installed the virus, you get to basically have a boss fight with them. I don't know if you did the mission that way. Uh, no, I didn't, but I'm definitely doing that next time. Uh, chopping up the voodoo boys is one of my favorite parts of Cyberpunk <laughs> so far. Uh, I had a glitch happen because of just how it went down, so she's like, uh, this and that, hey, uh, yeah, we're pretty much wrapping up here, and I'm like, still sore about it and choosing the, the speech options where I'm just like, kind of getting in her face about it. And she, he, uh, basically the line came down to, uh, I'd rather to I'd rather settle the score right now, and it says draw weapon. I just fucking pull out my sword and cut off her head, and then my health bar fucked up where it was stuck at zero, and I couldn't tell if I was dying or I was immortal or I just couldn't see my health. So I started frantically with you know that cold blood perks, man, cutting my way through all these voodoo boys, making my way to the front, murdering the shit out of this boss, and getting outside and realizing the whole time. I was low on health and very vulnerable. I just couldn't see what my health was. So I made it out of there one try by the skin of my teeth just by luck. And I'm like, that was great. A glitch factored into how cool this ended up being. Uh, but but there, the quest stuff like that is really bothersome to me. Skyrim? I hate to keep going back to Skyrim. I know, I know. But there are a lot of quests in Skyrim where you can choose a speech option and you fail the quest and it moves on. But for that character, if that was the decision that made sense... So, like, there's a Markarth one where you're, like, investigating something and these guys are going to jump you. You can choose not to go there. There are other ways to go about the quest that, sure, makes it so you don't get to progress the quest in that particular case. But guess what? You're also the smartest motherfucker in the world that didn't get jumped from behind. Uh, and, and that... That, I think, will hurt subsequent playthroughs of this game. You have to see where they're going with it. Like we said, they have DLC planned. Right. Something's coming down the tube, Reed. Yeah, so. it's, it's an open-world game with a single-player story, and I think that's the problem here. Um, it's, yeah, it's fucking weird. It's, like, <laughs> there's, there's something to be said about having a voice protagonist. Uh, it's the reason why I'm not a big fan of Fallout 4. Um, it constantly feels like my character is being role played for me when I'm when everything in this game is trying to tell me that it's an open world RPG. 
Right. It's not. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's <laughs> you've nailed it. It's not so bad in Cyberpunk because I really like V. I think they're a fun character. This it just doesn't seem like a character I made. Whereas in Skyrim, I there is to a degree a level of freedom where my character can have a somewhat consistent personality based on my choices, and their voice in the head is my voice, so they have their own individual individualism. Um, right. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's weird because this isn't this isn't an RPG like Skyrim because, like I said, it's a single player story for an for an open world game. Uh, I yeah, I can't put my finger on it. It's just uh, I think it's Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like Deus Ex, but Deus Ex is an open world and do whatever you want. There's certain side quests and there's some areas you can explore, but. It never, for longer than two hours, goes away from that main story. It feels more like a single-player game than it does an open-world, do-what-you-want game. Definitely. And and again, we're criticizing the game for that only because it has the trappings of the open-world game with all these activities and things. And the character building, especially. Right, yeah. So it's it's hard to say if this game perhaps lacked a more complete vision or literally the game is not complete. Right. Like a game as far as we know, everything we're complaining about was intended to be wrapped up like you look at Witcher Three and then you look at this game, you see that they are just not the same. You look at Witcher Three and then you look at this and you're like, well it's sure everybody expected they would bring all those Witcher three bells and whistles into this game. And we, and we didn't get them. Okay. Well, we weren't necessarily promised a lot of that stuff, but you also have to consider why would someone who has made Witcher three and, and is capable of that wouldn't have tried to also execute that here. The other difference is Lee is that in Witcher three, Geralt is always going to be using two swords and a little bit of magic. And like, that's it. Your character in Cyberpunk can differ greatly between melee, blunt, and blade. You have submachine guns, pistols, shotguns, light machine guns, power assault rifles. You have mantis blades, gorilla arms, rocket launchers. Uh, it's, it's. So what is the? So we we have to ask ourselves the advantage of making a voiced protagonist. Obviously, if you're telling a story, uh, you can get a more emotional performance yes. out of the main character uh, if you voice them. Right. Rather than just have it be text dialogue, right? Yeah, that's absolutely the advantage is that you get a more emotional pull into the story. I think it works better in Witcher 3, like I said, because Geralt never really feels like they're changing. Whereas in Cyberpunk, they make you want to feel like you have different Vs because you can change their appearance and you can change their build. But at the end of the day, they're all going to be the same character experiencing the same story. It works in Witcher 3 because everything in the game tells you that and you're expecting that, not so much in Cyberpunk. Um, so yeah, it's weird. It's yeah, fucking. It's it's a weird weird situation. I can't get the right words out for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like we we ate a whole pizza and the pizza didn't have sauce on it, and we're sitting there being like, something's fucking wrong with this pizza. Like it's and really I can't quite good. My, it's just like yeah, like the pizza's great and I'm full, but uh, something was. What the fuck is missing on this fucking pizza? Uh, let's end it on a positive note today, because uh, I feel like we just dragged out our last conversation into a more bitching and whining right. conversation. And it's, not like, it's not like Last of Us Part 2 where we say the narrative is a total fail and all of this stuff. It's, a, it's broken. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just peculiar is a good word. Right. Uh, so... I got to the the quest where uh, basically you know, it's it's an open spoiler conversation at this point. People should realize that. Uh, but basically, Johnny in Act Three 
like you you learn more about Johnny. Uh, you, you learn some of why he did what he did in Arasaka Tower. Uh, he, he kind of endears himself to you, and in, unless Johnny is lying, he has really softened. Uh, he he's he has a character arc in this game that I think is very well done. So he basically asks you, as we talked about earlier, uh, to take over your body so he can convince Rogue uh, to do something, and that something is to uh, basically get get Adam Smasher to pay his debts. This guy who has disappeared for years, Adam Smasher, suddenly doing private security for Arasaka. He's resurfaced. Let's go fucking take this guy out. Uh, so there's a scene after uh, that particular mission where Johnny learns he was kind of... Er- his body, after being soul-killered, was unceremoniously kind of dropped in a dump. Not unlike yours was, except you were a nobody who got in over their head and got shot in the face, rightfully so, by Dexter Deshaun. Johnny was a fucking legend of Night City, was in this band, was this fucking up, you know, this this terrorist, was this guy in the news. Everybody knew Johnny Silverhand, yeah. yet suffered the same fate as you, uh, being tossed into the garbage here. So there, philosophically, Johnny is the thing that brings you back to life and also subsequently brings Johnny back to life. You, you both suffered this same fate, and here you are again, uh, he's kind of, you know, he says, like, oh, I, I would expect there to have been a marker or something. Like, he's not expecting a mausoleum f- with with crying women and uh, and uh, and flowers 50 years after his death. But literally, it's a fridge door uh, in a dump yeah. <laughs> where, where Johnny it, is, is, he, is decomposing. Like, he more or less says, he's like, you know, I've thought I, for these last 50 years, I had a lot of friends who cared about me. But I realized this whole time I've been a big piece of shit and no one likes me. Through every through talking through you to everybody, I realized how much of a fucking tool I've been, uh, and it's great. And there's a shame like there isn't an absolute fuck ton more of this in the game. This level of attention to character development. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's his Christmas Carol moment. It's Scrooge going into the future and seeing his own grave, and then having the change of heart. Right, right? like Panam doesn't begin her quest line being like, fuck the Aldecados, and then by the end she's like, nah, you know what, I love the Aldecados. She always loved the Aldecados, she just didn't like Saul. Saul is the one that changed, not Panam. Um, and that's probably where the fault you're seeing in that quest line, honestly, when I say it in hindsight, is that it's Panam's quest line, but she's not the one with the character arc. It's it's Saul. Uh, the- there's like there's stuff with Panam where she's basically asking you to help her, and if you are helping her out of the goodness of your heart, if you're helping her because you are a friend of Panam and it's a mutual relationship, then you go on with the the top two text options and you move on. If you start to question Panam, if she's like, "Yeah, I we're gonna go steal a fucking tank," and you're like, "Okay," and she's like, "Yeah, so saddle up," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." I'm getting fucking paid about this, right? And then she's she's put out. Then her character... Like, I dislike... Actively dislike her character for that. In that I'm in it for the... I'm a merc. I'm in it for the money or weapons or what have you. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And then I'll help you. Uh, the the part where she... Where the game even assumes that... Oh, you would just help Panam. Because she's a character in this video game. Uh, from a role-playing point of view. Just, like, makes me actively dislike right. her. Ex- Judy... Especially if you're yeah. a corporal character. Like, wouldn't that be yes. totally in line with what your character was set out to be as? Right. Just to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we gotta start to wrap it up here. I'm gonna try to beat this game this weekend, Reed. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the fuck happens. But uh, bring a list of your favorite moments of Cyberpunk, I guess. We'll talk about the ending. And then perhaps... Uh, set this like like so many hobbits and elves at the end of uh, Lord of the Rings. Set this uh, a sail on a on a ship 
and maybe come back to visit it during regular hours during our podcast uh, to talk about DLC or whatever subsequent things they add to this game. So... conversation today with a little talk about Cyberpunk 2077. As I mentioned, I did not finish the game. I did finish a number of the side quests and wanted to kind of touch on those and what you experienced at the end of your side quests uh, because it had to have been vastly different than mine. So I did Judy, I did Pan Am, I did Rivers. Uh, when I say I did, I don't mean with my penis. I mean <laughs> I did the side quests because I have romanced no one in that game. Uh... And I guess it's like you said, if you are not aggressively choosing the flirt options or romance options during those early quests, just count it out. Is that more or less what I'm to understand? Uh, count them out. <laughs> um, no, I guess I was more so saying that um, in Cyberpunk, they don't subtly bring up the romance to you. Uh, like I said, in Persona you have 10 levels of a relationship and it's around level five to seven when you actually start getting some flirtation options. And if you don't choose those, then you can't actually date them later. Whereas in cyberpunk, it's more like, let's do a bunch of quests together. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you that I want to fucking be in a relationship and you're put on the spot and you, you don't really get a chance to cultivate that relationship in a natural way. It seems more. So I'm saying false on that because both Judy and Pan Am, uh, I are they romanceable by a, like a male character? No, as far as I know, uh, Pan Am is is the hetero male Judy option. Isn't. Judy is the homosexual female option. Gotcha. So in Pan Am's case, it never it never came up uh, at the end. What do you mean? Not that I was like there was no romance option. There well, was no, no. You need to like in that mission where you're on the couch. You need to like fucking ask her to do go some to... bill cosby shit <laughs> no like it is like persona in the fact that uh you have to be flirty in the quest it's not as obvious and it's a lot quicker is what my complaint is um like i don't like how in cyberpunk how it's like second mission and panam's like fuck me and you can't just be like how about we fuck on the eighth quest as opposed to the second one I just, so modest, yeah. Yeah, I just I just feel like the progression was too quick, and they didn't make it entirely obvious how you want to progress. So what's so what's interesting about that is the only romance option I've been offered is Rivers, uh, and I don't think it affects any of the other dialogue or anything. Like I don't think it changes the character and how they respond to you up until that point. But uh, things got really gay really fast. Is is how I like to put it. Uh, at the end of that, at the end of that quest, uh, the way he would like talk to V after a certain point, I guess I chose a flirtatious option at some point earlier, uh, and then everything had a weird tone after that. And like, hey, nothing wrong with Rivers at all. If that's uh, if that's a, I like my V nearly fucked Rivers. I was like, you know what? It's this is how mo much more romantic will this be for uh, Rivers to just rail me at the top of this fucking water tower uh, when he offers me a beer? But to 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 see it going in that direction and to continuously. Uh, 
push away his advances like seeing him be like oh let's go to this romantic spot and i'll offer you a drink and for me to be like i'm good or like give me a lemonade i don't want to drink booze and him just be like well i'm just gonna get drunk then uh it became very cringy very awkward I, if you didn't experience this or, or see the, the cutscene the way I saw it, well, uh, like with Pan Am, there was just nothing. There was no romantic option at the end. Uh, basically, she's like, hey, you're welcome here anytime. Uh, peace. And then with Judy, she was just like, I'm leaving Night City. And I'm like, cool. Right. Here's the keys to my apartment, uh, says Judy. And then the next time she called me on the hollow, not six hours later in game, Okay. Uh, she had already moved to Seattle. All right. So. We're having very different experiences here. First of all, you are a you are a male character. So already Judy and Rivers aren't going to really give you the option to romance them at all. But Rivers did. Right. No, you have the option to try to flirt with these characters, Lee, but they will reject you. I have tried. Okay. Rivers wouldn't have fucked me if I asked him to? You, no, he would not have. <laughs> Damn! Uh, so, for example, there's also the homosexual male romance option later in the game. You should have met this person yet by now. Have you? Uh, unless you tell me who they are, Carrie. I don't know. Carrie. Oh, it's Carrie. Okay, I've met Carrie. I didn't know he was a romance yeah, option. So, Carrie is my favorite, like side character in this game um it's not because of his quest line but i just think he's a really fun character but like for example my game i can try to kiss carrie and if you do he pushes you off and he's like what the fuck i know i don't like that um and his is the best in that regard because he never gives you any indication that he's interested whatsoever which is more than i could say for panam or rivers like you said so in my game, well, now I'm more confused that I can't fuck Rivers, but he seemed like he really wanted to fuck. No, because they didn't change the dialogue based on your gender. Okay, so this changed, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, they only changed <laughs> a few lines. So, like that's and that's a problem with the writing, of course, is that Judy uh, P- Panam flirts with you even if you're a girl, and then you try to flirt back, and she's like, "No, no, no, V, we're just friends." So likewise with River, when you are a girl and you decide that your girl is a heterosexual or bisexual. And River flirts with you, it doesn't feel awkward. Whereas your character, you decide, is like a hetero male, or maybe you just don't like River, but he's aggressively flirting with you. And I think that's where the problem lies with the with these romance options. So you're saying, as a female character, Panam still does the thing where she like lays on you in that yes. cabin, yes. even though there's no action to be taken yes. on that. Yes, that's correct. Like you can try to flirt back with her, but she gets up and she's like, "Whoa, V! Like I didn't mean it like that. Back away." Um, and that's the fault with the game, though, is that they should have had unique animations and dialogue based on your gender and uh, how your character looks in their voice so you could properly adjust the relationship. Because as it is, so, 90% yeah. of these characters' interactions are the same regardless of gender, even though their sexual preference is different. Right. So the other thing is you choose if your character is is male-leaning or female-leaning, but then the genitals have nothing to do with that, Correct. More more so that, like, out of 100 lines that River will have, 98 of them will be unchanged, and only two of them will be changed based on your gender, and that's not enough for a romance option, in my opinion. You need to, you need to flesh that out so we, right. we have clear signals before of what they're interested in, what they want, etc. This, this is the most unnecessary uh, cyberpunk conversation that anyone will have, right. but I was very curious about, But like, and it, it goes back to these side quests and how unfinished this game is. Right, and <laughs> it, it's another problem too, because Panam's is, 
that's why I like Carrie the most in his romance option is because in his quest line, he never gives you any indication that he's interested in any sort of relationship. Um, you're the one that more or less has to has to start it. So therefore, it feels a little bit more natural than like Panam, who's clearly flirting with me as a girl, even though she is not, even though she's straight. Uh, so Johnny's in your head experiencing you having gay sex with his band member. Yes, and I'm very interested to see that dialogue, to be honest. Because uh, so, <laughs> you know Johnny's going to be in the room, yeah, right? Yeah, please have sex with Carrie Lee and then tell me what Johnny says. Because, fun fact, if you have sex with River, um, mm. when you wake up in the morning, uh, Johnny will just be against the bed smoking a cigarette and he's like tapping aggressively the wall and he's just like, I can't believe you made me fuck a badge. <laughs> and you're like, whatever, man, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good shit. Yeah, so I, okay. I, I like that. Uh, I like that. <laughs> okay, my plan is is to fuck Carrie. Then. Yeah, and I think uh, I love Carrie as a character. I think he's very funny. I love how they're like, like the class. You if you figure in any recent game where they have a homosexual male character, they're typically taken very seriously. They're very intelligent. Like they're clearly stepping on eggshells because they don't want to offend anybody, right? Um, sure. In Cyberpunk, Carrie is like this alcoholic, depressive. New York accent, rude fuck, who calls everybody cunts and like he's like, "You dumb bitches, get over here, give me some cigarettes and shit." Like he's just fucking abrasive asshole rocker guy, and I fucking love him. I like it's one of the most unique spins on it because it has nothing to do with his character unless you want it to be about his character. So things I will say positively about these side quests in Judy's last side quest, you go scuba diving. And you, uh, you go to her old neighborhood and you realize it's been completely flooded out. And at first you're thinking, oh, it's, uh, it's like the, the San Andreas fault. Like the fucking earth is falling into the sea. But it turns out uh, that it was intentionally flooded out by corpse. Um, so there's another, just like a, a, a throwaway, hey, this happened versus showing us. Or, or having it happen in real time. Be like, hey, the corpse are forcing people out of their homes and they're going to fucking flood it. That's evil. Uh, this game is not interested in having that conversation at, in its current state. After you do this mission, uh, and when I say after, I mean the, all these missions end the same way with V having a f- going into a fucking coma after the relic chip malfunctions and then you basically having to say, hey, yeah, this is the situation. I guess it's time to say our goodbyes. Judy gives me the keys and she goes to Seattle. In Pan Am's case... Same thing happens following Pan Am around the camp after the mission is done and she's reconciled with Saul. Uh, that last mission where you drive the tank, it, it's a mission where you drive a tank. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, then you uh, pass out again and then reveal to Pan Am, if you haven't already, what's going on with Johnny in your head. So both of these missions I did back-to-back in the exact same way. And feel like there's more... Like, Judy just kind of decides my quest line is done and I'm moving... I have to go back to my home planet. Pan Am's like, well, I guess I'm uh, I made up with these guys now. And that's the end of you doing quests for me. Uh, so call me on the hollow and I'll never reference this again. Uh, and then with the Rivers <laughs> thing, you... It has a cool thing where you find the serial killer. Like, every open world game has to have a mission like this. Uh, you find the, the all the boys in the thing with the, the tubes in them. Uh, and free them. And then Rivers invites you over... Uh, for a nice barbecue, I'm in the middle of trying to hit on his sister when he cock blocks me and tells me, "Hey, let's go up to the water tower," uh, and made it seem like he was ready to uh, to fuck me. When you have now told me that it was never on the table and this guy was just being putting out real weird vibes uh, the entire game. Right, and to that's me. because uh, I'm sure if they had another year, they wrote a, they would have wrote a very uh, unique male V 
variant of that final part. It feels like, yes, that there is there is meant to be, like Mass Effect, multiple uh, like text routes right. you can go down with these so, characters. And because they didn't have time to do the other one, the one they had to leave in was the romance one. Right, so Judy, Judy's... Panam's ended this exact same way for me, by the way. She's just like, thanks, we're like best friends, you're welcome here anytime, see you later. Judy was basically, I am not going to leave because I love you now, I'm going to stay here, here's the keys to my apartment, now we'll never talk again until the end of the game. Uh, Rivers, <laughs> yeah, Rivers is even worse. So difference is that uh, Rivers' sister is clearly trying to set you up with River, and you can either lean into it or kind of like be like, hey, "That's funny." Uh, <laughs> and then right, whereas in, from my perspective, I thought she was hitting on me. Right, and then like when you're eating dinner, she keeps like nudging River and being like, "Come on, come on." And River's like, "Okay, okay, okay," and then he's like, "Come on, I need to show you something." And that's when you go to the water tower. Uh, I, oh, that's I weird. definitely fucked River. I, no, for me, it wasn't weird. I thought it was really sweet for my character and all. No, stuff. I'm not saying the 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 writing or like what what's going on is weird. I'm just saying the way the game is structured and the quests are structured right. is fucking it's weird. It's unfinished. That's what it is. Yes, that's that's all it is, really. Huh? Yeah. So the Voodoo Boys. This will be the last thing we talk about today. <laughs> you did. You didn't kill all the Voodoo Boys. Well, in my first playthrough, no, I did not. I'm definitely going they, to do my next. <laughs> is there any reason to leave them alive? Are they there? Can you trade with them? No, I, I had no interaction. I'm like, where's the big fucker? I want to kill him really bad. And I couldn't find him anywhere. So I'm like, ah, well, I guess I'll just fuck myself. Yeah. Uh, there's also a good part in that, uh, a dissonance in that quest where you come out of the place after they thought they fried your brain and those two homies are standing there. And they're like, oh, man, you're still alive or whatever. And you cannot kill those guys. They, uh, they, you cannot even draw your weapon on them. They get back into their car and drive away. Weird game. We are going to, uh, talk about the ending, or endings, because I will likely just reload and do all the, uh, main story endings. Was, yeah, I was at the last mission. Like, f- since we recorded, and I said, "Oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll beat it this week." I literally was was needed to step in the elevator and go finish the game. Uh, so I've basically been pussyfooting around, uh, doing extra quests, cleaning up stuff on the map, and then finally realizing, no, 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 I need to hunker down, just fucking get this done. And we will revisit that in a, a few minutes here, as we talk about some of the endings we got and kind of our closing thoughts on that game. Uh, but other than that, in the news, speaking of cyberpunk, uh, we had one of the CEOs release like a video that was kind of like shifting blame from the developers, from the people who worked on that game directly to the people in charge. Uh, you know, this is not a guy who does this. So I take a lot of like, I don't hold him to every word he says, but, uh, using terminology, like saying, oh, the old consoles, when those consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox one were only what, three weeks old when cyberpunk came out. Yeah. Uh, and un- you couldn't find a PS5 or Xbox One anywhere. So there, there is a very real uh, problem they're facing with lawsuits misrepresenting that console version. Absolutely. Because they are not releasing this game on PS5 and you can also play it on PS4. No, no, no. This is a PS4 game. Yes. Uh, and this is the performance it's getting on the majority of people's PlayStations. If you don't have a pro, I don't even... 
I don't even know what the fuck that game looks like. Like, I've seen some screenshots and stuff that you can't even fucking believe what you're seeing. Uh, so there's some, there's some ugly language uh, still in that, in yeah, that uh, regard. I, I, but I can't personally agree with his sentiment of, like, it's not optimized for older consoles. I and mean, you're like, he, he, there's no basis to stand on for there when you don't have a PS5 fucking version release. It'd be one. Right. It'd be one thing if you could point to the PS5 version and be like, "Look how great this game runs on this console." It like clearly it wasn't made for PS4, but you don't fucking have that. So you're saying one third of your release is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it that's where it gets complicated, right? Because like also he goes into like, "Hey, this thing was getting nines on PC, but like there was a clear reason we weren't sending out this console version. Like someone booted it up and saw what it was, and that was before any of those updates hit on like release week. So they've detailed their uh th- they showed their chart of when things are happening, which we've seen a few times out of Anthem. Still waiting to hear back from Anthem. It's been one year <laughs> since they said they were fixing that shit. Yeah. Uh but yeah, we're gonna get two major updates coming through February, and then uh there's going to be some free DLC and then a PS5, Xbox One, oh, sorry, PS5, Xbox Series X uh, enhancement version coming out in the summer, which will be a free upgrade if you already own it. Uh, but now that you have a PC, why would you ever fucking look back, right? <laughs> That's it's, true. It's, man, it's ugly. Uh, like, that game That game works. Uh, on Xbox One uh, X, I'm playing it on a, on a nicer TV. It looks fine. I've had very few uh, game-breaking glitches. I will say that the end of the game and the endings are, by and large, the most glitches I've seen in terms of things disappearing. How many times V went to take the cable out of his hand and it didn't exist. Uh, a character would walk in with no clothes. That shit was happening all over the endings uh, when I was playing it, which kind of made them funny uh, in an unintentional way, but goddamn. Uh, other than that, uh, we got a myriad of game delays and stuff like that. Hitman 3 is out and people are loving it. Uh, people talking about Call of Duty and what comes next. Resident Evil: The Vi- uh, Village will get a showcase event tomorrow. So if that uh, if that does it for you, go check it out. Uh, other than that, we're uh, I think we're gonna wrap up the news and just like I said, get right back into Cyberpunk. Read Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. I beat the game yesterday. Good. Tell me about your ending. <laughs> um, so the only ending I've bothered to do, um, and I guess that goes with just saying that like. This game left me wanting more with the writing because I had no desire to go play any of the other endings and I have yet to proceed in the story with any of my other characters. Uh, but the ending I chose was Panam's. That's the one I didn't do. Yes, so Panam's ending and I chose to call Judy instead of River. Uh, okay. So what happened for me, do you just want to tell me like what happened and my thoughts about it or what? Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll set it up a little bit better than that. We're going to be talking specifically about story spoilers for Cyberpunk 2077. Act 3, uh, basically you are called uh, to meet with Hanako at Embers, and she presents you with the ultimatum of helping you uh, access uh, the Mikoshi and separating you from the chip in your head from Johnny permanently uh, if you help her... Um, did you watch the other endings? I should add. No, I haven't even. Bothered. Oh God, you're gonna you're gonna find this fucking fascinating. Then that I I did all these other ones. Yeah, I will uh, see. Okay. I, like my interest in cyberpunk is that like I guess like I just played it so much. I'm just totally burnt out on the game now. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I get it. Listen, I fucking get it. I'm I'm at the same place now. I don't necessarily have a pull to go back to that game right now. Yeah. But uh, she basically says, "Hey, I'm gonna help you get to this data point with the Mikoshi in the uh, basement of Arasaka Tower. Uh, but first, you have to help me." 
Yorinobu Nobu is uh, is is leading Arasaka. There's all kinds of problems in it. We gotta oust this guy. We gotta reveal that he killed uh, his father, and that I need to now take over. At least that's what it seems like up front. There is a very big twist in this. Uh, in this storyline if you go through with it yeah so at that point johnny is telling you uh w- let's get the fuck out of here uh figure out what we want to do and you pass out you wake up in victor's <laughs> you pass lab out a lot in this game you you pass out in this ending sequences alone you pass it like 36 fucking times uh v passes out in the elevator he wakes up in victor's uh on victor's table again uh johnny managed to cl- to claw his way back to victor's to fix you up and it becomes very clear that the ultimatum is here so uh, I'll hear more about your ending and where it leaves V because when you meet Victor at this point in the game, he makes it seem like you, you have hours left to live. You need to go do this right now. The game shuts itself down at that point. You cannot do any side content. You just have to go through with your ending. Yeah. He gives you two pills, one to block Johnny, one to let Johnny take over, and he gives you a pistol and he sends you on your way. Uh, Misty kind of grabs you and says, hey, let's uh, let's go up to the roof uh, where me and Jackie used to hang out and, uh, you, you know, make up your mind on what you want to do. At that point, you have the option of killing yourself only after uh, suggesting one of the other options. Uh, you have a option of calling Panam and I guess storming Arasaka. You have the option of letting Johnny take control and he and Rogue will storm Arasaka. Or you can go the diplomatic route and uh, go with Hanako's plan and b- trust her that she will save you. Uh, and I think that about wraps up all the ending options. Yeah, that's where you're wrongly. Oh my god. Okay, so first of all, I have a theory about these endings, okay? Street, Hit me with street it. Street Kid, Corporal Nomad. Corporal ending is Hanako. Street Kid ending is Rogue. And then Nomad ending is Panam. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, and they were like, they were somehow going to connect these dots by the end, but they said, ah, fuck it, you can start as anyone and end as anyone. Right. Like, thematics somehow. Anyway, I guess it's a much of a theory, more like, a, how fucking obvious is this and how uh, unpolished is it? Anyway, so you have, yes, you have all those options. There is another. Um, so you have two ways of getting this secret ending, Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather getting the option to do the secret ending, I should say, because we can talk about what the secret ending actually entails at the end, because I haven't actually seen it, so I can't go into much detail. But you know about it? I know the requirements and, like, the setup for it. So okay. you either, in, in the mission where you go to Johnny's burial site at, not his burial site, but where his body was yeah. dumped at the... In the in the dump, yeah, yeah. You need to answer his answers in a very specific order, like you need to get every specific multiple choice one correct fucking zodiac spear all or over you need to have 70 percent or more in the middle call in the middle percentage column whatever it's called okay that's your johnny relationship meter essentially that's my, that's my johnny meter okay yes so that's why not only do i say rogue and panams and carries and everybody's side missions are important not only because they unlock more endings like you need to finish panam and rogue shit to get their endings um you also need that also helps boost up Johnny's relationship. If you get to seventy percent and you are contemplating a decision at this point for about five minutes and you don't choose anything, Johnny will speak up and mention a new option. Oh. In which you don't choose the suicide op- from what I don't know what happens from this on. I haven't seen it. It's just what I've read online. From my understanding, okay. it's essentially Johnny offers you a new option. 
where he takes over and you guys don't do a suicide run, but you essentially storm Arasaka by yourselves. Now, I imagine after this that you guys do some sort of sneaking into Arasaka and like have a grand grandose entrance. Right. Uh, but there is like a like a me and Johnny are so cool now that me and him are just gonna take down this fucker together. Okay, so uh, so what's interesting about that is I'm wondering how many actual endings there are because there's the mission which can take lots of uh, twists and turns depending on what you choose. But in terms of the ending, I think I wonder how if that's like the good end because no. every end I saw was bad. No, there's. <laughs> Every there is no particularly good ending, Lee. So there's, if I can just say them without going into too much detail, really quick. There's the suicide ending. There's the Arasaka ending. There is the Panam ending, which I got. There is the Rogue ending where you go into space that you got. Yeah. And then there is the other option where, spoiler for most of, if not all of these endings, you have a choice to give Johnny your body or not. Right, and And you can choose one or the other. Yeah, if you give Johnny your body, the ending is the same for all of your other choices regardless. Those are all the endings. There's different... Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, there's different variations in regards to the phone calls you can get in the epilogue. And yes, then, even though I saw some of the same ones with completely different yes, endings. Yes, and then, um, and then you're, there might be some slight variance depending on the person that you called if you're in a relationship with them before. Okay, gotcha. Yes. I'm, I'm following. Okay, so first and foremost, tell me what the Panam ending, mission, and ending is. So Johnny <laughs> doesn't believe that the Nomads will be able to help in any capacity, and this is what I didn't like about the ending, was just like, it was it was basically disregarding my entire relationship with Johnny for 90... I agree with Johnny, for 90, uh, just for the record. Yeah, for 90% <laughs> of... Uh, like, for 90% of this final quest, there's no Johnny interaction, because you just block him out, and I fucking hated that. Yeah. Like... It was like it was like okay, you clearly don't like Johnny, so you'll just have nomads now. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I want the Panam ending, but I also want Johnny there with me. Like, why can't I have both? Um, you just go to the Panam's camp, and like, this was weird because you keep getting the impression that Saul's like up to something, or he's using this as an opportunity to gain full control of the Avocados. Um, but essentially, you guys are just storming one of their outside refineries outside of the city. And you're digging uh-huh. through their tunnel, which will lead directly under their tower in Night City to get to Mikoshi. Awesome, uh, like Ocean's Eleven shit. Yes. So you go <laughs> under there, and Adam Smasher shows up. Yeah, he, he shows up in every. Yeah, end. he kills Saul. Oh. So what? Yeah. So like this weird deceiving plot line they made about like is Saul honest about what he's saying, or it's like is he deceiving you? Is he like trusting Pam? doesn't matter. Adam Smasher fucking murders him. So you and Panam get rid of Adam Smasher. Sure. Uh, you go to Mikoshi, and then I'm sure you got this in your ending too. Alt comes up, and she's like, all right, like, thanks. Like, I released Mikoshi, and, like, I tried to fix you, but you only have six months to live. Right. And you're like, but if you give your body to Johnny, Johnny can live forever okay, so, in your body. So everything you're saying now is exactly the yes, same as the Johnny yes, ending. Yes, this is this is like this is the other endings. This is for, this is the rogue ending, Panam ending, and this is the secret ending, okay? The secret ending mm-hmm. also leads to this point. 
You following? Yep. Okay, yeah. So the secret, I gotcha. the secret ending, Panama ending, Rogue ending, all these to this point where uh, all it says, you're going to die in six months if you take your body back. If you give it to Johnny, he'll live forever. Uh, well, relative. <laughs> yeah. So if you give it to Johnny, the, all of Johnny's endings are the same. And it's basically he leaves Night City and he's super bummed out. And then you get a bunch of phone calls at the end from people calling you. And they're all like, like, where are you? And they're like, where the fuck are you? Except Panam and like, like the people that know. And they're like, Panam's like, Johnny Silverhand, you motherfucker. I'm going to find you. I'm going to fucking kill you. And shit like that. Um, So it's like dark. Anyway, I chose not, I chose to take my body back. Johnny said never. And this is what I like. This is what I fucking hate about this ending is that there was little Johnny interaction. So when he said, and V never stop fighting as I go back to my body. Like, yeah. would have had so much more impact if I was constantly talking to Johnny before this, and he's giving me encouragement throughout the mission to go finish what I need, what I started, all this other stuff. There is no, there is none of that, like, so he was out of my memory for the last four hours because I'm doing all this other bullshit. Uh, so he's not fresh in my memory, so I'm not getting an emotional pull to Johnny anymore, which I fucking hated. So he just says, never, he always says, just keep on fighting me. Anyway, yeah. flash forward, I'm outside of the city now. <laughs> um, I'm with Judy, because Judy's the one I called beforehand. Okay. And she's coming with us to leave Night City, and we're taking oh, off. Uh, so Judy's like, I've always wanted to leave Night City. Like, I'm glad I'm coming with you. It doesn't feel real. And you're like, don't worry. Like, we're going to be great. We're going to be <laughs> fine. Uh, and then you turn to Panam, and you're basically like, uh, we're gonna go find like your specialized doctors, like in the big herd or some shit. Yeah. Like in the greater part, and like so, there's like a little bit of hint of optimism. So um, here's this is interesting. Yeah, there's more. Uh, there's more. When, <laughs> uh, when you're talking to Alt and she reveals like she fucked up, she didn't know that the DNA corruption was so bad that uh, V couldn't go back into the body for a long term thing. Sure. Were you V or were you Johnny? Oh, I was V. Okay, so. In the Johnny ending, it's the same scene, only you are Johnny, and you are making the calls for Johnny instead of V. Uh, and in my ending, uh, that ended that way, Johnny gave his body... John, Johnny stepped out of the way. He's just like... He gave like They had like a mutual, body. like, it's your body, uh, and it was way better. It's the best ending I got, was the Johnny ending. Uh, and like, Johnny crosses the bridge and says goodbye to V, and V is is will die in six months or whatever, right? Um, but they, they part ways because like, oh, like Johnny fucked up. He said this would work. He got alt involved. Everything was going to plan. Uh, and like, you can choose also to be controversial. You can of course argue with V and, and probably take the body at that point. You can go with either ending, but instead of playing as V making these decisions, you're playing as Johnny making these decisions. And, uh, I thought that was way better than the other ending where then I was V talking to Johnny. Yeah, that did not happen for me. Um, so basically just as the all coddles, you guys take off. Um, yeah. you and Panamber and the Basilisk, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Basilisk. Yeah, uh, you guys... I gotta tell you about the best glitch um, later about the Basilisk. It, Tell, me so the best part about this ending probably is the very end, if nothing for, uh, just the implication. You basically just start, you leave Night City, and as soon as you get out of bounds, you just see, like, this big open lake that you're on top of, and, like, actual nature and whatnot. Uh, and you basically, your character, you see your fucking character go on top of the basilisk like in a cutscene, and they like sit down and they're on top of it and they just like look super tired and they take out that necklace with the bullet 
And I'm pretty sure yeah. they're thinking about Johnny. At least that's my head canon. Then, like, Panam comes out and she hangs out with you. And that's uh, how the ending happens for the Nomads. Oh. And oh, nice. what I will note, there is a little bit of... Uh, so tarot cards play a big part in this game in some capacity. There is a collectibles yeah. form and everything. And if you actually take the time to read them, they do have implications for the ending because during the ending credits, you'll see typically three cards per ending. So yeah. for like the Rogue and the Johnny endings, they both show like very optimistic cards like like strength and temperance on all these ones that are about like, oh, like maybe they'll actually overcome this. So it leaves me a little bit more hopeful that, like, they won't actually fucking die in six months. Because otherwise I hate, fucking hate that there's no there's no way around it in this game that you're destined to play a doomed character. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just it. Is unless they in- invent some kind of 11th hour MacGuffin that allows Johnny to live in V's brain forever. And that's the one true ending that will be released in a year as DLC or something like that. Uh, the He's a doomed character, one way or the other. Either Johnny takes over the body, or he dies shortly after the events of the game, right? Yeah. So, in the suicide ending, uh, you uh, you offer something up to Johnny. Johnny's like, uh, anything other than, hey, I'll take the pill and Johnny, you take over. Johnny's like, well, that's a fucking awful idea. Uh, and then you're like, well, how about we just uh, we just blow our brains out right here, kind of thing. And and Johnny, like, kind of stops and he, he is not critical of you. He comes and sits in the chair next to you. And he like just has this blank stare. And V's saying, like, anything we decide to do other than just taking ourselves out of this will result in a bunch of people dying. And V like lays out his, his whole thing. And he's just like, the only, the only person that, that suffers in this ending is, is us. And Johnny's kind of like, you know, I never fucking saw it that way. And you convince him. You, like, V talks Johnny into quitting, basically. Uh, and they have this really kind of bittersweet moment. And then it just kind of fades out from the from the top of the thing. It, like, cuts two shots of Night City. And then you just hear, like, a lone gunshot ring out. And that's the end of the game. And uh, everybody calls you on the phone to tell you what a bastard you are for killing yourself, giving up. So, like, everybody was, like, sad. Like, Judy calls you. Her mascara's running down her face. Uh, they're all leaving you messages, much like you can for Jackie after he dies. By the way, Arasaka taking Jackie's body? Something happened with that, by the way. Uh, okay, so uh, Judy's crying, Victor's crying, everybody's upset that, that V took his own life, that it came to that, that he didn't ask for help. Pan Am calls you, says uh, she hopes there's an afterlife so she can kick your fucking ass, and that you're a fucking, after everything she did for you, you killed yourself. Pan Am just comes off as a complete fucking tool. Uh, in this phone call after you commit suicide. But it's like the bittersweet melancholy ending. And it was I'm glad I did this one first. Because it kind of sets the tone for the other <laughs> two. Uh, which is then the Johnny mission. Um, which is fucking awesome. Wait, for my phone calls really quick. I don't yeah. know about you, but I got them in a weird sense. Like maybe V was away. Or like they're posting for V when they die. Yes. Like. Yes. No, yes, because most of the endings are V uh, disappears into obscurity. Right. The only ending that isn't that way is the one you got, yeah, where you're sitting with your and friends. And that's why it's weird yeah. for me, because, like, and here's more evidence why it's weird. So, like, Panam's telling me what a great friend I am, how much I've done for her, how much she means to me. Uh, that's great. Like, even Mitch. Mitch was, like, fucking beauty. He's my bro. Um, yeah, whatever. Mitch is talking <laughs> to me all great. Vic's just like, hey, how you doing, kid? I hope you, next time you're in Night City, come come look me up. Yeah. Uh, Judy is, like, in her underwear and shit, and she's like, hey, babe, etc. 
but then you're like, okay, so like V's away, right? And then she's like, she's like, I'm just leaving this message for you as you're cooking me breakfast right now. And you're like, what? So, like, you're recording a message for me, but I'm in the same room as you. That's got to be, like, the romance option ending, then. Right, no, it is, but it's just weird. I'm like, when, like, in what timeline... Why would you leave me a message from the other room? (laughs) Yes, why would you leave me a message when you're just in the other room? Like, am I gone now? Am I dead now? Like, what's up with these messages? What am I? Uh, Okay, so, Johnny ending. I I gotta make sure I get through all these, because I don't want to talk about Cyberpunk beyond this episode. Uh, Johnny ending... You take the pill, Johnny marches into afterlife, the fucking, that fucking, that one song is playing, you know the one, the resist, whatever, resist blah, 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 blah. Order. It's, they have the volume turned up, sometimes you're in afterlife and you're like, man, for a nightclub, it's pretty quiet in here. They have it fucking blaring, Johnny comes in and just like fucking saddles up next to Rogue and he's like, here's the plan, we're gonna go fucking shoot up this tower and uh, convinces Rogue that this needs to happen. Uh, Rogue closes down the bar. And uh, tells everybody to leave, is pretty sure that she will not be coming back to the afterlife after she fucks with Arasaka in this uh, regard. They recruit one more guy who is, oh fuck, is his name Wheaton or like Wayland? He's he's the son of a guy who was earlier in the game with Johnny and Rogue. And he's awesome. He's like a character that's only in the end of the end mission of the game. But he has some of the better, most insightful lines uh, for this ending here. So anyways, URV with Johnny at the at the helm. Uh, you, you get drunk as fuck with Rogue, you make out with her, uh, you wake up the next morning, uh, Rogue gives you a bunch of uh, equipment, armor, the plan is you're going to bomb uh, the the anti-air uh, cannons on the top of the building, and you're going to go in right through the middle through a jungle. Did you fight through the jungle in your ending? No. Okay, uh, the jungle was in my other two endings that I did. Uh, basically on, this, on the middle floor of Arasaka Tower, there's like a rainforest. Uh, so the idea is we're going to blow through there and you're going to infiltrate through the rainforest like that fucking one Goldeneye level. And uh, let's do it. So uh, you and Rogue lock and load. Uh, there, there's a bunch of other flavor text and stuff on the side that I won't bore you with here. But basically you get inside, you chop up a bunch of guys in the forest, you find your way through. Uh, you have to make your way down a few floors because you're obviously going to the basement for the Mikoshi. You're fighting your way all the way through. Uh, you get to the room right before the Mikoshi and Adam Smasher shows up. Uh, he impales Rogue through the chest with his fucking metal arm. Rogue, uh, like, slips a grenade in his collar. And uh, at this point, I believe Rogue just explodes. Uh, she she gets hit by the area of effect here, dies. Adam Smasher is is now weakened. And you and Wayland, or whatever that guy's name was. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, you start wailing on Adam Smasher and beat him. And, of course, you, uh, as Johnny, have some extra text at the end when, you, when uh, Adam Smasher is on his knees. Uh, you can also pick up Rogue's gun here. And if you uh, decide to load your save after the game is over, you get Rogue's Gun to keep. I don't know if you got any items yes, to keep. Yes, I got to keep a specialized Aldecado racing jacket, which admittedly <laughs> looks really fucking nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also got to keep a shovel I picked up at one point. I have no idea what the significance of that shovel is, but it let me keep it. Uh, so you kill Adam Smasher, Johnny has some words for Adam Smasher just being like, hey, Rogue got to choose how she went out, but you won't, and I just cut off his fucking head, and it felt good, man. Uh, so then I, I go to the Mikoshi, get separated, end up in that scene with Alt, uh, only, uh, I'm Johnny in this case, uh, I decide to, uh, cross the bridge and live as Data or whatever with Alt forever, and, uh, V gets his body back, uh, then cut to V living in a lavish apartment, uh, apparently what went down with Arasaka has in turn made V very, very wealthy. Uh, he lives, I thought it was, a, I was in, uh, Carrie's house for a sec. 
uh, which is what kind of it kind of looks like. You wake up, V's getting calls. Uh, he's got something important to do. He's got to meet somebody at Afterlife. You take a shower. Uh, you get some clothes. I didn't realize until I got to the nightclub that it actually made me naked. So I just like waltzed into Afterlife with my fucking dick out, just like, what's up? <laughs> the hero of night, the legend of Night City is here, baby. Dick out, uh, me. <laughs> You, you meet with a fixer named Blue Eyes, who's in the booth that Rogue is usually occupying. Hey, Lee. Uh, yeah. Fun thing about Mr. Blue Eyes. Yeah. He's, uh, you, did you do the paralysis quest? I did. He's He was spying on you when you are talking to the dude the whole time. You can find him. Damn. Yeah, if you look hard enough across, he's at a balcony. He's fucking looking at you the whole time. What's the significance of that? Well, a lot of people online <laughs> are speculating that... Um, the DLC is going to directly pertain to what you're about to say that your character is going to do. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and it, there's something to do with, like, the actual lore of, like, the tabletop RPG. Like, he's, like, a pretty major player or some shit, I think. Okay. Uh, so, basically, you, there's some kind of big job you're about to do. Uh, you find yourself on a fucking space shuttle. You uh, suit up. You put a gun on your hip. And you float out into space towards a Arasaka satellite. And the only thing you really know about this job is you were going to steal the personal information of a bunch of people. Like from a casino that's stored on this satellite. Your character loads the... Like picks up the gun in space. Which is, by the way, guns don't shoot in space. You can't... There's no combustion in space. Uh, and then he makes this facial expression. Which I'm sure is meant to look determined... Or like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, but it looked like he was just taking a shit in his spacesuit. If I have to be completely honest with you, and uh, the game ends. <laughs> sure, space. So, but in this ending, I am not told in any way that V has six months to live. It's just like, oh, your DNA is fucked up, uh, and and only Johnny will be able to use your body. And I'm like, okay, well, I want my body back. Get it. And then suddenly. It's a certain amount of time later. I'm living in an apartment. V's living fine. He pukes up some blood in the shower. Otherwise, is fine. Ends up on a space shuttle. And, uh... He pukes up some blood. So, otherwise, is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little blood. Puking up blood is in video games is, is really nothing uh, at first. So what's interesting about this, though, is that V himself... And now I'm going to talk about my other ending here I got, which is the Arasaka ending, which is the most interesting ending, but also the most horrific and painstaking to sit through. Uh, so with the Arasaka ending, you you walk waltz right into this meeting that's also coincidentally taking place in the rainforest uh, that I mentioned in the previous mission. And uh, before you do that, uh, Hanako takes you downstairs to the uh, Mikoshi and sits you in like the booth and basically reveals that anyone who has been backed up to this thing can just be conversed with. You can just call their name and they'll appear from the void and you can just talk to them. And uh, one of such people is her father, uh, Saburu uh, Arasaka or whatever. He comes... No, what, Saburo? Saburo Arasaka. So he comes out and Hanako has already told him all that's happened, all that's transpired, and that you're important to this and etc. So you're talking to him and you actually have this cool scene where you're, you're talking to this character even though he's deceased and you, you can like be shitty with him or, or not. Um, her plan after you reveal... That, uh, hey, uh, Yorinobu did this. He killed his father. Everybody at the table was like, yeah, we knew the poisoning was a lie. Uh, but, like, what are you going to do? Kind of thing. Uh, so then she puts a hologram on the table and her father is standing there ten feet tall. Convinces everybody at the table. Hey, you fuckheads. Uh, I'm still in charge here. 
and uh, I got plans, and everybody fall in line. He proves, basically, that this is his consciousness and his will, basically. Uh, presumably, he was backed up after he was killed, let's say. Um, so this is kind of interesting, and it has some implications later in the story. Uh, suddenly, there's a lockdown in the rainforest. Yurinobu kills everybody uh, on the Arasaka board, except for Hanako. You chop your way out of there and chop your way through Arasaka Tower until you find Yurinobu. He is in, like, a giant flowing Japanese, like, kimono on the ground, uh, just sitting there, you kind of come and have a sit with him and talk with him a bit, and you're just like, "Yeah, man, you uh, you really fuck, you really fucked this up." And he's like, "Yeah, I know." And he's just kind of like repentant, and you don't really f- even feel like killing him at this point. Like he didn't really do anything to you when you think about it. This guy, like he's the he's the crux. Other than like Jackie got killed escaping that tower. Okay, fine. Um, also, everybody hates you if you choose the Arasaka ending. All the main characters that you interface with. Uh, like, kind of treat you like shit after that point because you, like, sold out to the corpse or whatever, right? Uh, so the Hanako comes in and uh, she was very clear that you cannot kill Yorinobu or, like, the deal's off, buddy. Uh, and you'll become an ant. Do not kill this man. I'm like, okay. Didn't really think of anything at the time. Uh, so you help him. Uh, Hellman is there. You're puking up blood. Hellman's like, well, let's get you downstairs and fucking figure this thing out. You wake up on a space station... And you're fucked up. Uh, Johnny is gone. Uh, you've been you've been healed. You have very little motor function. They are running a uh, like a litany of tests on you. V is confused. He doesn't know if he's him or Johnny. He doesn't know who he is. He's got neurological damage. He's mostly putting things together, uh, but he is not getting the answers he wants. It's a shit existence. It's like the Black Mirror ending. This ending. So every day, this girl comes in and she gives you your test. She asks you to solve a cube. She asks you to do word association. And you as V actually have to sit through this shit. Uh, she asks you to run on a treadmill and you fucking pass out. Because V's good at that. Uh, this goes on a couple times. And then there's a montage implying that this goes on for days and days and months. Uh, of v And like you can get more irate. You can like choose what you're saying through all this. V starts to hallucinate. He starts to see Jackie. He starts to, uh, things start to, like, change in the environment. It's it's a horror ending. I'm, like, straight up. Uh, at a certain point, uh, she allows you to call home back to Earth. You can call your entire list of, like, close friends. Uh, they are all either busy, they don't pick up the phone, they don't have time for V, they haven't heard from you in weeks. Uh, th- they don't understand the urgency of you being trapped on a fucking space station for these tests. And uh, it's sad, sad times. Uh, eventually... You, like, you have, like, your breaking moment and stuff like that. You wake up one day and Hellman is there and he says, good morning. And he's like, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, we've run all these tests for weeks and weeks and weeks. Your brain is completely fucked. You have six months to live, uh, he tells you here. Uh, you can go back to Earth and live out your days doing whatever you want. Power to you. Or you can become part of the pilot program uh, secure your soul and be uploaded to uh, the Makoshi, be uploaded to the, uh, the Engram thing. Basically become like Johnny was. Do the soul killer. And uh, I chose not to do this. Uh, basically because Hellman's like. Hey just by the way. Because your DNA is so fucked now. I cannot guarantee you I will ever find a body for you. So basically it's like upload yourself to the cloud. And that might be the end of you. Uh, v. But but you could live forever. We'll, we'll see. Uh, so it depends on your trust in Arasaka. I assume if you upload yourself to soul killer. There is an additional ending or something you see. Uh, but I decided to go back to earth. And and. That's the end of the game. Uh, so you have this horrific ending where V is doing all these lab tests and that you realize that, hey, having my body back, maybe not as cool as I thought, which is the same ending as the Johnny quest, 
Only there isn't this huge fallout of things after they do surgery to you. So whatever alt does to you when you lay in the in the Mikoshi uh, is is better. Like, puts you on your feet and doing missions months later versus being in a space station, not being able to run on a treadmill. So the Arasaka ending is, like, the bad end, uh, as far as, like, even worse than the suicide ending, which is bittersweet and sad, but has closure to it. This ending is just awful. Like, you see your dead friends, you call in everybody, they don't care about you, you're in space, you can see Earth, but you're, like, millions of miles away. Uh, that That is a horrific ending, and I don't recommend it. However... Uh, throughout this whole ordeal, you are getting news reports from Night City on a TV in your room. And one of the, the things it's it's talking about is that Soburu has taken over the body of his son. And is now living as his son and running Arasaka again. And it's showing like all these crazy riots and like religious leaders freaking out. Because basically, uh, this guy uploaded his consciousness to his son, effectively killing his son. And he's like, well, he's not dead. I'm him. I'm here. The flesh is here. He he willingly signed over. Obviously, instead of dying, uh, Yorinobu decided to repent and signed his body over to his father to take over, basically. And because they are, of course, relatives, uh, this was easy. Easy peasy. And there's a lot of uh, news reports about this, and it's really, really fascinating. And it's something that could happen in any ending of uh, of Cyberpunk, as far as I know. Well, in mine, um, you heard on the radio very briefly that Yornobu uh, killed Hanako, and that was it. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, then maybe not. <laughs> it was just Hanako died in the parade. Oh, no. Nor- Yornobu's great, isn't he? And everybody's like, yep. Interesting. Okay, so... That ending I didn't like, but there is a point uh, with the Mikoshi when you're talking with her that you have the option to ask her to talk to somebody. Because you're like, you took Jackie's body, let me talk to Jackie. And you have this super, like, upsetting, not, uh, like, like it's Jackie. It's a backup of Jackie and his life. Uh, but it's like, uh, happy, peppy, Jackie, hey, we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna go do this thing in Arasaka Tower. We're gonna make all those eddies, blah, blah, blah. It's basically like an echo of, of the personality of Eddie and V's like pretty bummed out by that and Hanako's like I, did you get what you wanted out of that and V's like fuck you you know I didn't or something like that it's pretty good uh, but I mostly took the corpo way through I was trying to be diplomatic with this ending uh, so I don't know what happens if you decide to tell Hellman hey back me up to the cloud let's, let's fuck this up uh, but those were the three endings I got and the Johnny ending was by and large the most hype the most fitting uh, where V gets an ending epilogue uh, that seems pretty exciting, as well as Johnny getting to make things right. Rogue dying in that ending is kind of unceremonious, but also, like, Rogue's character arc is done at that point. She closes the bar. She's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this place, and, like, has some finality to her character with some flavor text. Uh, and also, like, it, it ramps up Johnny. Now, now you're fighting Adam Smasher, who not only killed you, but killed the fucking love of your life, Rogue, right in front of you. Like, enough's enough, and you chop that motherfucker up, and that's the best ending, as far as I'm concerned. Your thoughts, Reed. Yeah, those were endings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I can't agree with having very little resolution depending on what ending. Like, I pick Panam's ending, so I get resolution with her stuff, but I have no none with the Arasaka people. I have none with Rogue or with Johnny. Uh, if you it's, if you pick Rogues, yeah. you don't get ending with with any with Arasakas or Panams. If you choose Arasaka, because you don't know what happens with Panam or Rogue, so... 
yeah, the the structure of it being like, hey, either you have to do this multiple times to see everybody, or it's going to feel very claustrophobic in terms of who you're dealing with after this. Like, if you played this, I, I had a 40-hour fi- file that I went into this ending with. I, 40 hours was my, my playtime. Yours was probably far beyond that. Some people are coming into this ending at 200 hours, having dealt with these characters for so long. And and it's it seems like the rest of the game, Reed, somewhat unfinished. Oh, yeah. It seems so weird that the game would culminate after building itself up with this Johnny V relationship, and the ending of the game, aside from the suicide ending, doesn't involve both V and Johnny. Is fucking crazy. Yep. Uh, other agree. than the secret ending, I agree. which might be the best ending, right? No, but the secret ending just bleeds into the other ones too. So from my understanding, it's not all that super different but i don't know i don't know i think it was narratively interesting uh in the johnny ending to give you agency over johnny and seeing v in third like you're sitting across the table from yourself uh i think that was kind of neat that's a neat idea there's a lot of neat points in all of these endings uh i i do have to say like that as horrific as that arasaka ending is when you're on the space station doing those tests i'm sitting there just being like how long is this gonna go i i get the point this is awful v you fucked up uh by going with arasaka uh but now i know um, so, in closing, Reed, would it be fair to say that if this game came out in December and uh, we had been playing it for, you know, for a year, that we would even consider what currently exists for this game being a, a highlight feature? I say no. A highlight feature? Like like doing a, a end-of-episode multi-part oh, discussion on this on game. Cyberpunk? It didn't warrant it. No, I would say it's not that interesting. It's not interesting enough. Um, like... Every then, like all the gossip and hype and news around it is very interesting, but I don't find the particular game in itself that interesting. No, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a real shame. Like I'd much rather uh, talk about like Red Dead Redemption, like we already have, which is bad for different reasons, or something like yes. FF Twelve, which is just a weird fucking game in general, rather than something it's, like this. Yeah, or something like even Last of Us 2, we're criticizing what is otherwise the way it was intended. The problem with Cyberpunk 2077 is we're criticizing this game, and we have no idea if this was the final vision. It's unfair. It's like us watching that uh, X-Men Wolverine leak that had no special effects. Do you remember that shit? Yeah. It's like us watching that and being like, oh man, the effects fucking suck. Like, it's, that's unfair. That. That's not the finished version of the product. <laughs> it's that clear. Um, <coughs> it's a shame that with such a cool framework, with so much care given to items and environments and and stuff like that in this game, for for how rushed the game apparent allegedly is, uh, where they just started making it in 2016, and uh, apparently the 2018 E3 demo is now being reported as being like false, fake, like fucking behind a curtain kind of thing. Uh, it's crazy to think how much work was still able to go into this game. All those credits at the end that scroll, the thousand people. That worked on every little bit of this game only for them to be like, ah, no, we got to pump it out. And it's like, okay, but that effectively throws all of this hard work, everything good we have about this game in the trash by putting it out in this form where that stuff is hidden under a layer of of unfinished polish. Like, it's insane. Yep. I think, I think that's it. I think that's I think it for that's... Cyberpunk, baby. Let's put her to bed. Uh, I think it's... I'm going to do one aside here for Cyberpunk and say a lot of Game of the Year stuff is happening right now. And some people could put Cyberpunk PC on their Game of the Year. Sure, absolutely. Uh, But I think the music in this game has gotten a real short shrift. I think people are like, oh, it doesn't sound like a Cyberpunk 
game. It's like, well, it has all that cyberpunky stuff in there, but then also they built an entire universe of music in different genres. I started listening to the fucking jazz station when I was driving around. I'm like, this is f- this shit fucking slaps. <laughs> Some fucking trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> 